Welcome to the Pulp MX Show, presented by BTOSports.com. Coming to you live from Las Vegas, right outside the Lion's Den, with your host, Steve Mathis. And now, strap in and get ready. It's showtime. I just don't like the guy. The guy's just a douchebag. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah! The voice of God lies. There ain't no Steve Mathis here. It's Jason Wigand. The first ever guest host of the PulpMX.com show. Congratulations, our buddy Steve Mathis. 401 good shows in the books. But for the first time, his show is actually going to be great. Because Steve is not even here. He will not be participating in his own show. I've been here hanging out in his house for the last 24 hours. Walking dogs for the first time in my life. Uh, getting dog stuff on my shoes and walking around in the lair downstairs, which Pookie's going to be very upset about. Uh, I think he has four dogs. We're already down to one. I don't know where the other ones went. So I've already wreaked a lot of havoc, and we're going to do a lot more because show 402 is going to be great, unlike the previous 401 that have only been good. I hope you enjoy your vacation, Steve. Please don't be dumb enough and listen to your show for five hours while you're on vacation. We torture people enough by having a five-and-a-half-hour show. Now you're going to learn what it's like. Yes, I am Jason Wygant, uh, most popular because I have my own podcast on the Racetrex Podcast Network. Uh, my co-host today also has a show on the Racetrex Podcast Network, so search for that now, download it, and then unfollow and unsubscribe to everything that Steve Mathis does and the Steve Mathis Show. We've got an awesome lineup of guests tonight. We had Red Bull Straight Rhythm, which was awesome. That took place on Saturday night. We'll talk about that. Uh, Monster Cup's coming up. A bunch of off-season Supercrosses that's all about to get unleashed. I'm sure some people still want to talk about motocross donations, so there's plenty to do and talk about on our show. But first, I have to give a shout-out to our sponsors. It starts with btosports.com. Be the one. Does anyone ever say that? That's what it actually stands for. btosports.com. Always supporting this show. Big, big part of it. So thank you for those folks. Also, Michelin, EVS, Vortex, Roost, Motoco.com, Vertex Pistons, Maxima, ProFilter, and firepower those are our sponsors to help make this thing happen you know that you love that and support those folks because they support this show and they got me to come to vegas uh when i could be home so thanks to those folks also you can use the amazon widget on pulpamex.com make a purchase percentage goes to steve to help support this and if you go to pulpamex.com they've got sponsor code discount deals for all other sponsors i love discounts i love discount codes use them personally endorsed by me because everyone knows that I like to save money. And that's why I stayed in Steve's house last night, because I'm not going to get a hotel. What are you kidding me? So on to our show. Uh, we have to fill Steve's shoes, and I guess it takes two people with some actual hosting experience to do it. So I've got a highly qualified co-host who could probably just be the host. He's got his own podcast that's on also the Racerex Podcast Network from the Main Event Moto Podcast, the Daniel Blair. You already messed up, man. Why? This isn't episode 402. We talked about this. This is episode one. Fair point. Pulpa Mex, rebuilt, mm-hmm. reborn, better. Episode one. That's right. Kicked off. Yep. So this is episode Other one. Other than that, though, you did really, really good. You, okay. you did have to read the notes. Steve actually looks down, and then he kind of has half of them memorized. Because I sit in this chair a bunch. Yeah. So I've kind of watched this. I will say you did a lot of things better than him, though. I, understandable. I don't want to hurt his feelings at all, but it's already off to a way better start. Uh, uh, understandable. Yes, we're considering this episode one now that you, uh, Daniel Blair, and myself, Jason Wygant, are in control. And we're not completely out of control, even though we haven't exactly done this, because we have our producer in the corner handling the technical end, the 
Travis Marps. Hello, hello. Thank God you're here, man. Uh, yeah. I was a little nervous. Uh, you were? Yeah. Dude. Steve first... normally like sets up his little spot over there. Yeah. And I don't normally mess with it. I know how. I've done it before. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking wondering if I was going to get everything right. This is not as advertised because Steve said you were going to be handling all the technical stuff. I'd have to do nothing. <laughs> and then finally around Saturday when I'm a little busy uh, announcing Red Bull Straight Rhythm, he sends me the list, which includes I got to know how to record. I got to use the mics. <laughs> I don't even know what program he uses uh, to do the recording of the show. So, yes, a lot was on you, and you showed up well, you pushed 540, so I was a little worried. Oh, please. I was a little scared. Please. I had to take Rocky for uh, a walk. Steve really is here. I mean, he always gives me crap about being late. Yes. Uh, I usually like your style, but now I know what it's like to be on the other side uh-huh, and be uh-huh. waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> uh, so this is cool. I'd like uh, to keep you in suspense is all. So good thing we have Travis. So if we totally screw this up, he can get us back on track. Maybe. And we got an awesome lineup of guests. We have none other than Travis Pastrana. He's going to dial us in after blowing our minds. This is like the uh, probably 20th consecutive year of, man, that was probably peak Travis. You probably never get to see anything <laughs> like this again. How can he top it? He continues to top it year after year. Yeah, it's one of those things where you see him and you're like, man, I'm glad I got to watch Travis do his last thing on a dirt bike. That's right. And then he comes back a year later and does crazier stuff. Um, which I thought was cool too is his ability to flip and then get right back to speed because it's like normally you would think you would need a second to recover. He literally did it and then even said in his interview, which he's full of it, yeah. that he actually used it because it was easier to I know. flip than to just <laughs> yeah, scrub it. Yeah, yeah, but you yeah. and I were talking about it earlier, Travis doesn't scrub. He's never scrubbed. And we were watching the video and we're like, how does he go so fast? Because everyone is scrubbing every jump. Yes. It's pure ground speed with him. He is ridiculous. And then the whoops. Oh, Front man. tire touched two of them, I think. And that's why he blew by Tyler Bowers, of all people, through the whoops. I, I, I can't stress two things enough about that 500 showdown, the Maxis race where they had Bowers and Pastrana on 500. A, it's not a retro throwback to the old days of 500 and Supercross. There was no <laughs> such thing. I think maybe the first two years, like 1974, 75, that's about it. So 500s never did that. Second of all, Tyler Bowers is a beast in whoops. And even he told me, when I knew I only had a bike length on him going into the whoops, I knew I was dead. Yeah. And Travis ate him up. Well, and the reason why, too, is if you watch back, that thing's got so much power, he has no traction. He's side to side. Bowers. Yeah. Bowers. If yeah. it, the, I don't know what he could have done to be better other than maybe let off a little because yep. he was just spinning the whole yep. time. And he probably knew it when he got in. He's like, oh, I don't have enough. Because he's just spin, 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 side to side. And then Travis just right across, again, misses the last four whoops with the front tire. Wheelies. And then I thought Travis was going right. Yeah, off the track somehow stays on. Yeah, he landed right on the edge. Surprised he, he didn't did. flip that jump too, <laughs> uh, but that was pretty sick to me. That was kind of the highlight, just because I, watching a KX five hundred that was not meant to maybe jump more than thirty or forty feet. Right, do triples and rip whoops and be scrubbed. And let me tell you right now, too, I've ridden a five hundred. They rattle your hands <laughs> off the bar. So for Bowers to be able to do that while being rattled off the bike, yeah, pretty impressive. Probably something only Tyler Bowers and Travis Pastrana can do. They're like probably the only two guys who could manhandle those things. Pastrana's guy, Ron Meredith, said they think they're probably well over 70, maybe 72, 74 horsepower in that bike to Pastrana. Well, and it's not a good 72 or 74. No. You know what I mean? You can make a good 72. Yeah. That is a rattling, vibrating death machine of 72, and they both just like, no problem at all. That was, that was sick. It's all two strokes at straight rhythm now, and I know that all the fans love two strokes, and one of the main things we talk about is they're so fun to ride, they're so fun to ride. And they are fun to ride in the hills or maybe if you go out to the motocross track, but when these guys got to time Supercross-style obstacles and 
Two strokes are now so retro that most of the guys riding don't really have any experience. It's not like these guys all raced two strokes and then switched for the most part. They were 250F riders when these guys turned pros. Uh, right. The ages we're in now. So that's what all of them talked about. Bowers, for example, in the 500, he's like, here's how the 500 has power. Just about nothing low end, nothing on top, and then this big spot in the middle. And he's like, if I would hit that, I would instantly go 20 feet further over a jump than I expected. And they're all like that. Like Roxon, they were doing jetting runs all night. They had Lars going back and forth to try to get the bike cleaned out or something. Right. But then Kenny's like, to be honest... It's a carbureted two-stroke. Maybe that's just how it is. He I don't know. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. So to get jumps perfect on two-strokes, which they're not used to, and it was a game of who was less prepared. Like right. Every guy I talked to was one week, oh, two days, one day, never rode it before, et cetera, et cetera. And then to do what they did, if you watch it from the stands or on TV, you would not think the guys didn't know what they were doing. They looked good. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun way to judge rider talent because mm-hmm. it's definitely not easy for them. It's not good for them. And you talk about the prep. I guarantee most of that prep came in the form of graphics and gear. Yeah. And the riders were the last ones to get prepped. I mean, I saw even Webb's Instagram, and they were, like, firing up the bike, like, Wednesday. It's like, yeah. you, you watch these guys ride those, and you're like, how can they just ride them at the same style and sickness that they do their 450s? And those bikes don't react like that. So, that's, right. again, that's what made that event cool. It was like Halloween, man. Everyone's dressed up in retro stuff, riding bikes that... You know, that old sound comes back, you know, and it sounds good on TV, too. Like, you can actually hear the good old crisp two-stroke, so sick. I I have to wonder, um, it's like the event keeps reinventing itself. I mean, it wasn't even designed as a two-stroke event. The gimmick was that the track didn't have turns. Now that's, like, ninth on the list of crazy things about the event. We don't even talk about the track anymore. Right. Talk about the two-strokes. Now we talk about the costumes. Talk about the retired guys coming back. How's Villapoto going to do? How's Travis going to do? Last year they had Dungy in it. So the innovation level is high, but it's, they're setting a very high bar to come up with yet another crazy what would this look like thing. And you were trying to riff on like, you can do a baton race, a relay yeah, race. Well, like, what I, could you come up with? I at this don't. Point? I don't know what you can do, but you got to do something because you don't just end when it's successful like that. They got to find something, and that's the thing. As long as I keep elevating in a way, it'll yeah. be fine. I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's going to be the hardest challenge because you go retro, you go two strokes, you get Ken Rocks and Travis Pastrana. Max Volan, like now you're getting the yeah. kids. Come. You've you're kind of doing a lot. You are. You got to find something to go next level, and like I said, maybe a relay race, a baton, okay. and actually pass the baton and hold the baton. Maybe in the air. Yeah, got to pass it. Something mid triple, something like something. that. Something. Um, so uh, you you and I knowing that Mathis isn't here, we were kind of theorizing for the last month or so what we could do, and the instant thing that we hear from all the fans is, oh sweet, they can finally get Anderson and RC on Mathis's show because Mathis right. is not here. So, speaking of relay, I did try to pass that baton. You went, you tried to do it? You tried to get them? I gave it everything I had. Anderson was not available tonight. He's been a little busy lately. Yeah, I even felt bad asking because it's like, yeah. I know you just got back and you're trying to get ready for Monster Cup. And I'm like, hey, you want to come on pulp? And he's just like, dude, not the right time to try to pull that. So, And he was at straight rhythm. He rode on Friday. I thought he looked good, but he wasn't. They said they had a mechanical problem. To me, you'd probably feel like the bike had a mechanical problem even if it didn't. Right. Because <laughs> he was riding a 450 in sand for a month. And now he's riding hard pack on a two-stroke. I'm sure that was really comfortable. Yeah, and he hadn't ridden Supercross, he said, since he got hurt in January. Then he had a ride day yesterday. So, okay, Anderson, busy, he's out. Now, what, Ricky, about R- what about RC, bro? Working hard, trying to get him on. I will say the door is not shut. I have a toe keeping okay. the door open. okay. Okay. Um, so I'm not 100% sure. I'm still like literally working it right now, trying right. to get him on the phone. Um, and 
Well, did he hit him up one more time? <laughs> okay, because I literally gave him the number and I said, "Dude, if you could pull it, please call in. And if you can't pull it, I get it. I'll be sad. I'll get over it." Right. But this is going to be the only shot uh, that there will ever be to get Carmichael on this show. So Daniel's going to try one more time. <laughs> Probably just going to ghost me, dude. You know how it is. Like, you try. It? Yeah. Let's see what happens. Hello. 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 We got RC. It's me. We did it. Got him. You did it, Daniel. We got Ricky Carmichael. Six months. I've been chipping away at the oak tree, and I got him on. I cannot (laughs) believe this has happened. All right. Well, you know how much I had to pay him, (laughs) Ricky. You guys. Did you guys get approval first or what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, actually, that's all I want. Huh? Actually, we didn't. Did you guys get approval, bro. RC, this is this the, is our show. This is the kind of job you want to get fired from. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah. I get in trouble and we I never have it, to do this. We hope again. it goes bad and we're never invited back. <laughs> uh, good job, Daniel Blair. Nicely done. So you were trying. Uh, I I don't even. Does anyone even know where the Mathis RC thing even started or where it even is now? Do you even know, RC, where it is even <laughs> I at? Think Ricky it's knows. like become like a thing of its own. I don't know if anyone even knows how it started or where it ends or what. I asked him when yeah. we were in Florida last week, and he's like, I don't I don't know <laughs> what's going on all the way. So, yeah, Ricky, you do you know like what the problem is? I, I don't, man, I don't, I don't have a problem with the guy. You know, it's uh, pretty... I mean, he's built something really nice. I'm, I, I honestly, I, I don't. And if I've, if I've offended the man in any way or anything of that nature, I, man, I, I apologize. You know, shoot, I'm, yeah, like I told you, Daniel, one time, like, dude, what is, is does the guy just hate my guts or whatever? I'm like, dude, I've, I've been married, divorced, got kids that are almost teenagers, man. You know, it's, it's like, been a while. <laughs> it has, it has. So. uh Anyhow, I'm. Uh, I, I you, you asked me should we bury the beef? I'm like, dude, I, I don't, I can't remember what the beef is about. Anyhow, uh, I'm glad to be on. And uh, shoot, I didn't honestly, I didn't even know that he he wasn't going to be on here. Daniel, you pulled a fast one on me. Uh, oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. Well, yeah. yeah, he's not here. It's our show, so me and Weed are in control right now. And Steve is. You think he's listening? Probably is. I mean, his phone is blowing up if he's not. Uh, yeah. I know it is. Yeah. We, hey, just so you know, Ricky, we ruined his vacation because everyone's texting him right now and letting him know that I got it done. It's all good. Well, I hope everyone hope everyone enjoys it, and I'm looking forward to uh, to talking to you guys, man. I just saw you like not long ago, Daniel. Yeah, it was last week. Long time no see, man. <laughs> yeah. How, so, how about them Cowboys? You know what? Uh, and I'm so sick of that, Ricky. That that's how dude, every every conversation, every text, they always start with that. That's like, how do I start a conversation with Daniel? Oh, I know. I'll bring up the Cowboys, and that's why he doesn't. You know, for three weeks, didn't say a word. They were looking mm-hmm. fine, and then the last two weeks, getting mouthy. And and I have no no defense, Ricky. I have none. They are garbage. They're pathetic. What else you want me to say? That's it. They suck. <laughs> Thanks for leaving the door open in the division. I'm happy about that. Because I thought it was well, going to be not even close. Who's your team, Weege? I'm from New Jersey, so I'm a Giants fan. I'm oh. battling the Cowboys my whole life, bro. And this one wasn't even going to be a fight. But here we are. You're not yeah. in it. You're oh, not in dude. it. Hey, Weege, if I could have uh, put a voice recorder on Daniel and just, I mean, just rubbing it in every yeah. face about how good they're going to be. And then as soon as they get beat, he's like, oh, they suck. Yeah, they're they not the, tonight they're garbage they're, they're, is what he just said. They are garbage. Yeah. How about your boy, Ricky <laughs> Minshew? Minch, uh, dude, I got Minshew fever. You know, if we're gonna lose, if the, if the Jags are gonna lose, at least he's 
he's fun to watch, and he's a feel-good story. He goes down swinging, even I, if he goes down. I no was doubt. thinking more on the lines of the Fu Manchu and the weird stuff he does in the locker room. That's why I like him. I don't know about on the field. I actually never even watched the guy play. I just think he's cool because he does weird stuff all the time. So, yeah, he gets pretty amped up. He's uh, yeah, it's a it's a good story, man. It's it's a good story, and that's what you anyhow. guys were doing. So yeah, you guys had meetings for TV. So already bench racing. About 2020. Oh, I picked yeah. Daniel up at the airport today, and he's immediately going into 2020 Supercross. There's like all these races, Monster Cup, Paris, Australia. We just had straight rhythm. All these races in between. But already you two were bench racing about 2020 Monster Energy Supercross. Yeah, we are. We're excited. I think everybody's excited. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to the Monster Energy Cup coming up. And uh, I don't know who, who's all in there. I think it's going to be pretty stacked for the most part, but I'm excited about it. And um Daniel, I know you want to give me a hard time. We kind of talked about it a little bit in our meeting, so go ahead and just go just go ahead and well, tell everybody what, right. what we were talking about. Well, first, let me prop you up before I bring you down. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. So all last right. year, we do the preseason meeting. We, you do them for the outdoors, too, where we all talk on the phone, Bondo, everybody, and mm-hmm. we just, what are the storylines? Who do we think? And Ricky last year, to his credit, in the preseason meeting said, you guys just watch Cooper Webb. Just watch. And we were all like, yeah, should be better. Like, And, and I'm a Webb fan. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, he's going to be a lot better. Ivan said, I'll bet he gets a win this year. And I felt like that was Ooh, even like, I mean, I was, there. I was, I was getting loose. Yeah. Um, and Ricky's like, no, no, you'll, you'll see. Just watch. The, he's got the right attitude. And now he's got the right team. He's got, you know, everything around him is right. You just, just watch, just watch. And so he was right. That's why the web wagon thing came out last mm-hmm. year because mm-hmm. it was almost like we were like giving Ricky his due because he did call it and we all didn't. Well, but, I wouldn't say that I I didn't say it verbatim like that. I'm just like, hey, he is in a good spot, you know. I, I this it's like a it's like a diamond in the rough almost, you know, and it just needed a little bit of cleanup and um, an accountability. I feel like. And I knew, I know what the program, I know what that program's like, that where he's at. Um, I mean, not to a T, but pretty darn close. And I'm like, it, if things go right, you know, it's a, it's definitely a good recipe. And I'm like, I'm not saying he's going to. I'm just saying, just keep an eye on him because, you know, I, I just, I've watched him for so many years. His racecraft is so good, and uh, he's riding well. You know, in the 250 class, when he won this two championships, I'm like, you, you know, you don't forget how to win, especially when you win that many times. And uh, it, sometimes it takes some time to get that feeling back and get all your ducks in a row and everything lined up properly to get there. And I knew, or I had, I didn't know, I had a feeling like, man, if, if he gets in the right spot and he learns how to win again and, and, and gets that feeling of what it takes, just just look out because he put he puts himself in a good position a lot of the times and you know he comes in in clutch moments and that's what he did then why are you and, off the wagon and it was kind of inside like it was almost like it like it was kind of like an inside joke within the tv crew because they know what i i said and uh that's why i kind of hopped on the wagon like i told you guys it was a possibility <laughs> but my but i always we i always uh I always give the the past champion uh, the nod. I mean, they've earned that right. I mean, I was I picked Jason Anderson. He was my pick. You know, I did too. I was on the record for that one. And then I at yeah, three weeks I mean, into the season, not... I sent him a video clip of me saying it. I'm like, thanks, bro. You're really making <laughs> me look nothing, good here, dude. 
There's yeah. nothing wrong with that either. You know, yeah. I mean, dude, his 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 records proved it. He was the most consistent guy, and he was he was able to make it happen. And you know, so everyone asking me, you know, hey, who's your pick? Well, I'm gonna go ahead and give Cooper Webb the nod. Mm-hmm. He was the best guy mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. and you know what? Why wouldn't you? Daniel's down no, shaking his head. He's no. he's he's saying that there's been some pump sprayed in, uh, yeah, in some other directions I, here. I, in these I feel meetings, like Ricky. you've maybe got a toe on that wagon, and I feel like maybe you're on another wagon. That's what it sounded like last week. <laughs> well, I I think that um, a guy to watch for uh, will be um, the since uh, you the ninety two. I just I, nine. You know, I, the I'm, nine. I'm really nine. The nine. He t- that that's yours. He's oh, the nine, 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 number nine. nine, nine, nine. <laughs> he, took, he took the RC <laughs> Cowie nine. You guys nine. are gonna rip me now. You guys are gonna rip me. Hey, what year? What year did you run the nine? Oh, dude, I, I, when he said he should he run nine or ninety two, dude, I'm like, man, not that it, not that it means anything because I ran like crap with number nine, but I'm like, <laughs> man, you might want a second that you might want a second guess that decision anyhow. <laughs> yeah, RC nine never really <laughs> caught on. That wasn't a thing. Yeah, not it, a legendary it even, thing for you. It, it, it never even felt right, dude. Like yeah. I look at my bike, I'm like, that's not even my bike, dude. Get that thing out of here. Okay, so what I know. Okay, so you were saying that you and and yeah, for the record, you didn't say I will predict that Cooper Webb will win the title. You just thought he no. would improve. And I thought a lot of that was you. Year three for you in 250 Supercross was when it hit. You know, we all yeah. thought in '99 you were going to be awesome. It lasted mm-hmm. about a race and a half, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then 2000 was better but not on fire, and then it was year three. And historically, year three, I know that McGrath won his rookie year and, and Dunge won his rookie year, but historically, year three is about when guys really figure that class out. So I'm like, okay, it's a timeline thing. But you are now saying this about a first-year 450 mm-hmm. rider for Adam. Why? Why do you see that in him as a rookie? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe when you watch his progression um, this past year, especially around the – where were we? Um, Oakland. The Oakland round, like something to me just clicked, and I've I've said this several times now. Something to me just clicked, like when like halfway through that race, he started making mistakes early, but then he like slowed down, smoothed it out, and then started pulling away. And from that point on, minus his you know his slip up in Vegas at the finals, I mean the guy was pretty darn good. He was where he needed to be most of the time, you know, as an average for the rest of the Supercross season and for the outdoors. And in my opinion, that's what you need in, in the 450 Supercross to be uh, Monster Energy Supercross champ. you got to be there every single weekend, and you got to run up front. You know, I mean, you, you can slip in a fifth, a sixth, a seventh every once in a while, like one event maybe, two. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, you know, you just you can't slip up like that. And – he he, you know he gets really good starts. He's always in the right position. If he can make it through the first several rounds, I think he's going to be pretty sporty. Yeah, I remember when this hot rookie Chad Reed was coming in, and he didn't win the title because he wasn't consistent enough because he had two sixth place finishes, <laughs> and that wasn't enough to get it done against <laughs> yeah, somebody. Nowadays, you can exactly. you can get a couple yeah, of them and you be gave okay. Him no breathing room, bro. No breathing yeah. room at all. And in those days, you're exactly right, Weege. Like in in those days, yeah, you had no wiggle room whatsoever because the worst we would get would be a third. You mm-hmm. know, now there's so much parity in the series that you, you 
you know, got, it's, it's so much harder to get on the podium than it was back then. That's not a slight towards the guys that we were racing back then, but those are the facts. I mean, you, you look at, you can look at the results and see that now. So I think it, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think the series is in great shape uh, for our, from a fan standpoint. It's exciting to go to the race and not know exactly who is going to win. So I'm just saying that I think the nine is going to be a guy to watch. Right. How about that? Right. Is that fair enough? That's fair. See, uh, you, you <laughs> I mean, what, okay, Daniel, who you got? I'm, yeah, he's yeah, yeah no, I, quite a bit, but he hasn't put anything out there. What do you mind? I, I've, I was on this show a, over a month ago, okay. and I'm all – 92, now 9 guy, too. I, I think Adam's going to be one of the better rookies we've seen in a long time. And for what Ricky said, too, I if you think about the You're ages. You're such a follower, bro. I'm, I, I, that's we're talking about five I weeks ago. You, I, because I told you this at Vegas Supercross last year. I said, oh, 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 you want to go back? I told you at Anaheim last year that when AC goes oh, okay. for a bit. <laughs> what, it's in Cirillo. People were saying this in 2014. Yeah, what are you want to go all the way back. Hey, you want to go back to him on a 65. I called this back in... What was it, 2001? You and about thousands of, thousands of others back called that in his mini-cycle days if you want to go see who I, got his first. I know, but my reasoning, too, is he's the same age class as Webb. I think he's even a little bit older. So Webb's going into his fourth year in the 450. This is Adam's first, but Adam's a little bit – he's got his years in. I feel like he's a little bit more mature than most rookies are, and I feel like the one thing that always bogged him down on the 250 was – the lack of power on a 250. I felt like he always overrode it a little bit. So I just feel like he's the kind of guy, size-wise, and just what he's kind of become as a rider, I think the 450 is going to make things easier for him. And I don't think I've ever heard you say ever since, since I've known you in the position you and I are both in right now to say that I don't think I've ever heard you say, man, I just don't know if the 450 is really going to fit that guy. <laughs> I feel like everybody that jumps up, Daniel's like, man, the 450 is really going to be good for his style. Look, man, if you throw a lot of predictions out there, you're going to get one right once in a while, man. I, it's not a great average. That's my theory. You but can when, always hey, find some audio one Daniel time and you get it right. His, Daniel, the problem, though, like he goes with his heart a lot. Daniel I do. Does. I'm bad. You get, you get emotionally invested in your guy, and it's just like, man. I do, you know? I do, I, and then I get stubborn because I say something and then I got, then I write it out because I'm stubborn. I hung out with you guys a couple times last year, and it gets it gets emotional in a different way when you guys start arguing your points. And hey, let's not uh, forget our girl Will Christian when she gets in on the conversation. You guys can really go pretty big on who's right, who's wrong, whose predictions are coming true, who's not. That banter yeah. is probably better than the TV hey, show Ricky, itself. Ricky, hey, I might be live. Uh, I might be a little emotional and call things with my heart. I'm not as bad as Will. Will no. is... Oh, my lo- gosh. Hey, who, she is loyal to yes. whoever she is feeling. Yes. And she will argue with us, and she'll make points, and we're like, Will, stop. And she's like, nope, you guys are wrong. I feel it. There's Will, your, your guy's like 80 points back with two races to go. <laughs> He's got it's a chance. He's got a chance. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean... When when you got to get leave at five thirty in the morning to make it to the track for the national, it's amazing how powered up she can be on predictions for the day, even at five thirty a.m. Uh, she definitely gets into it. This should be yeah, a separate show for there. you. Guys. The, the passion is there. The no. passion is there. It's cool to see. Uh, hey, so uh, we had uh, straight rhythm uh, Saturday night, and that's mm-hmm. like throwback two stroke days. So hey, a little bit in your wheelhouse there. Did you watch it? Did you see it? What do you think about that whole two stroke situation there? Yeah, I, I watched it. It was cool. It seemed like the fans had a good time. It was great to see. Really cool to see all the racers um, participate and get all into the two-stroke. Uh, 
some of the guys that have never even really raced a two-stroke at that level. That's right. That was that was fun listening to that. At the same time, it was a little scary because I'm like, damn, dude, we're getting old. <laughs> but uh, it was it was it was fun to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch. I, and, I, I get worried uh, well, for guys in your situation. Remember I asked you this at Daytona when they had you doing laps on press day with the other guys? We just assume it's Ricky Carmichael. He can do any Supercross track, any lap, no problem. No, uh, no. And Villapoto was trying to do this quad on Friday, and he faced it so bad. And we're like, dude, you are retired. There's nothing on the line. Why do you need to jump this quad? So I think we just assume, like, it's Villapoto, it's Carmichael. They'll always be able to do these things. <laughs> but it gets a little yeah. scary at times when you see that happening. <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't hurt himself. That's that's yeah. good, you know. Like, you want to have fun at this stuff, and then at the same time, you also that competitive side comes out in you, and you want to do well, and uh, you know, not let your fans down and the people that's been uh, helping you to get to that point for this event. But uh, at some point, man, I mean, for me, I'm a little bit different than say RV. Just I've been I've been in the retirement scene a little bit longer, mm-hmm. quite a bit longer actually. So. You know, I'm I'm way on down the line. So stuff like the the straight rhythm is is far fetched for me, unless it's like it's apples to apples and who you're racing. But you know, it uh, that's the thing. You just really have to be smart. Like when I ride now, mm-hmm. I I'm I'm kind of like you know just take a step back a little bit, and you know, there's no quads for me or anything like that. <laughs> and I try to only do things that I'm comfortable with and really keep myself in check because. You know, I, you're not in shape. You're not you're not um, used to taking the falls like you once did. And, you know, things happen a lot. And one of our good buddies, Davey Coombs, always told me one thing that never changes is gravity. So, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was fun, though. Fun to watch. And yeah. Heart raft, man. What a ride from that guy. What the heck? Heart yeah. raft. <laughs> Unbelievable, dude. Like, okay, the idea of the event is there's short runs and it's unpredictable, so kind of anything can happen. But in the early rounds, we were thinking – it might go too far. We might have like a Parker Mashburn, Brandon Hartraff final here or something, and everybody's going to be like, where were the good guys? Well, they were almost eliminating all the good guys. Yeah, they were knocking them down <laughs> one by one. Yeah, it was cool to see uh, it's cool to see Hartraff do well. It's cool to see just everyone having fun. That's, that's what that was cool to see is everyone having a good time, not so much pressure. And, uh, yeah, Hartraff did, did awesome. And, you know, going switching gears from the 450 to the 250 for next year, that's a guy that everyone needs to watch. I mean, he's uh, kind of been under the radar. And I was even telling Daniel last year and then uh, throughout the outdoor series, I'm like, man, that guy really needs, needs to get a shot. You know, that that was my feeling. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that he's landed himself a, a good ride. He did really well at the Cycle Trader Rock River team. And uh, he earned himself a – Damn good spot over there in advance this position, and uh, I think he's going to do fantastic next year. Yeah, we'll It'll actually have him on the show, too, in a little bit, so we'll ask him about that. Oh, Daniel, cool. you can liven him up quite a bit because you guys go way back. You guys are tight because he's, he's in the Jacob Hayes orbit. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, oh. he's under, uh, he was under the same semi as my rider. So, yeah. um, hey, I, I just want to send it back a second, though. Ricky talks about you know riding again. You want to see something sketchy. You should have seen Ricky trying to ride arena cross opening ceremonies. That dude. was sketchy. Oh, what are you, ta- what are you talking dude, about? Dude, there was multiple rounds where you were falling and getting in the way of the riders on their hot lap. Stop is, it, dude! Has, is he? Does he have a cocktail? Is this, in, no, it's a water. Right right Dasani, are you telling the truth? I, are you drinking? I, I know what happened. It, uh, I worked God. with Austin. Just because it looks like it's I, water in that me, bottle doesn't always mean it's water. Ricky, you've been a flat, slippery corner. 
I, I didn't say which obstacle, but I know you were down once because I remember you at the corner after the whoops went well, down. I was probably trying to dodge your slow ass. No, I wasn't out there. I wasn't, I wasn't out there. But I remember, and Ricky would come out, and the, Babbitts would have this, like, Suzuki. They'd roll out for him. Mm-hmm. It was on the truck because he would come to, you know, four or five. It was bone stock, stock. Bone right? stock. And, dude, throw it in first gear. And he, I remember Ricky telling me one time, he's like, man. These catapults, dude, they're not that far, and this thing's got a lot. And the first time he would do it, he was like puckering up off the finish line <laughs> jump just to make sure he cleared it right. And I remember seeing you, OJ, those a little. You you pulled them up, but I know you were down once in the corner after the whoops, and you blocked everybody for about two laps trying to get their hot lap. I remember that really? happening. Really? You know what happened. I'm trying to, yeah. I mean, he, I guess I did. I guess I did. He I doesn't know. remember it doing it like himself. It, was, it wasn't like it was every single weekend. <laughs> It wasn't like you were you know, racing only, only 15-year-olds for a regional arena cross you. title. Only person I wanted to beat on lap times is you. That's oh, dude. I well, I, as I'll remind you now, as I have reminded you many times, you don't have an arena cross title. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 a regional? Just, a regional? You, you, no, you didn't have the skill set to ride in tight confines like that. That's, it is what it is. I don't, I don't know. You didn't have what it took to beat 14-year-olds for a regional 250 They were 15. Oh, 15-year-olds, That's sorry. the legal age to race arena cross. It's 15. And, uh, and yeah, I ruined a lot of uh, parents' dreams. Let's just put it that way. A lot of kids coming up looking for their chance to get in, and then they're like, who's that Whatever old guy? Happened? How come you never raced the, just the arena cross class, like, full-blown? I, I did. I did, but just... What happened? Like, it got tough, and I didn't want to train anymore, so I rode the lights class. I chased, the, I chased the dollar, man. Hey, I will say the whoops in Arena Cross were big, dude. That is the one thing that kind of sketched me out when I was going, when I would go there and do the hot laps and ju- jump in and practice and ride with the boys. Is like, you know, I kind of pick and choose how many laps I wanted to do based on how big the whoops was. But that one <laughs> round, where were we in Austin? They were so big, I didn't even mess with them. Yeah, he went around them. them. I just go right around them. <laughs> I remember he was talking to Mewy. Hey, so for opening ceremonies, I just got to do the catapult, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. He went and got it dialed, and that was it. No whoops that week. <laughs> Uh, hey, we got Monster Energy Cup coming up here in a couple weeks. I yep. got to talk to you about it uh, when you guys were unveiling the track. Uh, so let's remind everybody that we're going to have the backwards track, at two different starts, so three different layouts. And then, like you said, we don't even necessarily know at this point exactly who's racing. So that's going to be pretty wide open how that's all going to go. Uh, I, I, when we announced it and said they're going backwards, all these fans were like, dude, what are they going to kill, dudes? So could you please explain? You've ridden Supercross tracks backwards. It's not that gnarly. It can be done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I, I used to find enjoyment of riding my Supercross backwards, you know, because back in the day before everyone had two Supercross tracks, you had one. So I would change mine. I would make mine universal. And we were shooting around ideas. They wouldn't let me start at the very top, you know, like we did that one year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, we, had, we have to do something other than the Joker lane. So uh, between all of us, we're like, man, let's backwards one time. And uh, one of the three main events uh, to, to switch it up a little bit. So first and foremost, safety is our primary concern, obviously. Uh, so I think this is just going to be a great opportunity for the guys to do something different. Uh, I, I believe it's going to force the guys to – they're going to – not that they don't pay attention enough, but – you know, I think they're going to pay attention even more and be more alert because where they're landing, uh, they would would have been taking off. You know, and and Dirtworks is going to do a great job of fixing all the, you know, the hazard areas. It's just they're just going to have to be on their toes a little bit more. You know, so uh, it'll 
I, I, I personally think it, it's just going to, you know, force the guys to, to make better decisions and, and be on their toes a little bit more. Uh, they won't have as much many laps on the same direction track. And I think it'll be fun for the fans as well and puts a nice little neat twist on it. That I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited for it. And, um, I haven't heard too many bad things, like too many negative reviews. I think everyone's like, man, how's this going to be? And that's what we want. I think it's going to turn out. I, I'm a believer in it. I think it's going to turn out pretty good. You know what I find funny, Weege, is we got Villapoto and Dungey, who you could say are on the Mount Rushmore, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They couldn't. Mount Rushmore's getting big now. They couldn't even remember to hit the Joker lane, <laughs> and now Ricky wants to send them all backwards and do the Joker lane still. Yeah, like, do you know what dirt bikers are like, Ricky? The I concentration mean, levels I, are, <laughs> dude. The two of the best couldn't do the Joker lane, and now we're gonna send them backwards. Villapoto made fun of Dungey for missing it, and then twenty minutes later missed yeah, it himself. Exactly, right. and, now, <laughs> and now they're gonna go backwards, and that's gonna be fine. Yeah, I think you know what I. I'm. I just. I'm. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. It's got a, everybody talking. I think everyone's going to have a fun time watching it, uh, and I think it's going to it's going to make for great racing. You know, I, we needed a we needed we needed to uh, we needed to do something like this for the event, and uh, this this we felt like this was the best best thing to do and and we think it's going to be you know it's going to be safe but it's also going to race really well and uh, it's going to be exciting for the fans and tv and everyone across the board all right hey one last thing did you can, yeah. can you believe those dudes are race, racing 500 two strokes speaking of arena cross oh, tyler bowers on a 91 which is really like an 87 with bold new graphics <laughs> can you believe that dude no i i, I can't i i only rode a uh, 500 like twice in my life there's a guy that uh had one here in tallahassee when i kind of moved up here dude i think i rode one when i was 12 years old <laughs> and like when i was 12 years old i was probably almost as tall as daniel is right now oh. which isn't saying much oh jeez, dude we share the a same lot. hey we share but the I same was, box bro What's that? We share the same box. <laughs> no, nah, I think you. I think you needed a bigger one. But anyhow, um, and it, it was so fast. So I, I couldn't imagine. Just there's so much inertia, weight, and the steel chassis that uh, Tyler was on. It's like, dude, the thing has probably. I'm guessing has so much flex, but yet it's so powerful. That uh, it's pretty amazing how fast those guys are able to go on 500cc two-stroke engines. They need to check the frame. I'll bet you that thing is stretched, stretched yeah. right oh, yeah. now. They weren't meant. Thanks, probably a Cadillac. It, yeah. Dude, they weren't track, meant right? to jump triples and quads like that. That thing might be stretched out. Man. Yeah. All right, sure, RC. Sure. Well, we made some history here. We officially said this was <laughs> going to be the first great show that Steve has ever had, and I think we did it well, already. We're done. We could we could shut this whole thing down now. We did it. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me on, guys. You guys have a wonderful rest of the show, and uh, God willing, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. You got it, man. All right, Monster Energy Cup. See you then. See you soon, bro. See you guys. All right, that is history in the making, and now made. We just had Ricky Carmichael on the PulpMX.com show. You know, it's funny as I've been talking to Ricky and poking around about having him on the show for a while. And when we found out that you and I were going to be doing this and Steve yeah. wasn't here, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm making it happen on that one. Just <laughs> because. Just I think it's funny. You're a game changer. You're a game changer. <laughs> hey, you know, running a track backwards, the Monster Energy Cup's crazy, two-strokes, straight rhythm crazy. There you go. That's your visionary move. You got Carmichael on Steve's show.
perfect. Visionary. Right timing too. Monster Cup's coming up. And and again, we were just at the meetings together. So yeah. it was rad. Just we we're we're fresh right now on our uh I guess you would say preseason content and mm-hmm. thoughts and ideas. So mm-hmm. we're 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 both in like race mode already. We're gonna actually have uh, Travis Pastrana on the show uh, coming up here in a few minutes. So we'll get to talk to him about five hundreds. Uh, I just want to talk about BTO Sports. All of us have one thing in common when it comes to leaning a bike into a corner, floating a dirt bike through the air, or blasting a sandberm in a UTV. That is passion. And BTO Sports, their foundation is built around family and allows us to offer unparalleled customer service, knowing we share a common interest. We look forward to the weekend as much as you, so we offer three-day express shipping on orders over $85. BTOsports.com, proud to be a premier source for motocross parts and apparel for well over a decade due to our reputation for excellent customer service and great prices. From motocross to mountain bikes, sport bikes to UTVs, BTOsports.com has what you need because our passion reflects yours. BTOsports.com. Com. Now, we're going to continue talking about straight rhythm here, so I'm going to bring in another guest that we have in studio. Uh, this is awesome because even though we, we give our buddy Jeremy a lot a lot of the love as uh, one of the original innovators, well, literally, I'll tell you something about straight rhythm. This is hilarious. One time at 4 in the morning, I was in the Chicago airport after the Redbud National. It's probably 8 or 10 years ago now. And I see Jeremy Malat from Red Bull sitting there, and he unfolds all these pieces of paper with a drawing of a straight supercross track. And he's like, here's my idea. And at that point, I'm like, he works for Red Bull. I don't know that he puts on motocross races, so I didn't think any of that would happen. But it has now happened. But a lot of it behind the scenes is because of the guy who's pretty much the guru for all of these one-off off-season events. And he's here in studio. Let's welcome back Eric Bernard. Thanks for coming out. Hey, thank you, Jason. Pleasure to be here. Mm -hmm. Is it kind of like a, a passing of the torch here? Um, I'm watching that show and I'm thinking, is it like a RC retiring MC? Yeah, this is uh, pretty much exactly what just happened. uh, Because, Um, you know, when RC beat uh, MC, he beat him in Anaheim, which they said was Jeremy's house. Mm. That's how they knew the guard had changed. And I am literally doing it. Right here. In his house. In Steve's in, house. In, in his house. Yes. Well, I feel yeah. pretty nervous to be watching that live. You know, I'm thinking it's never going to be the same again. It's like 2016, you know, the elections. It's never going to be no, the no, same, no, same again. again. No, it's not, <laughs> no matter what direction it's going, it won't go back where it was. Yeah. And I remember, if you go back and watch that 2001 uh, Supercross where Carmichael caught and passed McGrath at Anaheim, my old boss, Davey Coombs, most people probably don't remember now, used to be the pit reporter yeah. for Supercross television. And his question to RC, the first question... On the podium is, well, RC, I think something just changed. Yeah. And that was true. So, yeah, maybe tonight we got better guests than ever because we don't have Steve anymore holding us back. <laughs> Doing a great job. Uh, we're going to get uh, your buddy and mine and Daniel's, too. We're going to Travis Pastrana on the line here Absolutely. a little bit. But overall, uh, Eric, we'll have you in here all night. Uh, what would you think, Straight Rhythm? It, they, it gets crazier and crazier every year, and you've got to kind of manage yeah. all this. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's uh, as uh, Jeremy says it very well, he, he, he has the horsepower, and he, I'm the traction with a lot of people. Yeah. So we're trying to transform his great ideas in reality, and uh, I don't think it can be much better than what we had this year. You know, yeah. and uh, Kenny did such a good job, because my, my take on the straight rhythm is you're much better on a 2020 KTM than you are on a 94, whatever. <laughs> yes. You know? And I think it's kind of an unfair in some ways, but Kenny proved me wrong. You know, actually, I I saw a guy on a very old bike Mm -hmm. that was fantastically done, but still old structure, you know, I mean, beating everybody, and I'm taking... I. Or, or respect, you know. I mean, it's it was unbelievable, you know. Yeah, because uh, the old two strokes now, because the retro thing is so hot. If someone puts a two stroke picture on Instagram, everybody's like, "That bike was so sick." 
Not every old two-stroke was sick. But you can show someone a picture of a 91 YZ125, notoriously moped-level horsepower in that bike. And now people are like, that bike is so sick. So some of the bikes that those guys are racing, you might think of them as sick now with the retro touch. No, some of them weren't so sick. Yeah, they, they, they were they making it work anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Michael Lieb, who made the finals on the 125s, kept telling me, he's like, dude, CR125s in the final years were slow. And that's yeah. what he took to the race. So not all old two-strokes were awesome, but we saw of quite a variety, not just brand new, new technology KTMs. Yeah. Yeah. And personally, I think mm-hmm. we need to see fuel injection two-stroke racing. That would be great. Oh, man. Because yeah. they work so good. You know, mm-hmm. I just bought a couple of KTM uh, fuel injected, and they are, like, smooth as butter. They don't smoke, and they still sound good, and uh, that's fun to ride. And the riders aren't terrified? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Carbs were always crazy because yeah. even when you had one that was good, you still never knew because it didn't mean it was going to stay good. You know what I mean? Temperature drops or no. the moisture near anything could make those things change for the worst. So uh, that would be pretty awesome if they were that way because then you'd have a little bit more trust, you know. So Eric, you do a lot of things straight rhythm, and then uh, the international races. You're yep. responsible for a lot of those. I got a caller. This is the first time I've ever taken a caller. Like we had RC Travis Marks over there help me hook this up. So I'm going to try line five. I'm going to see if I have Cody on the line because he's got a question about Paris Supercross. Let's see if this works. Wow, Cody. Yeah. Hey, I did it. it. I took my first caller. Steve's officially yeah. eliminated. Once again. Uh, you have- <laughs> that, was all that, that was all that was left. Okay. And now Hitting it's official. Better show. <laughs> but I usually suck at this kind of yeah. thing, so I'm happy. Uh, you have a question for Eric about Paris Supercross, Cody? Yeah, well, it's just uh, Hi, a Cody. specific question, but I, I just wanted to see. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. Hey, Eric. So, yeah, I was uh, I was just wondering. Yeah, I'm obviously heading over there for the first time to see the Paris SX. Do you recommend... Uh, a certain type of ticket or anything. Um, I know maybe it's late to get my tickets, but uh, I was looking into doing that today, and it's tough with the. Uh, I got to translate the uh, web page uh, over don't, to English. Don't don't worry about it. Talk with Travis, you know, and uh, send you email. Uh, we'll we'll make sure you have a good experience. There you go. Here oh. we go. Only only one oh. guy. You know, I can't do that for everybody, but Cody is <laughs> the one calling. So everybody oh, out there that wants to hook up. <laughs> <laughs> Just email wow. Travis Marks. Yeah, He's say your name's you. Cody. I guess awesome. we can okay. have a lot of phone calls. So, and I'll make sure so, I shake your hand when you're in Paris. Oh, awesome, Eric. Yeah, so it's me and my father-in-law. So, all right, can do two of those. I don't want to. I don't want to ditch him. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> now we'll we'll make sure we uh, we give you the VIP Pulp Max. Actually, Mattis oh, will wow. be there. You know. Always got to get okay. brownie points with the father-in-law. So good move, Cody. Uh, all right. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Thanks Thank for calling you in. Awesome. Thank I'll you. see you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Appreciate all it. All right, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Any idea what kind of lineup you're looking at there? Uh, yeah. For Paris? I mean, Paris. We have a we have a lot of good guys. We have uh, we have Barcia. We have Savage. Which oh, Barcia in Paris. Yeah, oh, Barcia in Paris. They love him, right? We have hate, uh, hate love, love, hate. Yeah, we've seen it all. He's been pretty mild. Now they, it's amazing years, how it's. Yes. I feel like you know I'm a WWF guy. Mm-hmm. Barsha went from face to heel, now back to face. Those are wrestling terms. <laughs> Good guy, bad guy, now loved again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have yeah. Uh, Justin Hill. He, he should be should do his first race on a Honda. Nice. So okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um, uh, Stewart, of course. Mookie. Mookie. All right. Uh, we have. Uh, oh, got it. You got to read your own. Yes, I have to read. Here, my I'll own give stuff. you a chance to read because we do now <laughs> have on the line. Let's do it. We got Travis Pastrana here. All Let right. Make this happen. Go for Travis. We got Travis hey, Pastrana. Up, hey, what's up? Yeah. All right. 
Jeez, man. I mean, how many people have you probably talked to uh, about this 500 thing over the last 48 hours, and now you're coming on Pulp here to talk about it again, Travis? <laughs> no, it's, it was it was a blast, man. I mean, honestly, uh, I, I put it may very well be my last like semi pro. I don't know, exhibition pro, <laughs> supercross, whatever race. Uh, Definitely last one on the 500. I'm I'm still sore, man. I got up this morning. My kids were bouncing on me. I just flew the red eye, and I'm like, I, I can't jump on the trampoline, guys. I'm I'm done. I'm old. <laughs> I'd imagine. Um, so it's good to have you on here, Travis Pastrana. And then we're gonna get your good buddy. We got Randy Richardson on the line as well. So we'll bring him oh. on, and we can talk Michelin star cross tires, which really got put to the test when you got to put 70 some horsepower down on the ground on a hard pack supercross track. Hey, Randy, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. We're now we're talking putting the Michelin tire to the test with Travis Pastrana's right wrist and seventy some horsepower on a five hundred. <laughs> Who was more nervous <laughs> between the two of you? <laughs> uh, probably, probably Lindsay and the okay. daughters back home watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes sense, Travis. Like how gnarly I, I said this on the show when I was announcing it, and I said it on this show here. They didn't even have a five hundred Supercross class. Even the gnarliest five hundred guys in the day. There was no 500s on Supercross obstacles ever. So it was uncharted territory where you and Tyler Bowers were going, man. I think we lost him. Did we? I was so pumped on myself, and we lost him. That was him. a great question. <laughs> yeah. You led into that phenomenal. Uh, I know. It I led into it so long, it allowed the line to hold forever. It was such a long lead-in. We had to actually... get Mark's back. Um, so so uh, the 500 thing... Uh, Randy, I believe Travis had like a, a more modern. He had a 2017 450 frame, I believe, with an uh, old school motor, something like that. I, I there wasn't an RM500. There wasn't since like 1982. Yeah. Nothing else no, you no. can build. I, I, I think yeah. that's an 09. It's the same RM Zilla. I think it's an 09. Oh, from the first frame. year. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Um, but as with everything that Travis currently races and rides, it had some duct tape and some, some safety <laughs> wire and some zip ties, and it was similar to his body it, it held together so that's, that's, that's good enough you know what I mean and, and an electric start that was a game changer electric start yeah. whoa, whoa wait 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 wait. what yeah it is yes. electric start electric yeah, start. yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Bad knees makes it hard to kick. Yeah, you should have seen him starting his bike looking at Barrow. Uh, He's a big smile. Like, yeah, especially a 500. <laughs> the kick back on one of those suckers is not nice. Uh, and, yeah, and, and the thing is, I'm sure that electric start was not cheap, but it was probably cheaper than one more knee surgery. Yeah. <laughs> From a kickback. Now, I was pumped yeah. when I knew Pastrana was uh, back in the event and racing, but I didn't know if Randy Richardson would be back. And I was very happy. I went over to find Ken Roxon before the race. Talk to the riders before the race. Get some info. And there's a guy sitting over there with an actual Camel Supercross hat, not the fake Camel Smoker Cross hat that became popular <laughs> a couple years ago. And then some Oakley blades, but, like, so sharp, like they were real blades. Like, I got, got cut by them. <laughs> and I think we got Travis. Hey, Travis, got you back? Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm no not worries. I'm home enough to actually have a landline. Apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all on the road to some degree. I got it. Uh, so, Randy, you were rocking the look. It was good to have you back at Straight Rhythm. You're an innovator in your own way. The ratio right, if you go to Straight Rhythm and you get a drink, they pour it to you in an actual ratio right. So, good job, Randy. You had your own stamp on the event. Did I lose Randy? I <laughs> now oh, I lost Randy. All right, we're, we're back to Travis. Hey, Travis, what was that bike like? Was it actually good? Were you, is there any part of you like, hey, this is actually pretty cool, or was it just scary? Oh, dude, every part of my emotional being was, was excited, but physically, no, I just, um, you know, I, I lined up against some of the guys. I mean, just, just watching Roxon and everyone, I mean, it's a straight line 
Um, I ended up doing like a bigger set. Hanny was the first one to start it, and it ended up just being Hanny, me, Bowers, and, and Cooper Webb were the only four doing this section. It was probably a second faster, mm-hmm. and I was still like almost two seconds slower <laughs> to the end, like doing a faster <laughs> rhythm. Yeah, uh, and still like losing that much time on the scrubs. I mean, these guys are getting the power to the ground, and I had to double the displacement these guys had. So, um, just absolutely wild seeing just how far the sports evolved and then you know looking at like that last lap or last lap whatever you call it you know i'm with tyler and i knew he was faster and then he started doing the big rhythm like dang it <laughs> I don't yeah know. picked up and on I'm, it there's there was like three of the jumps that i'm like i know i can make that and i hesitated i'm like don't pull the trigger i'm like don't do it don't do it i hit the whoops i'm like all right shift to third just lean back if you can really all the way across you might make it You're, you, you you should have a shot and and i didn't do it and i just you know i thought i can't I was never as good as like the top guys, the the Carmichael's, whatever, but I could usually just, you know, sack up, if you will, take a few chances and make it happen. And I'm just not willing to do that anymore. And I feel like without that, I mean, you know, Ken Roxon said the best quote. He goes, uh, AJ Canizero was a better example of you uh, when you, <laughs> when you, when you, got you were of you. <laughs> Oh, he took it to a. Well, he started at eleven and took it to like a fifteen. That was that was awesome watching. I tell you what, that was that was fun. Yeah, as I said, that was the Travis Pastrana impression of Travis Pastrana impressions to see feet off the pegs, flying into the face of a jump and launching, and then for a moment you couldn't even see him. I don't know where you were, Travis, but on camera, no, Eric uh, Bernard, could you tell what was going to happen when he launched? Could you see him? No, but AJ yeah. told us mm-hmm. that while he was in the air, he was thinking, "What would Travis do?" So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so he had that much time to think? Yeah, he said, what would Travis do? He said, I just, you know, gas it and finish the race. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. He was like, bail off. No, stay on. But he was doing Superman's. So in practice, he was knack-knacks and Superman's and heel clickers and one hands every single jump and still quick. I mean, him and Joey Crown, like, he had a little lead on Joey when he, when he did that. Blitz in the whoops instead of jumping through him, even though it probably wasn't faster. I mean, he... He took the character to, to, to 11, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you also had a relationship there with uh, Joey Crown, who won the 125 race. His dad, Matt, did some wrenching for you back in the day? Yeah, MCR still, I mean, th- these guys, Matt's amazing. I mean, our whole team, when we had the, you know, uh, Cernix Pastrana racing with, uh, you know, Lichtel and uh, Jason Lawrence uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. um, you know, Matt Crown did uh, did everything and really helped us out so much. And um, still all the all the stuff that I get now, like if it's not through, um, you know, Rob Hendricks or, or FMF or PC, I've, I kind of bounce all over the board, but Matt, Matt uh, always helps get the stuff going. And um, definitely he's awesome. It was Actually, Joey came out. Um, to the race we had at Cernix uh, the weekend before as well, and um, crushed it. He won two out of the three events over you know Mike Brown and, and some, some good guys. Mike Brown, forty-eight years old, raced six classes. So he did like twenty plus two. He raced three classes back to back. What are you doing? How are you still doing this? Like just going, Amazing. finishing, and then going back to the starting gate. Like they had to hold the gate for him to get back there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, literally. Well, he was like he, and he almost whole shot at every race. Top three to every moto. I'm like, dude. I mean, I'm, and Barry Carson was there. I don't know if you guys know Barry. He's still, oh yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, oh my god, standing it too. I'm like, what, are you in the plus sixty class now? No offense, but like, yes. And still just kicking butt. Bradshaw was there. I mean, dude, that was a fun race too. Just the last two weeks have been like a down memory lane. Just oh, freaking awesome. Been fun. 
Yeah, back on the motocross thing for you. And by the way, I find it hilarious that you're saying, I just didn't quite have that edge to go for it anymore after you backflipped and then did the 3-4-3 three, three, that only two or three other riders are willing to do. Uh, but you're saying you don't quite have that edge anymore. So what would what would uh, that edge look like if you still had it? Yeah. That's what I No, it just would have been shifting shifting up a gear and just wheeling into the whoops, closing my eyes and just hoping I got to the end. I just oh, I looked, man. I was like, ah it's God nope. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey. Like, no, that was funny. Hey, I was it, looking and the, the section handy, dude, just smooth as silk doing it from like the first practice session. Everyone's looking at it. And I'm like, man, because I was looking at Bowers. I'm like, shoot, I'm I'm not as fast. Like, I got I got to have a shot. Like, I got to do this. And then I saw our Bill Poto goes out, oh. jumps off the side twice, launches and comes up short, dead stop, racks himself. He's sitting like half crying on the side, just like looking down. No one, no one's going over to him, and he just sat there for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. Absolutely, absolutely not. I'm done. And I see Roxon. I was talking to him. He's like, "No, it's just, it's just not worth it. You know, there's not a lot. You know, this is a fundraiser. This isn't for doing stupid stuff." And then I was like, "Well, I mean, if Roxon and Poto aren't going to do it, like, this, I have to do it now." <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear him explaining his thinking throughout the day. I love that. That's yeah. Perfect. We saw you on the side, uh, on the side of the track. Uh, me and my buddy Kevin Kelly from DMXS Radio, who was one of the live announcers, and we're like, "Look at him. He." He looks like a rabid dog right now. Like he's foaming at the mouth, looking at this rhythm lane and trying to figure out: Do I attack this? Is this? <laughs> am I threatened by this section? Do I need to go for it? And what I've been saying on the show: I mean, look, you're not racing full time anymore at all. That's not your job. Filippoto, it's not his job. Hanny, really, not his job. And there are three guys that were jumping it, didn't have to. Not much on the line, but you can't help yourselves. You cannot help yourselves. You have to do these things. <laughs> yeah, with that. Well, one just because. I look at it and say, I need this if I'm going to win. And then, and then Bauer started to, dude, Bauer's impressed me all the way through. I mean, not to jump off subject, but this guy on a 500, like that's a, it's a tough, it's just, I mean, you're jumping, you know, one, three, four, three through this section and the four, three comes up fast. Mm-hmm. Like you can't over jump. You can't under jump. The 500 is, is not an easy, but like it's easy to get the distance on it where the two fifties were struggling with, with that. But, um, you know, and he didn't have, you know, really much on the line either like he he knows he would still probably beat me without it and he jumps it but he's all of his money everything that i mean not that there was any money to be made on, on this event but all the sponsorship and everything that he got um he gave to uh you know to brock glover's uh son dane um you know and brock glover has raised you know legend over five hundred thousand dollars for cystic fibrosis not even for his son just for for research um and bowers everything that he did and every post that he made i mean you know everyone's like oh he's got a you know talk crap and this and that and i'm like look i can't talk crap because i don't think i can back it up and Bowers <laughs> is like well I- i'm just you know this is just awesome and i'm stoked to be there and he was the nicest dude i've probably ever met in my life and which is wild because my impression from tyler in arena cross was that he just wanted to knock everyone down because kind of like me on the track like you know full competition mode like the fastest i've ever seen him probably go through the whoops was that last run through the whoops. He shifted to third and just sent it through. It's like, all right, what's it going to take? Uh, so there's that, that on-the-track guy that's that's that aggressive guy that's super fun to race. He's a gamer. He steps up for everything. And there's the off-the-track guy that just couldn't have been more friendly. Um, you know, I had a bunch of uh, drunk idiots that were out as my friends. Uh, they started <laughs> drinking way too early, and they were talking so much crap on him the whole time. I was like, guys, lighten up. He's a good guy. They're like, no, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin our vibe. Ken Bowers, does he have an angry side, Daniel Blair? 
No, he's the nicest guy ever. He's always been that way. Okay. All right. I figured that's always. the story you say. Uh, Randy, we, 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 <laughs> I, I did mess something up. Now I got both of you back in the line, and now I got to figure it out. So we got Randy Richardson back. What's up, Randy? Okay, but no, hold, hold no, on. I mean, Randy might have been best dressed, but this, oh, yeah. Daniel Blair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, badass turned, uh, you know, he did a lot of the music for uh, for Action Figures and Action Figures 2. It was actually the, the whole trailer song for the first Action Figures. Wow. And, and then comes out in freaking podiums. They're like, what the hell, Daniel? <laughs> I think you got me mixed up with somebody. I, dude, I haven't ri- I've ridden a bike four times in four years. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Never mind. My bad. All good. Hey, the but he nailed the stuff. music part. He nailed the did, music part. did, and we got to do it on two separate videos, too. So, uh, And, Travis, I just want to let you know this. The song that you use for that trailer, somebody, I don't know who, picked that up on uh, Spotify, and that song's got almost two million views now, and it all came from that trailer, so... Thank you for that, because yeah, nice. CD Baby still pays once a month, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. No, you guys, you guys did good. It was, it was a really good one uh, for the um, the last action figures too. That uh, your, your new song just kind of kind of hit the mark. It's it's funny because a lot of the music, um, you know, you find a good beat, but it's it's cool when there's something that actually like relates to you know kind of the action sports world. So good work. Yeah, it was cool. So uh, Randy, what was uh, your perspective on the event? Because like I said, I was completely relieved when I saw you were there at about <laughs> about three or four o'clock on uh, Saturday. I'm like, Randy's here, so now we got the retro fans as well. So how yeah. was the experience for you, buddy? As always, as always, it was a great, great time. And, and to clarify, I was just one of the idiots over there supporting Travis. I was not a <laughs> drunk idiot. Uh, and you were not after party. You were not hoping to fight party. Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, I wasn't gonna fight Bowers. No, heck no, I wouldn't do that. And, I, and I'm glad. I'm glad you got us back on the line now. I know when when Travis dropped the call earlier, I thought maybe he knew that you had Carmichael on uh, first, and I figured he was pissed because it was like uh, the O2 Phoenix Supercross. He was second to Carmichael again. So I didn't oh, know. I didn't know if maybe I didn't know. I didn't know if maybe you were pissed, Travis. Well, you know it's funny. I actually I gave that trophy to Lee McCollum. And I was like, sorry, man, another second. We'll get him next time. And Lee looked at me and goes, you know, it, that, it's not too bad. You, you, you're going to, at one point, you're going to hope you get seconds. And I was like, whatever. And that was the last podium I ever got. Leroy nailed it. Yes. The Carmichael Pastrana era, there was that one glorious night in Indianapolis where you guys oh. went to war for about eight or nine laps. And he passed you, and he messed up with the whoops, and you got by. And I remember I was at that race watching, and I'm like, this is it, man. We're going to see 100 of these. It's going to be every week for the next five years, and then we'll get Stu in here, and it'll be every week. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess now you got to cherish those moments when you look back. you got a few of them at least. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it's pretty rad. And even, you know, even just being part of this, this sport and everything, it's just cool. Actually, the, the guys now on top, it, it's been fun watching. And, you know, to kind of get out of this, not get out of the sport for a little bit, but, you know, just go different directions with car racing and stuff. And then, it kind of rekindled that that love of just everything about it, and now with the guys that are on top, I mean the you know the Tomax, the Roxons, they're such good people, and there's so much just fun. They just love being out there, and it's been it's been really cool to kind of watch this this new era. I mean, these guys they work so freaking hard, and I, I blame Carmichael for really <laughs> taking it to that next level from the the Emig McGrath era when. Uh, you know, they spent the weeks in Havasu to, uh, oh, shoot, we got to do 20 laps at 110%. And uh, I have so much respect for those guys now, but it's definitely uh, it, it's cool to be back kind of around and to have at least had a chance at one point um, to race on that level. And, you know, when you're bench racing from the side, it seems so much easier. But when, you, when you're when you actually out there just to know 
uh, you know, you, you don't mention when you have a broken foot or a, a wrist injury or something um, because other people, they take advantage of that and they'll, they'll keep tracking you down or whatever when they might quit otherwise. And, um, you know, you don't say a lot of the injuries. You don't say a lot of the stuff. A lot of you, you got to live hurt. You got to live in pain. You got to live tired. You got to live sick. You're traveling to the races every single weekend with, you know, shaking a bunch of hands and, and always having the flu and, and everything. And, and those guys, they do it with a smile. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty rad. Hey, Travis, I, I know I've brought this up to you in the past, but your race with Talon Volan at Southwick, I forget the year where you, it was the goggleless moto. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, one, I think, maybe? Yeah, no, two, two, uh, 2000, yes. Uh, yeah. I remember watching that one, and obviously Talon's a NorCal guy, is one of my good friends. What was it like seeing his kid, Max Volan, <laughs> racing straight rhythm on a 125? Is that, <laughs> does that make it go full circle? <laughs> Yeah, I just feel really old. <laughs> Dude, I had more kids come up to me this weekend. They're like, so one kid was like, Travis Essen Pastrana. Dude, you were my dad's hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 wasn't a kid. He was like 20. You know. <laughs> uh, that's, where, that's where we're at. Right, yeah. Max is the pretty much the age that you were then in 2000 when you were battling his dad. Yeah. yeah. Dude, but he, he's, he's taller and, and lanky mm-hmm. than I remember Talon uh, being. But it was, it was cool to see Talon again. And, you know, Max kind of watching him at the, um, you know, the Vegas uh, uh, Monster Cup and stuff. Um, been cool watching, watching his progression, and definitely uh, he, he rides very, with a lot of aggression, a lot of talent aggression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little of that, that coming through with him for sure. Yeah, you always told me that of all the guys, and look, you certainly went to war with my buddy Langston and certainly Mike Brown, but you actually said that the best battles, I think you said, or with actually with Talon, you felt? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the difference was, like, Mike Brown did whatever it took to win and like we came out which was great like i love that and i knew that about him we weren't necessarily you didn't really have a battle with mike brown mike brown if he could catch you and he knew that you he was possibly not as good as you were he would hit you so far off the track you would never <laughs> see him again that moto um <laughs> and he did that often uh but knowing that he always knew what to expect and whenever he didn't have a shot at, at racing he was always the, the nicest he was um, you know, the best guy to get out of the way when he didn't have a shot at stuff or, or whatever. Um, and then you had, um, you know, Grant Langston, um, who was kind of at that time, like Grant and I are super close, or not close, but like good friends now. I love to, to hang out with that guy. So much fun. Uh, but he was, he was a prick for sure. Like we, we didn't get along at all, which was, was awesome. I like to not go off that guy. because it's just more fun to beat him. <laughs> but then you had, uh, you had Talon Bowen, and we, I hit him so hard at Southwick that it broke his foot. Actually, like two, the talus and uh, one of the little bones on the top of his foot, it smashed my pipe, broke the, um, the, the whole rear brake caliper off, so I got no rear brake, had no goggles. Uh, he's got a broken foot, and I slam him again the last, like, coming in the last lap uh, to make a really aggressive pass, probably too aggressive, but again, I didn't have a rear brake, so it's, I kind of blamed it on that because I, I sent it in there knowing that I was going to use him as the berm. And uh, we came off. I'm scooping sand out of the, the bottom part of my uh, my eyelids, and Talon comes up, gives me a big hug, and after, like, literally having a broken foot, not being able to walk, and me slamming him multiple times in the race saying, that was the best race of my entire life. That was awesome. I can't wait till next week. And that was the difference between Talon and I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it. Like, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back, Carter, and just we kept just trading paint the whole season. It was great. It's pretty cool I, watching uh, Max come up and talking to Talon about it. They actually send Max out to the REM races at Glen Helen on when he's got a weekend where he doesn't have a big amateur race on a super mini to go against 30-year-old men on 450s 
who are not going to be happy about a super mini passing them. <laughs> and then he knows what that leads to is they're probably going to try to take him out. And he wants that. He wants them to get that combat skill and that racecraft. And a lot of amateurs don't do that kind of Toughen thing anymore. Toughen the kid up. Yeah. I like, uh-huh. Talon's got a good program. I've been watching Max since he was on a 50. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk to Talon every six months or so and mm-hmm. just follow the progression. And there's been a plan in place for a long time, and it's gone very, very well. Um, and, yeah, he's not afraid to put the kid out there to battle bars and get that kind of racing going because you don't do that often. But sometimes you're going to need to race like that, and you, mo- you better know how to do it. And, Travis, you knew how to do it. Obviously, dealing with Langston and Brown and Volan, you kind of had to do, be able to do that stuff. Okay. So, cool generation to watch that go on. Cool. Yeah, and you see, uh, I mean, a little more coming back um, now. Not not necessarily a lot, but definitely like the, the finish in the, the lights a couple years ago was, was per- in Vegas was, was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, with Osborne, um, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys that still take it to him, but, I mean, even – you know, like Carmichael used to do the kind of the, the walk passes, not as bad as Matasevich and Bradshaw's era when they would completely stop and just like look at each other, park each other in the corner, <laughs> back and forth across. Um, but now if, if guys even come over a little bit, um, especially a couple of years back uh, when, uh, you know, some, <laughs> you see like Barshaw throw a whip in front of someone and they're mm-hmm. like, all right, that's a fine. You're like, come on, man. That was, <laughs> I, I understand safety and, and that kind of stuff. But um you know, it's definitely frowned upon more now where the guys are, they race super clean. Um, but if you look at a guy like Talon against Carmichael or a guy like me against uh, Langston, um, it, we just did what it took, to, or maybe even Bowers in Arena Cross. Like, you, it was fun taking the race to other people, and I loved when people took the race to me. Um, you know, I was usually the slower end of the stick where you kind of had to be that guy that was willing to um, <laughs> do, do a little extra. And I realize that's frowned upon. If you're not the fastest, you shouldn't win, but I think if you're smarter, I mean, I actually got disqualified from Loretta Lynn's for controlling the outcome of a race <laughs> against Billy Payne one year. Um, I'm not proud of it, but, you know, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. <laughs> do what you got to do to win. Go, go down. If you have to control it. <laughs> go down swinging. Randy, I can never understand. What's funny is about all these battles, uh, Langston, they, they used Michelin's back then on the KTM team, right? And then Brown is like your yeah. all-time buddy. So that must – we've talked to you about this many times, but that must have been a stressful yeah. situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and one of the funniest things is, is and Travis and I, we, we had a laugh about it sitting there uh, at, uh, at outside the, the motorhome over there was was uh, oh, Trevor Piranha was there and had a uh, had on a Suzuki team shirt and it was all buttoned up and zip tied because he broke the buttons off and and I said, well, you're doing something with a Suzuki team shirt that Robert Pastrana never did. It's buttoned up. So then we got to laughing about uh, it was at High Point in '01, and Travis was out front battling with uh, Narita, and then and I'm cheering them on, cheering Travis on, and then a little while later here comes Langston. I'm cheering Langston on, and and Robert looks over at me and says, "Who the hell are you cheering for?" And I, and I, said, and I said, "Well, well, well, Robert, I'm 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 cheering for everybody that's on Michelin." He said, "You cheering for Langston?" And I said, "Well, well, well yeah." You know, and he's probably about thirty or forty feet from me. We're up there and on the hillside there, and he goes, and he said, "Yeah," and he said, "You cheer for him one more time, and I'm going to whoop your ass." And, uh, and so, dead so I serious at, too. <laughs> yeah, dead, dead serious, dead serious. Shirt hanging open, had his jorts on, and uh, and looks over at me, and I look back at Robert, and I, I honestly I didn't get the clutch pulled in in time before I'd set it, and I said, "Well, he'll be back by in about a minute and forty seconds." Oh, and then and then and then Robert looked at me, 
and I just slowly walked away <laughs> and, and, and cheered, cheered for all the Michelin people on the other side of the hill because I, I didn't want to get killed by Robert for, for, for cheering for anyone racing against his son. So, so it was funny, funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, and then, uh, hey, by the way, what also made this event uh, and weekend really good is that somehow – wait, Travis, was it your birthday also? I know we had a Sipes birthday. Was it, like, all wrapped yeah, well, up into one? Uh, no, my birthday's tomorrow, but yeah, okay. Sipes' birthday was uh, was on uh, practice day, which was, was awesome. Yeah, yeah, so there was good times to be had during the race, after the race. It was a good weekend, yeah. I can tell you that. It was a good weekend, that's for sure. Randy, was it a good weekend? <laughs> it was a good weekend. That, 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 the, 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 the Red Bull uh, straight rhythm was the best 25 hour day of my life <laughs> yeah, that's right. for sure we 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 went red red bull had uh red bull had an after party set up and and we went to that place there in pomona and just to, to kudos to red bull for putting that together and, and putting together hospitality for the some of the riders and stuff afterwards and and we i know you were invited but didn't go and but it, it, i figured out i could best. get free drinks if i just stayed at the hotel so they had me you know yeah, how that goes. Good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's one thing you don't pass up is free. But bingo. But we, uh, so Travis and I were like, we got, we got to find another place. We found a hole in the wall dive bar with with some amazing bands that that I won't. I personally won't uh, name the band here on the on the radio. Yeah, you can't say it. Band name. No, no, no. It was no. It was games gold medalist ends up. So he's in the mosh pit in the front, and some big dude <laughs> yes. just not. I mean, McCann's a small little guy. And he's just just bouncing around into all these big guys, and he gets shoved up on the stage where the lead guitarist is down like pretty low against the stage, right behind his um, his mic, uh, like the, the mic holder. McCann flies yeah. up on the stage, smashes the mic holder, like lands on the mic holder, and the guy never really looked up breaks the lead guitarist's nose, and she's on stage like looking around like what just happened. And just about to get killed by the band. <laughs> anyway, that was about three. Yeah, but yeah, it was good, good times. And then, uh, and, 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 yeah. the, and the best thing was Travis. The, the best thing was the the uh, the the unnamed band. The name, the band we will not name. Yes. Uh, they they were the guy. The guitarist never missed a single strum he just kept ripping away on the guitar bleeding from his nose onto the guitar and just kept playing and then the lead singer and somehow she was able to in the midst of her f-bombs say we have our first bloodshed of the night yes yeah <laughs> first official and then i see travis uh, later on you uh you had the band's uh, t-shirt on yeah no, good. actually and you know represented what? Joey, them uh, joey crown mm-hmm. um awesome dude like i said the, the crowns are just amazing family and uh, Joey was there, not drinking, just actually yeah. watching, and we we got him one of the shirts too. He was he, he left early, but it was, it was pretty impressive. Hey, t- tell about what Joey when he when he drank the champagne. Do you, do you remember hearing that one at the end there, Travis? You he didn't know champagne was alcoholic. Evidently, at the amateur, <laughs> yeah. the champagne was not. How old you? Half the bottle, and he's like, man, was whole, everything's spinning. Is this was, oh. is, is there alcohol in there? Hey, <laughs> yeah, does champagne have alcohol in it? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he told Matt afterwards. He's yeah. like he he, uh, he he just guzzled some of the champagne, did some interviews, and was getting ready to ride the back the bike back over to the truck. And he said, "Dad, I feel kind of funny. I, I think that drink had alcohol in it." Champagne. Welcome to the podium. All right, hey, thanks for coming on, Travis. I know you're so super busy, but anytime we get like again, motocross the nations, we're like, ah, oh, that's probably the last time we'll see him in a dirt bike race. So anytime we get this, it's awesome. 
Maybe it's the last. Hopefully not, but you never know. So, but thanks for no, everything you do, you. man. It's I, great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain this. I may hit a GNCC or something a little less risky, but okay. Yeah, I'm, I still can't get up. I'm, I'm laying down all day. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for doing everything you do all the time. And Randy, of course, anytime, man. It's good to have you on. <laughs> Thank you much. Later, Travis. Thanks, guys. Later, guys. Bye. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, Travis Pastrana and Randy Richardson. I think we did it. We made it through our first segment. I only accidentally hung up on guests twice so far, so that's good. I'll just no, it's her cell service. I'll just blame that. And hey, uh, yeah, man. I was going to tell you this is honestly this is the best Pulp and Mech show I have ever listened to in my life. I, it, it's you've taken it to another level. I don't know. I know you firmly believe in this, and I think we've honestly witnessed another transfer of power. Okay. Yeah. I think, that, I think that you you colliding with with Steve's chair is the best thing ever. And mm. and yes, I'm serious. Yes, I'm serious about the twenty dollars. If you'll leave Van Halen playing for the dogs when you leave, okay. Yeah, he's wasting a lot of electricity money when he's not in the house. I'm very disappointed. Gosh. <laughs> I, there's a lot of tips I can give him. All right, Randy, have a good night, man. <laughs> Take care. Later, guys. Bye. All right. Later. Randy Richardson, it was awesome to see him at Straight Rhythm. That's it. Uh, so we made it through. Uh, I'm going to consider that the first segment of the show. I think it's time for a commercial break. Can you hack that, Travis? Marks? Yeah, we can make it happen. All right, we're going to take a commercial break. These phone lines are full. Everybody wants to talk straight rhythm. So uh, we'll just see how long I can not hang up on you, and we'll come back and take some calls. We'll be right back. All of us have one thing in common. When it comes to leaning that bike into a corner, floating a dirt bike through the air, or blasting a sand berm in a UTV. And that is passion. At BTO Sports, our foundation is built around family, which allows us to offer unparalleled customer service. Knowing we share a common interest, we look forward to the weekend as much as you. So we offer three-day express on orders over $85. BTOsports.com is proud to be a premier source for motorsports parts and apparel for well over a decade. Due to our reputation for excellent customer service and great prices, from motocross to mountain bikes, sports bikes to UTVs, BTOsports.com has what you need because our passion reflects yours yeah that's right people that's van halen i want to tell you about my two favorite things in life van halen and fly racing flyracing.com they make much more than just moto gear mountain bike gear snowmobile gear hard parts they've got it flyracing.com the f2 carbon helmet it's as close to a factory bike as a helmet can get. It's out of the box and onto the racetrack ready helmet for guys like Millsaps, Baggett, Canard, and Pike. Carbon fiber, Kevlar, Coolmax, Mips. Fly Racing's F2 Carbon has 10 different graphic styles, 22 colorways. Go to your local dealer, get them from flyracing.com. Please check them out. A whole line of hard parts as well. Flyracing.com. Maxima Racing Oils was created for world-class racers who challenge the limits of possibility. Their demands on equipment drive us to look beyond conventional ideas and to exceed industry standards. It's in our DNA to identify problems, formulate solutions, and execute at the highest levels of competition. Case in point, the championship-winning Factory Kawasaki Race Team, longtime Maxima partners who extensively use Maxima throughout the bike. Maxima's USA-made products exceed JSO requirements and can be used in all motorcycle brands. Kawasaki, Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, KTM, Husqvarna, and more. Maxima Racing Oils. Experience the difference. Visit MaximaUSA.com for more information. 
The Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team relies on one company for all of its seat needs, and that's Guts Racing. We thank the folks at Guts Racing for coming on the show for a number of years now. Pulp MX 2018 is the code to save. Complete seats available for KTM and Huskies. Other brands will be added later. The Phantom Lightweight Seat Foam is the choice of seat foam for many teams in the pits. Kenny Roxon won a 450 National Championship using Guts products a couple years ago. And again, they've been with us for a number of years. Please check them out. Official supplier of the Rockstar Husky Husqvarna team for graphics. Living 100 as well. And seats. Anything and everything to do with seats. Please check them out. GutsRacing.com. Pulpamex 2018 is the code to save. Thanks for listening to the Pulpamex show, everybody. Please, if you're listening to these commercials, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right, because without these commercials and without these sponsors, we wouldn't have a janky radio show for you to listen to. But for now, I want to talk about Roost MX, the official graphics company for both Cobra Moto and the Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. For over 20 years, they've been delivering professional-level graphics for every rider from an amateur to a pro, including Alex Ray back in the day. Choose from our selection of graphics uh, online or make yours one-of-a-kind. Roost also offers a wide range of custom products from t-shirts, sticker kits, helmet kits, trailer graphics, and more. 48-hour turnaround. Be sure to check out the new Pulp Nation section on the website. Get your Pulp Mech swag, customize your bike, get custom stickers, uh, get custom helmet stickers, whatever it is, uh, including Pulp Mech stuff. Follow them on Instagram, at RoostMX, for monthly sales. Get your equipment looking fresh, visiting RoostMX.net, and use the discount code PULPNATION to save 20%. Thanks, RoostMX.net. FMF Racing is proud to celebrate 45 years of fun, building every FMF exhaust right here in the USA. Owner and founder Don Emler may have started FMF Racing in his garage 45 years ago, but Don is still hands-on in our 100,000-square-foot, state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in Southern California. FMF's goal? Design and manufacture the world's best performance exhausts, 100% in the USA, under one roof. FMF is a proud sponsor of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship for over 25 years. So Randy Richardson, good guy, means well, great interview, but oh my gosh, his voice is fucking annoying. In that case, boss, you may want to fast forward while I tell the rest of the Pulp MX Show listeners about Michelin's extensive motorcycle tire product offer. The Pulp MX Nation certainly knows about the Michelin Starcross 5 tire range and its outstanding durability and excellent performance, but I'd like to share some information on Michelin's wide range of industry-leading motorcycle tires. New for 2019, the Michelin Anarchy Adventure tire, which features two-compound technology, enables adventure touring riders to have confidence on any adventure with a new level of on-road stability and uncompromising traction off-road. The Michelin Road 5 tire is designed specifically for sport touring riders and provides the maximum confidence in wet and dry conditions mile after mile. As the exclusive MotoGP class tire, Michelin definitely understands the performance expectations of today's sport bike riders, and the Michelin Power RS tire enables those riders to unleash their full potential. If you're a Harley-Davidson owner, the co-developed and co-branded Michelin Scorcher Tire Range, which is original equipment on over a half million models manufactured over the past decade, is the right cruiser tire for you. For the latest on all Michelin motorcycle tire products, visit motorcycle.michelinman.com for more information and make sure to follow at Michelin Motorcycle on Instagram 
and at michelinmotorcycle.us on Facebook. This commercial is not 2019 Pulpy Award material. Attention riders, welcome to Atlas Air Flight 604 with non-stop service to a better neck brace. Please follow along as we outline the safety features of this revolutionary device. Located on the underside of the frame is a convenient, easy open system. To fasten, simply insert the release bar into the left frame. To release, push the release button and pull the frame apart. We suggest that you keep your neck brace fastened throughout the duration of the moto, as you may experience an unexpected huckabuck from time to time. To ensure a safe ride, please keep your neck underextended at all times. In the likely event of an over-the-bars emergency, your brace will double as a suspension system. Although the Atlas brace will not be noticeable, it will be there when you need it. If you are riding with a child or someone who requires assistance, secure your brace first and then assist the other person with a prodigy, tyke, or roll. We ask that you keep your brace on until your moto is finished. Maximum surface area is located on your chest around the sternum, back around the spine, and up over your shoulders with extra padding over your collarbone. Should you need more, please request a Defender Roost Guard or Guardian Body Armor. We remind you that this is a non-rigid neck brace. Tampering with, disabling, or destroying the product is prohibited by the limited lifetime warranty. You will find this and all other safety information in the user manual located online at atlasbrace.com. At this time, we ask that you remain standing with throttles in the wide open position, elbows up, and two fingers on the clutch. On behalf of the captain and entire crew, thank you for flying Atlas Air. Enjoy the ride. WUSA is the number one source for quality wheel sets and wheel building services. They are the exclusive importer for talent and kite hubs along with DID and Excel rims. Their wheels and wheel building services are trusted by the finest teams in the country. Teams like Factory KTM, JGR Suzuki, Rocky Mountain MCKTM, Rockstar Husky Star Racing Monster Energy Babbitts, they all trust up, yeah. No job is too big or too small. WUSA, everybody, we thank those guys for coming on board with us. Whatever you need for your wheels, hubs, wheel building services, they've got it. Mention Pulp MX when you call down there, and they'll give you a discount. They ship nationwide. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at WUSA.com. WUSA, they're all things wheels. Do it. WUSA. Do it. Her 2019 Works Connection celebrates 30 years of delivering championship-winning products to motocross legends and champions like Lamson, McGrath, Wyndham, LaRocco, Carmichael, Dungey, Roxon, Plessinger, and more. Current race teams, JGR Suzuki, Star Racing Yamaha, Moto Concepts Honda, Team BWR, Rockwell Racing Yamaha, HEP Racing Suzuki, 
AJE Motorsports and KTM Canada have also come to rely on Works Connection's commitment to innovation and quality. So if you're looking for factory-level parts, like radiator braces and skid plates to protect, rip a whole shot with the Pro Launch, or upgrade to the elite line of axle blocks, clutch perch, or bearing-equipped throttle tubes, just visit WorksConnection.com. Over 65 years ago, Vertex Pistons was born out of a small technical workshop in northern Italy's famous Motor Valley. Expanding and maturing among the racing legends of Ferrari, Lamborghini, MV Augusta and Ducati, today Vertex Pistons are the pistons of choice for motorcycle riders and teams throughout the world. Because of their renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex Pistons is a factory piston supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. From the Motocross, Supercross, MXGP, GNCC, National and World Enduro Series, you can find Vertex Pistons winning championships. Vertex Pistons strives to provide you with world-class factory technology at a very competitive price. No matter which brand of bike you ride, when it's time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see our full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high compression, or GP-style configurations, visit us at vertexpistons.com or stop into your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. Here it comes. Here it comes. Steve's favorite oh, part. Yeah. yeah. Listen to those lyrics. Hey, that's that's Travis when he's sizing up the quad. Might yeah, as well might jump. as well jump. I mean, listen to those lyrics. The depth, the storytelling. At their I don't best. Think, at I don't, their best. At their best. I don't think Van Halen. What did they do? Anything after this album? Not that I'm aware this of. album, 1984. I think this was it. That was like their shining moment, and it kind of like over. Steve's show 401. Yeah, everybody thought it was good, and then it's over. <laughs> that's right. Well, wait a minute, that's like a, I was wrong there. It's not, yeah, this is Did not you, show 402. This no, was, well, with that, it yeah. got worse after. This is getting better after, so I, I kind of stepped in it a little it's bit. Episode, yeah. episode one. This is the uh, PulpMX.com show. Thanks to all of our sponsors there hooking us up. Uh, glad you folks, I know you listened during the commercial breaks. I know you did. Uh, we're going to talk more about Red Bull Straight Rhythm here. Jason Wygan and Daniel Blair, your host. We have Eric Pernard in studio. Eric, a big part of Straight Rhythm and a lot of the off-season events coming up. 
Hey, do you want to become a better suspension tuner for your race team, your business, or even just for yourself? Want to add a profitable department to your business or start your own suspension tuning business? And how does suspension and valving really work? You want to know the why behind the what? Not just guesses and rumors like the ones I always hear from fans on the sideline. And by the way, when fans analyze suspension setup, this is all they ever talk about. Slow that rebound down. That's all they ever do. That, that, the bike was kicking. You got to slow that rebound down. No, there's a lot more to it than that. Sometimes slowing the rebound down actually makes the bike kick more. So you can check out Racetech's Technical Edge Suspension Seminars. Get your start the same way most of the industry's leading factory tuners and companies started. Racetech Seminars, they're coming up October 12th through 18th at the Racetech headquarters in Corona, California. Yeah, Racetech, do it. Use Racetech if you're going to dial in your suspension. Do it. Do it now. Okay, so we are back here, Jason, Daniel, and Eric. Uh, we're going to dial in Jeremy Malott of uh, Red Bull. i got a bunch of callers here. So while we're dialing in uh, Jeremy Malott at Red Bull to talk straight with them a little bit, I'm just going to start playing caller roulette here and see what we can get. I don't even remember who's who. All right, I'm on line four. Who do I got here? Curtis. Curtis, what's up, man? What's happening? What's what, What's on your mind? Hey, not too much, guys. Uh, I just wanted to call and see uh, who you guys would like to see for a throwback next year, Ryder. Oh, uh, what type of costume? Hmm. What type of costume yeah. would be good? Yeah. Well, here's one. Uh, what stuck out? We've seen a Pastrana. We've seen a Stu. Haven't seen an RC. Haven't seen an RC. Let's get an RC out there. There are direct two-stroke ties. Get an RM250. It's easy. They even made the replica bike one time. And as Ricky said, maybe not... RC nine on the Cowie. No, let's let's, let's stay make off RC that four. one. Yeah, yeah, let's do a four mm-hmm. any color bike. You yep. go green, red, yellow. Yeah. And I think the hope was at one point that we were maybe going to have Chad Reed uh, two years ago as Chad Reed, uh, but that didn't work out. So maybe someday we'll get Chad Reed as Chad Reed. Get him on a YZ two fifty steel frame. Those were good times for Chad Reed. Or do the old 103 YOT. Oh, yeah. That's eh, a 250F. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> good question. Uh, thanks for calling. Did you, did you enjoy the event? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Great show. Did a good job announcing. You're doing a great job here, too. Uh, long-time uh, listener, first-time caller. I thought, hey, the show might be finally worth my time to call in. So, doing a great job out there, Weege. That's, that's all I got. right. That's right. I'm bringing numbers uh, to the show. Thanks for calling. Keeping it afloat, man. Keeping it afloat. Uh, let me go to line two here. Have we got Rich on line two? Hey, guys. Yeah, this is Rich. I don't know how. Rich Trevely's my buddy here. I don't know how you're able to keep the phone. Like, you've been on hold for like 25 minutes. I give you huge respect. Yeah. I, being ready. I've been on speakerphone. I've been just doing all kinds yeah. of stuff, man. So this is my buddy, Rich Trevely's, who was the announcer at uh, Englishtown Raceway Park in New Jersey, my home track, now runs and operates the place. And when we talk Jersey... We've got another Jersey's finest coming through the ranks. Brandon Hartraff, Bricktown, New Jersey's own. So you got to be proud, Rich. Hartraff showing oh, some speed. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely man. Hartraffs live about five minutes from me. And, man, we've been riding with them since Brandon's been on 50. So to see him do what he did at the Red Bull straight rhythm was just outstanding. Yeah, I was talking to both him and his buddy Justin Cooper because uh, they've known each other forever. Pretty good. Englishtown's got some rippers in the mix. Both Cooper and Hartraff cut their teeth at Englishtown. Yeah, both of those guys were, um, you know, from 85s all the way up. They were always battling a raceway along with uh, Cody Shock. Um, yep. Cody Shock kind of had a back injury a couple of years ago at Unigoa, but he's coming back strong. He did, like, six nationals this year. Got a national number 75 for this year, so... 
I think he's going to be right there with those guys. Yeah, and what I love to hear about these guys, and that's what's so refreshing, we were even talking about uh, Max Volan having to go out and race the local races at Glen Helen to try to season himself. It is awesome to hear about these amateur kids who actually race on weekends and what they can learn from that. That's refreshing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You know, we also just had our K-Rock last weekend, and yep, it was a good one for us. Um Hey, I got an idea for a costume for AJ Tanizaro. We got to put a Superman costume on him. You are not kidding! My <laughs> gosh! Yeah. Our joke at the track was the cat AJ Cat and Zero. He used at least eight of the nine lives on that one, man. Yeah, Superman can Absolutely. fly. <laughs> yeah. How did uh, Kawasaki race the champions? Uh, first of all, how many years now? Is it like thirty or something? This is the forty third. Oh, geez. Had. Yeah. Oh, you ripped him off a decade. Yeah, man. sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now I'll forever know the event's older than me. That makes yeah. me feel good. Um, how'd it go there, Rich? Oh, it went great. You know, we had, uh, I think, about nine hundred and thirty entries all in all for the weekend. So it was uh, it was a real good event. The biggest turnout we've had with the new three moto format we started about four years ago. Cool. So uh, awesome. Some really good riders coming up through the crops. Uh, we had some awesome racing all weekend long. It was it, it was just a really good event. Uh, a lot of good times at night uh, with all kinds of things going on mm-hmm. um, during the day. The racing, so it was it actually packed uh, five days for me. So oh, I'm sure uh, I'm still in recovery mode. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what it is. And we're going to talk to more uh, guys that were promoting this at Straight Rhythm. Yes, don't judge an event too much when you talk to the uh, producer of it the day after, because I'm sure you're just really tired right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Rich, thanks for calling in. Yeah, congrats to Hartraff, New Jersey's own, cutting his teeth in Englishtown. They just had their big race of the year, and one of these years, if you hold enough, you have 43 of them. One of these years, I'll actually show up again and be there. One of these yeah. years, I'm going to make it. And flag, I'll, fl- know, I'll show the up. Doors always open to get on the mic with us, man. <laughs> No, just give me the flag. Just give me the yellow flag, Rich. <laughs> give me the yellow flag. Put you on the staircase and you'll be happy. Okay. Hey, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thanks. That's Rich Trevelis. Yeah, right, that's like their big you. event. Um, uh, RC9. There was once RC9 Road at the Kawasaki Race of Champions. And the notorious. I think that was probably the only race he won wearing the number nine. Is that the Race of Champions? <laughs> um, let me go over to line six. Hey, we got Hammer here. Jeremy Malott, you there? Hey, what's up, guys? All right, so this is Jeremy Malott. I love to tell the story. Uh, it was like 4 in the morning at uh, Chicago Airport, and you had all these blueprint yep. pages taped together, and you just kept unfolding them, and you're like, this is my idea. Supercross track, no turns. Um, yeah. I I had zero faith in you, completely no faith. I expected that would be the first and last time I'd ever hear about it. The event has surfaced. A lot of your cockamamie ideas and schemes of – Two strokes and social pressure and bring Villapoto and Dunge out of retirement. Almost every time I'm like, you can't do that. You cannot do that. And it has worked every time. So congratulations. So far, so good, Thanks, buddy. buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Hi, boys. Hi, Daniel. Eric, uh, good to chat with you. I, was, I just will point out real quick, mm-hmm. we're already starting off better than last week on this show. When I called up, we were cold calling Holland Hotels and interrogating front desk girls about their their furniture setup. So yes. we're doing moto right now, and this is way better than last week. So we're, uh, we're already, this show is way better. Yeah, we are um, trending yeah, in the right direction. Was, it's not hard. I mean, yeah, we, we're here. You know. No, yes. it, was a, it was a very low bar. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was uh, – I for whatever reason, I do remember that night. I was blurry-eyed. I had a few too many Red Bull vodkas, I think, and I was coming straight from the uh, – the bar or the whatever you want to call it uh, that night to the air, to the airport, and I ran into it like some little diner breakfast joint, and 
yep. thought it'd be a good time. I, I, I mean, I assume we were friends back then. I don't know what our, I forget what our relationship was, but I rolled up and just kind of showed you this idea, and you were right, rightly so, to not believe that it would uh, ever materialize. But yeah, that was uh, probably seven years ago. I, I would say. say, yeah. Wow, yeah, and, seven and years ago. A long so. way. Now wait, they're, they're, hold on. They're telling me super VIP guest. I mean, look, we had Pastrana. That's pretty good. We had RC. That's pretty good. Jeremy, you're kind of the man of the moment right now. You produced this race. That's pretty good. But we've got an even better guest. i got to go to this line right now. I'm getting bumped. I love it. Who, who, who do we got on the line? Oh, yeah. Who we got? Weege. It's Justin Brayton, baby. Oh. 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 <laughs> Speaking of transfers of power. Yeah. Yeah, I had to call in and uh, congratulate you on your new show, man. <laughs> yeah. Taking it over. Uh, yep, yep. I got a new house, too. There's some cars in the garage. Nice. And you inherited some dogs? I inherited some dogs and maybe Pookie. I don't yeah, know. We might have to negotiate. Did come with a deal? I don't know. Oh, we'll have to negotiate that part. I'm going to play hardball. Um, uh, Eric, we got Eric Pernard in here. Yeah. Brayden calling in. Oh, That's uh, your guy. This is like the yeah, greatest it's like party it's ever. Family. <laughs> uh, but JB, uh, hey, you were the original guy at our first straight rhythm that was charged yes. to try to take down Stu in the finals. But we don't get you back anymore. You're too busy these days with other season events. Are you? Are you in Australia mode now? I am. I'm in Australia mode. But you know what's funny is as we were watching straight rhythm, I'm like. Wait, I just flew out like 24 hours ago. Exactly. I need to do this. I should have stayed. So next year, Jeremy, I'm in. If I got a spot, it looked like so much fun. And uh, yeah, that that was cool. That was fun to watch. And it looked like uh, Honda had an extra spare bike for Kenny sitting there that would look good with some number 10s on it Mm, next year. Exactly. It's what I I was thinking. Somebody told me he left the day before. I'm like, no way. You left Justin, you should have stayed. You would have loved it. I know. I totally should have stayed. Yeah, yeah. So no, props to you guys. That was super fun to watch. As a fan, it was, it was amazing. So, um, but yeah, don't want to, don't want to steal your guys' glory. I just wanted to call in and <laughs> congratulate Weege, my guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll see you soon, Weege. Right? He's oh yeah, coming I'm coming. Under. Yep, coming to New Zealand, coming to Osex uh, to do the TV work there. I don't even need to crack open a Red Bull now. I got wings because Brayton called in. I'm good, dude. Hey, Brayton, did you actually? You'd be one of the few. Do you have some full size two stroke racing experience? I do actually. Yeah, my first year in arena yeah. cross. I there you go. 2002 CR250. And honestly, bike that Kenny has. I yeah. have some of the best. Yeah, I have the best memories with that motorcycle. That thing was so good in its time, and um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Okay, I raced Brayton. I raced you at the Lake County Fair, I think, one time too, and you were still maybe oh, on yeah. that. Were you still you still rode that two stroke there too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would think. It was, I was still in Iowa 2001, 2002, and those were still in two-stroke days. And then I moved to California that uh, 2003, I believe, and then uh, we started to go four-strokes in, like, 04. So, yeah, those are some great memories. Great. Now you're just putting the heat on the lot to save a slot for you and keep doing this darn thing, and he's too stressed out for this right now. He's trying to get out of it. It's right now. It's awesome, yeah. I feel like you're, you're back in. That's almost reason enough right there. I, look, I'm following Brayton all the way down to darn New Zealand, so you see my level of commitment. <laughs> what, what else you follow into Geneva? <sighs> yeah, uh, yeah, I got all the family time I could. That's an easy yeah. flight from Charlotte. I, I know, but I had to take my daughter out of school three weeks already. I can't get any more time. Oh. Yeah. Uh, thanks for calling in, JB. Yeah. Kick some butt down oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Yep. Good luck, buddy. We'll do. We'll do. Good chatting with you guys, and uh, have a good rest of your show. All right. Thank thanks. you, Justin. Later.
Oh man! All right, see ya. My, what time is it in Australia? My, my night is made. Yeah, I don't That's even know. Like seven even in know. the morning or something. Well, yeah, he talked to his buddy uh, Super Agent here. Talked to Hayes about three hours ago, and it was eight yeah, eight thirty a.m. He was going ride. Actually, yeah. I saved it in my clock. Yeah. Okay, to try to figure it yeah, out. It's about one. It's in the one to two hour range in the, in uh, the, in the afternoon. afternoon. So oh. they're all they're so, all uh, fresh right now. So uh, Malot, um, look, you got Eric here. You got your event uh, on the on the kind of like. Event production and like the racing part is being run by Eric Pernard. Has a lot of experience and a lot of great things. Can you just be a little less stressed about it? You left your event in great hands, and there you are, like running, 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 <laughs> attending to everything, feeling like every. We got our buddy, our good buddy Chris Bond, as a producer of the TV show. Like yeah. the event is in capable hands, man. Stop stressing so much every year. I know. I don't know how Eric's been up for so many years. I mean, I'll take you back um, when I was young, and Eric was still. You know, he was doing the, the U.S. Open stuff. Um, I used to sneak into that event. I used to have a buddy, like, open a door at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, I'd sneak in because I didn't have the money to go. And then come, you know, full circle 20 years later, I'm working with Eric for the last six years on uh, something that I dreamed up. Or, and it's pretty it's pretty surreal. I used to sneak in all of his events. So he's yeah. the best. No, it's, it's, and, it's unreal. It's unreal. It's like, you, that's and, what I was telling him. We, you need to be in your 30s to be that crazy. You know, so, I mean, yeah. guys, take notes. You know, oh, I mean, okay. it's not... Too many of us in their 30s. Yeah, I don't yeah. ever see you get too bent, Eric. You seem to be able to keep it all. Maybe you just keep it all inside, but it doesn't seem like, even when stuff I know is hitting the fan, yeah. you seem like you can take it in stride with your experience, maybe? Is that yeah, what it's, it's training. After yeah. 500 events, you cool down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but poor Jeremy's on fire every weekend. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's working yeah, so hard. Know. It's so admirable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I don't know something about the wiring for event life. Um, I hear you just see as cool as a guest, and you never see him stressed. Or if he does, you just you don't even notice it. But um, yeah, I think this event is something. You know, I've been. I, I think about the you know the two months leading up to like 24 seven, and just want to make it uh, for obviously for the company and for just truly the sport. I want it to be as good as it can be, and not be something that's just like kind of like the calendar is a joke or is like a nuisance for the guys. I hope that they get something out of it. And, and so obviously it's just, a, I guess it's a badge of honor. I want to see it be successful. And that's why that's from the get-go, right, when we had the idea, after showing you at 5 in the morning, we just at uh, Chicago Airport, mm-hmm. I you know called Eric up and I said, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to do it at uh, uh, McGrath's Ranch um, in October. And uh, this is six years ago now or seven years ago. Yeah, seven I years ago. I'd love you to come out. Yep. Yeah, just check it out and let's, let's see what you think. It's something we can work on. And so, you know, right away called the best in the business. You know, I got stuck in his events for, for years, and, and I had the reason to work with him, and that was awesome. And then called up uh, Dane Heron, uh, who actually hired me at Red Bull and had left Red Bull to go kind of – he actually loved to live in a tractor and build tracks, whether it was X Games or Supercross stuff. And he partnered with uh, uh, Jason Baker at Dream Tracks, who, again, uh, far on best in the business. Uh, I don't care who you put up against. You don't need to name names, but if you if you have a supercross track you need to get built, Dream Tracks is the only way to go. And I wanted to we're obviously thinking outside the box and people, you know, are skeptical of the idea and so it's like, well the best thing you can do is have the best guy in the world build it because then that gives it automatic credibility knowing that he's thought of every jump, every angle, every safety that uh, measure that could go into it. And so yeah, that's where it started with just those kind of those three or four guys and and through a lot of variations. I was funny, you always uh, think you nail it the first time, like oh, you know, why we came like this is the best format and this stuff, and it will never change. This is how it's got to be. And then six years later, we're still making small tweaks, and and cut, now we're doing two strokes, and and uh, never envisioned that from the set, the start. But that's truly what kind of saved the event and kind of gave it its unique IP. So um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. 
and uh, because this event celebrates premix, we'll say that Jeremy Malott here has presented our guests by Maxima Racing Oils. Their demands <laughs> on equipment drive us to look beyond conventional ideas and exceed industry standards. It's in our DNA to identify problems, formulate solutions, and execute at the highest levels of competition. Case in point, the championship-winning factory Kawasaki race team, longtime Maxima partners, that includes back in the Ron Lachine days. Actually, Lachine had have a side deal. I don't think they were a full Maxima team at the time. Yeah. But Ronnie's got to use Maxima. That's his family's company. Now the Hall of Famer. Good job, Steve. Maybe that's Steve's parting shot to the industry now that he's out. <laughs> but he got Dogger in the Hall of Fame. So thanks to uh, Maxima. Go to MaximaUSA.com for more info. Yeah, the two-stroke thing. Uh, another, yeah, By the way, yeah, Mathis could have never pulled that transition off. That was fucking okay. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> want to say. You ran with that? All right. <laughs> it was a work of art okay. is what that was. <laughs> Speaking of the two-stroke thing not uh, being even what was on the radar when the event started, another uh, pressure point I remember for this event was when Ronnie Mack was going to come and I think like do an exhibition race against Trevor Perani. He wasn't going to compete. And then I remember you calling me on like Friday night before it, I guess it was maybe four years ago, being like, dude, Ronnie wants to race. Like, what do you think? And I'm sure you probably went to Eric too. And I mean... Again, I was probably like 51% no, because I never see these crazy... 69%. Yeah, it was 69% no. (laughs) Nicely done, Eric. Uh, I mean, that was a... That is the leap of faith of leaps of faith, putting Ronnie Mack in that event. And really, really, that's what did it. I think that's what saved it. It put us down the two-stroke path. So, Eric, were you involved, I'm sure, some conversations of what do you do here? I mean, Jeremy and I, we talk... I mean, several times a week. So, of course, we talked about all all that stuff. But uh, it's like, uh, it's like surreal, you know. Honestly, like yesterday, two days ago, when Ronnie got disqualified, he came to me and he says, "Can I get another run?" <laughs> He's like, "You guys owe it to me. Yeah. All right, give and me said, another shot." And, I, and my answer was, "You, Ronnie Mack, you can do whatever you want." And he, then he went back to the pits. Uh, <laughs> how are you going to stop him? Yeah, and then open the door to he had go merchandise ahead. to sell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he had a good uh, profitable weekend. Whether and if you it, tell him yes, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do it anymore. If you tell him you yeah, cannot do it, he's an opposite. Yeah. I see. He's a rebel. I see. Uh, we got an, uh, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to say that that year that we had that discussion. Yeah, it must have been four years ago or so. You know, he came up to me, and it was just going to be a show with him and Trevor Piranha. I forget at that time. And uh, he comes up, and he goes, I want to race tomorrow. I was like, I don't know. And I started talking to everybody, and obviously that was when Ron was full Ron, you know, a little, uh, a little too Ron for probably most people. <laughs> and so I just had this, like, you know, and our brand is fun, but there's also barriers and boundaries that you just don't cross. And I knew Ron was always pushing those. Um Every year he gives me something, gives me a, a slight bit of anxiety, a post that he may think, a post or mm-hmm. something he may say publicly. You're like, oh, God. Um, but uh, I kind of said, you know, hey, this event's about, you know, qualifying and time. And if he can race his way in, it's, it's self-regulating. He's either fast enough to make it or he's slow enough to go home. And so I gave him a chance and he qualified. And so that's kind of where it's at. It's like, hey, I, you know, at the end of the day, he's a, he is a comedian, but he's a racer. And there's no pulling strings with promoters or fudging lap times. Like, you either make it or you don't. He made it. So that was kind of where we stood. And that's kind of where we stand today. If you're if you're going to be a cartoon character, like, to be honest, I tried really hard. And I thought it would be a really great platform for Grandpa Earl to come race. And while you guys all probably laugh at how silly that idea is, I thought it would have given uh, that Grandpa Earl a second life where he's actually racing and can sell merch and build that platform. Um, but, again, again, Grandpa Earl is fast enough to make it. What a race. Is it a joke? Uh, maybe, but the guy behind the, the, behind the costume is really fast, and that's all that matters. 
That's hmm. a really good one. I got a yeah. couple callers here about straight rhythm. Uh, this guy's been waiting forever. Here we got, uh, I think, Austin here on line one. Uh, Austin, are you still there? I still am here. Yeah, just been sitting back listening for the past couple hours. Yeah. Hey, you can tell your buddies you were just on the phone with Ricky Carmichael and Travis Pastrana in a way, right? <laughs> there you go. On the Pulpo Max show with Ricky Carmichael. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Record <laughs> the conversation. What you got? Uh, talking 125 class at Straight Rhythm, Austin? Yeah, and I'm actually glad Jeremy's on the line. Um, this is, uh, I've got to say, this is the first year I was into the event. It was really cool to see all the retro stuff. And um, you guys have done a great job with it. And, and I watched the whole thing this year. But I do have one concern. Um, the 125 class, I mean, the cool thing about this event is the tributes that are paid. I mean, you've got the Ernesto Fonseca bike with Michael Lieb, um, and you had Catanzaro, who was going to race as a Suzuki, but he ended up with a, with a yellow KTM, and that kind of brings me to my point. My concern is that with making the 150s legal in the 125 class, Lieb's already mentioned that he's going to ride a KTM next year. Well, KTM doesn't have that kind of moto history in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, my, my concern is that you're not going to get the kind of liveries that you've been getting because uh, everyone's going to feel like they have to ride a 150 to be competitive. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, to be honest with you, if, if everything goes according to plan and we do the event next year, I don't know if we can even live up to what we did this year. I, I just That's probably something that I think, uh, I told Eric today, I, I think we used every – Every throwback we could do, every uh, we emptied every Rolodex with ideas and people we called. I, I don't even know what next year looks like at this point. Um, I agree with you. I, I love Michael Lee called me three weeks before the event went off. He goes, he was actually just. I've been talking to him about making all of the gear for Travis and Jerry Robin and uh, someone else. Just forget uh, made gear for someone else as well. Um, and he goes, he calls me up. I thought it was about the gear. He's like, you know what? I want to race. I want to race the CR125. I started laughing like, no one wants to race the CR125. And he's like, no, I do. I'm coming to Ernesto Fonseca. And I was like, all right. He's like, I'm making the gear. I hope you guys saw his gear, but it looked like a complete copy of the Troy Lee gear from that era. But instead of that, it had, uh, I think, MLD, Michael Lee design. It was very subtle, but if you thought, it was really cool. And um, so, yeah, so like, I, I do think, you know, we did, we kind of shot a lot of bullets into the air this year. I don't know what's kind of left. I think we emptied the chamber um, on those throwbacks. But, you know, if it does come back next year, we'll see. I think there's a few guys, you know, I'm sure we can get a Daniel Blair, you know, replica huh. in there. I, I haven't seen an Emig replica yet. So I'd love to see someone show up with him. But, yeah, uh, there's a few left. But you're right. It, it will be tough next year if everybody's showing up on DPM. And, and I'm sure we can find Big Boar 150 for Hondas, too. There you go. <laughs> yeah, those, those, those exist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you could punch him out to 144s or whatever. But he yeah, told me I think he had it at 132 or something, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it wasn't oh, enough. 134. Yeah. Yeah, it was t- Terry Varner built, you know, mm-hmm. Terry Varner was way around a CR 125 with a, a lefty day. So. That's right. Uh, all right, thanks for hanging in there that long, Austin. Thanks for the call. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Okay, and uh, let me get one more here. I got Paul here. Paul, are you there, Paul? Yeah. 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 Thanks, Paul. <laughs> sorry, I just had sorry, I just had to get the weeds sign on there. Um mm-hmm. anyway, um so I'm just going on what Weed said on the broadcast about Jeremy running out there with injured riders and I've I've heard this about Eric before, but I just wanna give that is true, I just wanna give uh Jeremy props to like being down there, being on the ground, a rider goes down and he's there to do whatever he can to help. You know. That's just really cool to see. 
Uh, thanks, man. I had zero medical training. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> uh, Pure instinct. Uh, yeah. But Matt, I, I think it was more fatherly instinct with Max Bolin. He's one of our riders, and he's been a rider for us for a while. And he's, you know, excited to be there. I was excited to have him. Obviously, he was my my dark horse to win. I think everybody was sixteen year old. What's he going to do versus these guys? And and so when he crashed, I happened to be right there, and I just felt like the dad had to run out. And I knew his his dad was looking at me like, "Go check, go check on my son." So, uh, yeah, obviously went to go check on Max. I think, thankfully, if you could say that about an injury, it's just a collarbone, which we've all done. Uh, you know, if you fall off, just be easy, you break the collarbone. So I think he'll be back. And then um, I started, uh, I was standing with Eric at the beginning of the loops. It's just where we kind of stationed. And when AJ shot into orbit, I just took I just took off running. I didn't even know. I just took off running. <laughs> and I think I made it like 30 feet, and he goes back on the track. But uh, I just, when he when he went off, I didn't have. I don't know what happened. It was like a gunshot, and you know, in Seinfeld, when when Jerry's gonna race the guy, and the car backfires. Like I just <laughs> took off running, and uh, and I just wanted to like catch him or save him because I just saw him going towards the crowd, and I just thought it was so bad. But yeah, that I just you know, I have zero medical training. I don't know if I was any help. Actually, for the record, yeah, you were. I was, uh, just, no, I wasn't. I'll tell you why. I was uh, rubbing Max's left shoulder. Uh, to make sure he was okay, and that was the broken collarbone. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow! Like, Are you good? Like, uh, that's like my. Sh- I think I broke my shoulder. I was like, oh, I'm so bad. Yeah, you're not Mr. Miyagi here, okay? Uh, what was so strange <laughs> is I run just behind Jeremy to grab the bike and protect Max because in my mind, it's, you know, most of the races, you have to protect the rider. So I oh went there. Gosh. I mean, Jeremy was going as a doctor and I was going there as a flagger to grab the bike and make sure nobody hits him when yeah. we don't have to worry about that at straight train. No, no one's yeah. going. No one's going. <laughs> yeah. uh, appreciate it, Paul. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank All you. right. Uh, so that is Paul. Uh, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna settle this one, uh, Jeremy, because now everybody's got two stroke fever. As soon as straight rhythm or any cool two stroke thing happens, be it on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, uh, the main thing everybody says is like, "Dude, these two strokes. Why can't we race them all the time?" Now, I think they sound cool. I get it. I'm I'm a fan of bikes that are slower, which means they're a little bit safer and cheaper. I like cheaper. I get it. But there's one argument that I do not understand. People, I feel, have a little revisionist history when they're like, "And the racing." Is so much better on two strokes. Yeah. You know what? I saw Jeremy McGrath whole shot and pull away in eight laps, probably 68 yeah. out of 72 times he won a Supercross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of walk-away, huge margin of victory races in the two-stroke days, too. But I believe, Jeremy, you have a counter-argument. I feel the racing is just as good. I watched the closest Supercross finish in ages this year. Uh, we saw Zach Osborne and Joey Savacci take it down to the wire and knife underneath each each underneath each other on four strokes yeah it's more mr miyagi there um i don't buy that two strokes are better racing i believe they're cheaper and lighter and faster and easier to maintain when they break and things like that i get it but sell me on that the racing is better and don't say it's just because the running is close and straight rhythm because it's one 45 second event i know it's going to be close i I get a lot of i saw a lot of wins by a knob you're right that was only because of the two strokes yes say i'm pointing that out yes no i think um it's a debate we all have and i think you know um I actually laugh and Kerry Hart went on his little rant about two strokes after the Savannah before this event actually and Pete Fox chimed in and and um, Pete stopped me at the race and he's just like I mean you know Pete Fox he's, he's Pete he's awesome and mm-hmm. he's like We're, we got the two strokes we got to bring it back and he's on his soapbox and he's like I got Kerry Hart ready to help and I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys are going to do but I agree but uh, yeah the one thing that I, I learned this weekend and um, my friend Jason Baker from Dream Tracks I sat with him who designs the track and works with the best guys in the world I mean from all the makers guys to the sandbox um, where, where Kenny trains, he does them all. And uh, 
he'd look at me and we were, we were sitting by that section where it was like that gator pit and then it was that single roll uh i'm sorry that roll triple quad triple and he looked at me and you know i went to bed with things you know again you wonder why i stress about it so i don't want anybody to get hurt you know i i, I don't know if those guys who put on other events feel this way i don't know if eric feels this way but if a guy gets hurt on my watch or on my event i just feel so bad whether it was thank dog or rj hampshire that one year I just feel awful because it's like ah, i kind of bought him into this and so I went to bed with reservations at that quad because so Hanson was doing it. I know RV kind of cased it. I was like, dude, we just we get there early and just knock that quad down. And so I, he was talking to me off a ledge. And um, he goes, you know what? He goes, this single, triple, quad, triple, if this was a four-stroke event, the middle mid-pack 250F guys would have done that on lap three on Friday. And we were standing at the night show on Saturday, and only four guys had done it. And Kenny wasn't one of them. And Cooper wasn't one of them. And a lot of guys who you, like, um, uh, Pierce Brown, Heart Ramp, all these guys, psyched. They weren't, they weren't the guys jumping it. And he was, I was like, man, that's crazy. He goes, if this was any other event, the 250F has enough power that everybody would have done it. And he goes, when I'm trying to design tracks, I then can't, I can't, I have to make sections more dangerous and spread jumps out because the guys just figure out how to do it because the 450s or the 250F have just so much power. And just we saw, like, a very simple track design that a two-stroke really struggled with. I mean, I saw the best in the world take two days, and they never did it. And, again, any other any other event with a four-stroke, you know, a middle-of-pack 250F guy would have done it without thinking. So I just think it, it, it allows the designers and the tracks. It's a little bit um, like the golf ball analogy in, in golf where, you know, these guys are hitting it further and further and further. Is it easier to make the, the golf courses bigger or just to roll the golf ball back? And these guys were getting better. We saw Bowers prove that. It's not just the bikes are better. The athletes are better. He put a 500 through a test that they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And these guys are getting really good, and they're making these supercross tracks in a perception that the field of play isn't getting bigger. Anaheim Stadium's field isn't getting bigger. These guys are just going faster and jumping further. So by default, it makes the track look smaller, and there's less less options for these track builders. And so I just was blown away. I was like, man, you're so right. Like a simple design like this on a two-stroke is nullifying you know, the best guys in the world. They're just like, I'm not doing that. I don't even think I can and so I was really blown away just at that very simple message that Jason said. So maybe that's my little my little argument to it. Well, I, yeah, I will not argue. Honestly, the Cole Sealy injury, that really did eventually lead to his retirement. He did come back and race this year, but he said, you know, it was definitely different after that. And that was one of the scariest to me because all he was doing was try to jump something that he saw Tomac in a heat race jump right in front of him. He was second in points mm-hmm. at the time. He's trying to catch Anderson. He had to do it. He had to do it. Yeah. Now, yeah, if it was a triple that he had to do and he crashed, maybe he breaks his ankle or maybe he breaks his arm but instead the injury was worse i totally get that bigger jumps are gnarlier and scarier but with the point you made when i was talking today that is really key is that the two-stroke is so tricky to ride that's why everyone couldn't just get that down everyone was scared of the unpredictable power delivery and daniel you know this better than me you certainly rode more and better than me and the carburation it's just so inconsistent that not everyone could ever get to the point where they were comfortable. Only a few. You know how in a two-stroke, Dan, you have to make it make power? Yep. That was a separator, and we don't maybe get that when the bikes are all really good. Yeah, for me, the the intrigue behind a two-stroke is just slowing the mile-per-hour down yeah. all the way across the board. I'm down And with I that. feel like when yeah. the mile-per-hour is down, guys are willing to be a little bit more aggressive even because, I mean, I've said it before, okay. if you hit somebody at 20, uh-huh. it's not as bad as hitting them at 30. And for me, aggressive racing comes sometimes when you're in a position where you got to go way wide to come out and hit a jump. Yeah. You leave the door open. What are these four strokes, man? They're cutting down tight and going three yeah. out of corners. So it's just limiting the 
places on a track or I think you could pass. So for me, that's always been the intrigue about a two-stroke. And I, I, I'm under the belief that we're not going backwards as much as we would all love to. It's going to be one of those things we all just like, ah, we all want it, yeah. but it won't happen. So I, I think any kind of modification to slow things down would be the best and try to get that same, uh, that same feeling back that a two-stroke brought, where, again, you had to leave the door open to set yeah. yourself up to do anything. And I, that's, that's what I liked yeah. about it. I was yeah. thinking the two-stroke versus four-stroke is just more power, more power delivery. Yeah. If, you, if you're into car racing, I think it's kind of like two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, because mm-hmm. we, we're talking about two-stroke, four-stroke. Yeah. It's kind of fun, but the reality is more power is less good racing. Because yeah. the yeah. people have to deal with more power. And if it's a three-stroke uh, electric bike or whatever, I think you, we need to contain the power because we have bikes that are going to be 80 horsepower and not fun to race. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. It, it was something J.R. Hildebrand, a buddy of mine, IndyCar driver, had told me. He goes, they could have designed IndyCars to be undrivable 20 years ago. Yeah. Because it's not a pursuit of horsepower or power. And, and same thing with us. Like, what are, we, what are we designing towards? Like, are we designing? Because we can make bikes way too fast. I think we should be designing towards the best racing i don't know what that means but as opposed to the pursuit of technology because at some point like what are, we, what are we doing like this is going to get to a point where it's just un you know unsafe or unrecognizable as far as racing goes and and so it's like are we are we thinking about power are we thinking about as a product the best racing and not saying we go off to 125 and be crazy but there there is a, a debate to be had about what are we designing for and towards i don't know if anybody's in control of that at the moment i think it's just kind of at yep. the technological race. Well, yeah, and uh, i got to let you go here because we're going to get Brandon Hartraft down oh. the line. The reason this is so difficult to solve is because this is the rare, maybe only, motorsport at this level where you've got to solve the problem all the way at the top for the elite mm-hmm. factory racing teams, and it also has to be reflected in the showroom. It's easy for J.R. Hildebrand and IndyCar to say, hey, you 30 teams that race IndyCar, two years from now, these are the rules, and only it's only going to affect 30 of you. And same thing in NASCAR, same thing in F1 or even MotoGP, where it's going to change displacement. There's only 20 of these bikes that exist. you got to make a change that somehow goes all the way from the guy in Japan who's building the bike five years from now and the dealership that's got to stock parts and the guy who bought a used bike. It's so much more complex. So I know the fans are always like, just do it. Dude, it's so much more complex when you have a production line that has to match racing. And we're lucky we have that because that's the only reason we have the money to even have these races. But, boy, does it yeah. make it hard to change things. Well, and That's especially, all. in my opinion, when they created the 250-450 four-stroke thing, four yeah. thing to, yeah. to try to match yeah. them up, whatever, yeah. they just they messed up. They messed yeah. it up. It yeah. should have been a 200 yeah. and a 400. They, yeah, they yeah. just screwed up. Well, yeah. and, and they didn't realize that these are going to get out of control. Like, we're only going to figure out how to make them better. Yeah. I remember riding the original 250 and 450, and... They had power, and I was like, man, they have a lot of problems. The power wasn't really one of them. Yeah. It was weight and just yep. the way and they, they ran. They're like, okay, well, let's clean that up. Oh, and then by the way, we can open up the playbook now and go, I don't know, 10 horsepower more on a 250 yeah. than they ever had before. So mm-hmm. they they didn't know how far we would take it, and that's where they messed up. Yep. And now they're too far in. You're not going to go and like make yeah. 200s and no. 400s. So no. It's very strange because yep. I was at Motocross Nation a couple of weeks ago and talking with some engineers, the bikes, the factory bikes coming from Japan – they have to detune them. They're not rideable for the best GP guys in the world. Yeah. And they yeah. were telling me yep. those bikes come and they have way too much horsepower. We have actually have to find traction, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, it's yep. otherwise you, you can't ride them. Yep. All right. Hey, good job, Hammer. Uh, try to recover. Thanks, that's, all, that's all I got. That's the only advice I have for you. Okay. He's, he's good. He's recovered already. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. That was a big stress. It's a big load. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'll let you go, but uh, I would say, yeah, the person who has the least amount of fun at a party is the person throwing a party. Nice. And so I hope all of you yeah. enjoyed it. I was a miserable mess. I had an ulcer that had an ulcer. I was walking around hunched over, just stressing about every little thing. So uh, as long as you guys enjoyed it, I'm happy. I uh, appreciate all the support from, from all of you guys. Daniel is talk, I was trying to get him to feel the guy earlier in the year. Um, I, it, that was weird. There was something happening, and then I think Jacob had to go to Australia and. Obviously, we do been there from the jump. I think, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, been, been there the whole time. Year. Yep, uh, from yeah. the from the first blueprints great. at the at the Chicago airport. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're in deep, buddy. So, yep. and then obviously Eric. So, yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> I, I appreciate the support and uh, I appreciate the time tonight. And this show is awesome. I can't wait for the next week's episode of episode two with Daniel and Jason. It's gonna be great. Yep, moving to Vegas. <laughs> yep. Hey, thank yeah, thank you. That, and now I'm down to build that wall. Right? Are we all are we all good there? We'll build the wall. Keep keep uh, in Mexico. Yes, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's going to be a big, beautiful wall. All right. Hey, he's skinny, but I don't think he's going to get over it yet. He's got oh. a ways to go. Yeah, they did have slats. Maybe in some of these prototypes. Maybe that's what he was aiming for with Strava Steve. Yeah. Sneak between the slats. All right. All right. See okay. you, Hammer. That is uh, Jeremy Malott from uh, Red Bull, uh, the visionary behind that event. Yeah. The only thing I haven't figured out is how to – this is good. I haven't figured out how to efficiently hang up on people, so that's actually like a good thing, I would assume. I want to thank our sponsors. We're going to work on uh, getting uh, uh, Brandon Hartraff to his number one qualifier and race in the finals at uh, Straight Rhythm over the weekend. Our sponsors, Michelin EVS, Vortex, Roost, Motoco.com, Vertex Pistons, Maxima, Pro Filter, and Firepower. Uh, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, number one source for power sports companies looking for employees and candidates looking for employment opportunities. First and only job board built specifically for the motorcycle industry, and you can upload your resume for free today. Is that not like what we hear more than anything else? Guys like us, how do I get an industry job? So there you go, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com. You got one. Eagle Grit, bro. That's right. How's that industry job going? Uh, it's not an industry job yet. No, uh, we can't a, consider it that. Still a, a two and a half person gig at the okay. moment. Uh, me and my business partner Brian, and then of course my wife helps out uh, quite a bit. So no, so you're uh, the half. Good. Yeah, I'm the half. So they they run it, and I, yeah. I'm there from time to time. Yeah, but uh, no, not hiring yet. We're uh, we're we'll we'll get to that later. We're still in the uh, early fun stages. Okay, of developing this thing. So funds or fun. <laughs> Both. A little bit of both. Yeah. You like that? Uh, we now got him on the line. The heartthrob? The heartthrob. The heartthrob. Yeah. Brandon Hartrap. What's heartthrob. up, Jersey boy? Dude, where did this come from? What's going on? Uh, just having fun. That's what it is. Really? Uh, look, no offense, bro, but I don't think people had you. If we had a fantasy on who would be fastest qualifier, I don't know. Was anybody you want to revision his history at Blair and say you would have picked him? I w- he was who I had picked the whole time. You did. He's actually yeah, disappointed. You didn't even beat Roxon. What's up? What's your problem? You couldn't even beat Ken Roxon. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't beat Ken Roxon. Next time I'll get him. <laughs> uh, there's so much ground to cover here because that actually was your first appearance as a Troy Lee Designs KTM rider as well, but it was on a two-stroke. So, by the way, how long have you been working with the guys on this team, and how long did you ride the two-stroke? Uh, I've been out here since um, September 16th, so I've been riding. I've actually been riding the. 250F a lot. We did two days on outdoors and then straight to Supercross. And uh, right before Straight Rhythm, I had about three days on the 250 two-stroke. And uh, it's a handful, I'll tell you that. Honestly, I was kind of nervous because uh, the first day I rode, I was like, honestly, this thing's too fast for me. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, and like any jump you hit, it, it's it's different compared to the four-stroke. So you're always front wheel high. Yeah, they're snappy like, too. That's the problem. Yeah, and. 
I don't know. It's just like freaked me out. But the more I wrote it, I got used to it. But no, I mean, I don't know. It's straight line. You just hold it wide open, you know. <laughs> I guess so. Did do you feel now looking back? Do you feel like something about uh, on-offs or whoops or something? Is that a strength of yours? You felt you've always had because it really seemed like you had never done this event. Like you just jumped right in immediately and felt comfortable. Did you surprise yourself, or did you always think you'd be good at that type of thing? Uh, I always thought like. I know in Supercrosses and stuff, I'm not, like, I haven't been on the top three, so you don't really get to see me a lot, but I'm pretty good at rowing through rhythms and, like, racing them. So, to be honest, I thought I, before I came in, I thought I could win, so. And then the bike, that bike's very fast, so I thought that was going to be, like, a good combination. And, um, yeah, I don't know, like, I rode Friday, I felt okay there, but Saturday I felt Right off the bat, I felt really good. So, no, I mean, I wasn't shocked to be honest. Did your uh, roommate know that you thought you could win? Ooh, who? Uh, who? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Supercross champion. Yeah, right. I told. Yeah, I told him I wanted to be the man of the house after Saturday night, and it looks <laughs> like I am. <laughs> That's true. He's taking out the he's taking out the trash and doing the laundry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, was any of it? Uh, we talked a lot about this quad. Uh, in the center was any of that scary like how did you approach uh, that section well that's the thing like on these two strokes i don't want to hit big stuff because it's so easy to get whiskey on them things and i just don't feel comfortable hitting a freaking a three quad three like on the four stroke no problem because i kind of i've been riding them for like a while now so i know how it's going to react but like if you oj something on the two stroke and you just get like Throttle lock, you're freaking, you're going for a ride. So, <laughs> throttle I lock, just throttle wanted, lock. I just wanted to stick to my little like rowing through the jumps. <laughs> and but Hanson was kind of freaking me out because I thought that since he was doing, it, everybody was going to do it. So I was kind of thankful that a lot of people, nobody did it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to go up against Hanson in any of your runs. Uh, Roxanne had to try to handle him uh, going up yeah, against no. the quad. Um, he was. Mm-hmm. He, they those two picked it up big time the night sh- like the uh i guess the night show when racing really counted because their lap time or what uh, yeah i guess the time like i looked up at one of the runs and they ran like a a 41.7 and my quickest was like a 40 42.2 and i'm like oh boy here we go <laughs> i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna have to pick this up at but i don't know it was, it was pretty cool so when it when it got cooler out their carburetors started working a little better. That's, That's what, what it was. There's a little Blame extra the juice at night. Yeah, the, the, old, the old KTM was dialed no matter what. Oh, there you go. <laughs> look at him, company man already. Yeah, good. <laughs> now, look, I know, see, he because you run in Hayes' circle, I know you've gotten a lot of advice on this stuff from the super agent here, Daniel Blair. So, good. He gave <laughs> yeah. you a, he gave you an excuse. If you wanted an excuse, he gave that to you. You could blame it on the bike. But I guess you've oh, also... Yeah, that was it. Yeah, but you've also helped him be him corporate. Well. I've trained him well. Yeah, okay. Uh, by the way, what are you going to do? Like, we talked to Hayes. He called Daniel today, and he's down in Australia. Do you feel weird? Like, do you guys pretty much were 24-7? <laughs> Not Twi- being with Twins, Twins. Dude. What are you going to do without Hayes around, dude? Yeah, I, fr- I called him, like, I think I called him today. I FaceTimed him or something, and he didn't answer. So I'm like, all right, it's probably late there. And he, he goes... You just called me at 2 a.m. I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> so we're, uh, he, he like, called me on some weird number all the time. But, no, we, we're pretty good buddies. We stay. We contact each other a lot, so. For the record, Jacob will be back. He's in racing Australia right now, but he, he'll he be back for Supercross, Daniel? Yep. Okay. Back. 
All right, but uh, you might have to battle him, right? Good... Yeah, he's doing West Coast, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm doing West. So, Ooh, okay. hey, and he's repping my number from last year. He so did. What a... That's took, pretty. Uh, took the funny. old four or five from him. Oh, okay, the the Bradshaw number. What you got? Uh, we got Eric Bernard. Uh, who's big part hey, favorite. I'm here. Go ahead, Eric. Brandon, nice meeting you this weekend. Great job, and uh, I just wanted to let uh, people know that when you showed up, you meant business. I uh, I've been around racing for many many years, and uh, I didn't know you. Uh, you know, I just knew your name, and, and just meeting you, I knew you were here for a kill. You were not here to ride. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> and that. And it's uh, it's it's uh, rare enough to be mentioned. You know, when you see somebody coming into uh, a level of that, of a race of that level, and he was just like ready for it. Dra Drago's always ready. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, what about the costume, Evil Knievel? Do you have any evil? Like, but the funny thing is, this whole retro thing, especially Evil Knievel, is like way older than most of the yeah, riders. You don't even the know yeah. Evil is. Do you got any <laughs> Evil Knievel knowledge at all, dude? Uh, I know. Yeah. All right. Here's the way I look at it. Oh, it's gonna be good. <laughs> A man. That man obviously didn't have skill, but that dude had some some cojones down there. So. <laughs> okay. He would just. People are telling me, just, you know how he's always like front wheel up, like yeah, yeah. 12 o'clock? Everybody's like, oh, you got to start jumping like that. I'm like, ah, I don't know. But it was pretty, his son was there. So that was, he uh, walked up to me and wow. like shook my hand. And I was like, wow, this, that was, I was not ready for that. So that was awesome. Oh, right. Yeah. You actually, when, when you first got on the two stroke and the thing wanted to go nose high in every jump, you were actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then he said he already got that out of the way. The yeah, everybody on the team calls me evil now, so I guess it's stuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so now it's back to work. Uh, what's the plan here? Do you are you California the whole time, or what's going to be the next couple months for you to get ready for your your plans of racing west? Yeah, I think just we're staying here in um, California. We're uh, we're actually I think our team this year we're like the youngest team in a long time. So, uh, and I'm I'm 21 and I'm the I'm the oldest, so I feel like the old man on the team. But buys beer for yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, how has it gone so far? I mean, you, you, yeah, I've been on the team very long. But what's the experience been like so far? Uh, it's been uh, three weeks of like just fun, and um, I'm really enjoying it. All the uh, the the Baker thing and Mike Brown's going to be our. Oh yeah. It's it's obviously Alden's our trainer but mike brown's like our i guess like your guide or kind of so it's been really good and i've been working out with coop a lot so um everybody on the team is super nice and always always wanting to help and they have just a lot of the resources and it's pretty sweet we go to the ktm track and you you literally can walk 100 yards to the factory like the shop so it's it's pretty awesome how's uh cooper feeling after getting beat by a 15 year old um he said he couldn't. Saturday night he couldn't sleep. He was too busy worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I had asked Cooper if he wanted to be on the show because I just want to talk about getting back on the bike after the knee injury because I'm like, they don't care how they do it straight rhythm. That's not going to bother him. Then I should have thought about it. Maybe it actually did. So I probably should have just left him alone. I just figure you, no yeah. one really cares that much. <laughs> no, he um, he actually, because like he's never in a two-stroke pretty much. Right. And he got out here, I think, like last week and – he hasn't even rode his 450 yet, so he's just been straight to the to the two stroke. So, I think he's uh, stoked to ride his four, his uh, 450 tomorrow. So, 
Uh, so you mentioned that you're kind of involved. Yeah, so the TLD team is kind of operated, like, not directly with Alden, but, like, at the Alden place. And they had uh, Rattray, now uh, um, you're saying Mike Brown. But is Sethro Sethro now involved to some degree? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's It's really uh, it's cool to see, like, three years ago to now how much he's, like, done for himself. And, yeah, he's working for Alden. He's, uh, I think he's coming out here in, like, a week or two. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy for him yeah good job by our buddy seth rarick and that was your guy even before this so yeah you guys it worked stick out together. pretty good because yep. i went here and then he came here so it's like we it was a win-win <laughs> yeah all right well well done uh, jersey boy and by the way we did have a call earlier on the show from rich trevelis from englishtown in new jersey because oh, they just rich had the k-rock the that's your track bro yeah oh i know i every i always keep tabs on i see who races there and who doesn't i like to see who wins so yeah that's that's my territory. We have a national there. I'm going for the, uh, going for the win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always the rumor that Englishtown is going to get a national. Now we've heard that for maybe thirty some years. You never know. They got a new track down there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they did. They did move it over. Yeah. The, uh, side, so. Yep. That's cool. Uh, we good. We got a bunch of the guests on the show. We front loaded this show hard. I'm glad we got you in though. And uh, okay, that's it. Just you got to beat Ken Roxon. That's the only thing missing from your game right yeah, now. No, All you got to do is beat like maybe the fastest it. guy. No, I won't. Yeah. Yeah, we just got to beat Kenny. There's no big, no big deal. No, pressure. no. All you got to do in as a third year 250 class Supercross rider is beat one of the fastest 450 class. Just guys. go for Ken Rocks and nobody else, right? That's right. You good, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Hey, heartthrob. Friday night dinner. You're paying, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll pay for you and uh, Alex. Oh, me and A Ray. I'm staying at A Ray's house this weekend. Staying at A Ray's house. Where, where, where are we? Uh, where are we going to eat at? Though? Most expensive place in town. You, you pick. I'll pick it. But, okay. But by then, you should have the check. You know, I'm taking hey, care F- of that. FYI, so. Wood Ranch is good. So. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Man, you're quite the mogul here these days, Daniel Blair. Making things happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. All right, Hearthrob, excellent job, and uh, we'll see if you can carry this momentum. I'm sure. I'm sure, uh, you know, a random 45-second run in October is going to carry. Don't worry. I got a – you're a Jersey boy, so I got to keep her going, you know? Hey, dude, we got a renaissance here between you and we can somewhat Same claim Coop. Same area code, 732. Yes, yes, we have the same area code on our phones because we, we keep our jersey. Yeah, yeah, we're with the same area code because we keep our jersey roots. Me and Heartraft. So yeah. Brayton or Heartraft next year? Who, where's your heart? Where's your heart following the most? I gotta go. We got we had a lot of sponsor segments to get <laughs> oh, to. Here. I gotta go. One answer the question. God, this is two tough. classes. I, I don't know. The <laughs> line's starting to break up here. We'll see you later, Heartraft. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Later, bro. Bye, Brandon. All right, that is uh, Brandon Heartraft. I, I can't figure out how to hang up on people. Oh well. Um, oh wait a minute, we got. Speaking of New Jersey, who do we got here on line one? Gentlemen, gentlemen, oh. Weech. <laughs> Nash. Beautiful Nash. Thanks well, for jumping in. It's a beautiful segue mm-hmm. in with Hartramp. And, I, you know, I'm going to let everybody in the Pulp Nation know, and Weech, you're already going to know what I'm going to say. Okay. The reason why he was number one qualifier is one word, couches pit. Just grinding laps out of couches. Grinding. I've said it over and over. I know people would think New Jersey, the most densely populated state in our country, would have Correct. terrible riding. But the whole second half of the state, the southern half, has some of the best mm-hmm. riding in the world, I swear. Brian Carroll's mm-hmm. Vineland, one of the yeah. funnest tracks I've ever rode in my entire life. That's that's southern Jersey, right? Indeed. Right to where, right where Weeds went to college. Very close to there. Yeah. Hardly anyone realizes there was a college there. They don't think I went there because they think it's <laughs> no, made up. Hey. That's the reality, yeah. though. Hard Number one qualifier, short rhythm, catches pit, just gnarly jumps, old school. We can make it happen. Yes, it worked. Absolutely. It paid off. Nash, thanks for calling in, gentlemen. Hey, listen.
listen, mm-hmm. you're doing a hell of a job. I mean, Steve better start watching his back. You know, you're oh, taking he's over. He's done. Yep. I, I, I'm happy with all the swag I just picked up in my man cave down here now. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Go. Yeah. I love it. Go get him, gents. Enjoy the show. Cheers. All right, Nash. Thank you. One of Jersey's finest there, saluting one of Jersey's finest. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jason Thomas on in a moment, but first, I'm going to send it to Travis Marks because it is now time for the X Brand Goggles oh, yeah. Tear Offs. It's the X Brand Tear Off segment. 15 second rapid fire QA. Rapid fire. Yeah, I so say one of you's got to do it. Rapid fire. Uh, it's just not the same. The rapid fire. It's not the same. Question submitted by a Corey Moser. Does anyone know this guy? Anyone know who this Corey Moser guy is? I do not. I've not heard of him, but he sent in. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. He sent in questions. Uh, so rapid fire it at us here. 30 seconds. All right, Weege. Yeah. What's the most obscure race that you've announced for? Uh, give me like three seconds of the 30 so I can think about this. The most obscure race I announced. Oh, for sure it was the eating contest, the multiple eating contest between Mathis and Ping. Uh, probably wouldn't go as well now, maybe. I'm not sure. But, or, uh, we, we or did, would it go better? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we did multiple eating contests. We did um, hot dogs and bananas together, I think, at Wanshugal one year. And then we did a uh, sub-sandwich one at uh, the Morgantown office. Yeah, so that would, that has to be the eating race. Had to be the most obscure I did. Thank you. 32 seconds. Not bad. Oh. Daniel, on your show, you said the social media interactivity by the Red Bull Straight Rhythm Riders was stupid and fake. So where do you rate Mrs. Supercross tweets segment and people putting bikes in their living rooms? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. Silly, uh, but no. I and that was a long time ago. I just said that when they were smack talking, that it was funny, like at first, and then it kind of got old because it just kept happening and it wasn't real. So it was a joke uh, that I made, but apparently it stuck and it's a problem. Damn. <laughs> Eric, is Eric's mic on? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay, Eric, do you see a future electric bike class or series? I want to see one, but I don't see it yet. It's still, you know, a long way away. As I was sharing with my friends here, we had uh, the head of Honda that came to Straight Rhythm, the guy in charge of the electric bike, and uh, it's going to happen, but not soon. So first we need one good bike that uh, basically works and uh, can be raced, and Mm -hmm. then I'm sure everybody will jump in. KTM launched that mini one, so that's going to prime the pump. Weege, Emig, Emig was basically told he couldn't announce outdoors and Supercross, so why is Will allowed to do both? I don't, I don't, I, I, Emig was not told that, I don't think. I, maybe he just wanted, uh, you know, uh, less time on the road and uh, kind of like Larry Brooks, family time. Maybe you need to build a fort in the backyard. Uh, I'm not aware of any such rules between them. Uh, we're all in one big, happy family. Daniel. Uh, motocross the nations red bull straight rhythm or monster cup which race do you feel is the most important of the three? Oh god one big happy family bro <laughs> one big happy family um i'm gonna be on the i mean this is gonna obviously not make me look good to a lot of people i don't care but i don't i'm not a big fan of the motocross the nations at all whoa yeah um haven't been for a while whoa. slowly fading and almost faded all the way out to this point whoa. the straight rhythm i think is like freaking it's like halloween for dirt bikes dressing up doing different things trying different things it's awesome 
but I'll say Monster Cup obviously because it's the most similar to what these guys are actually paid to do. So that's and obviously I and you want to keep your job. I mean, but that's honestly I'm not saying that yeah. because I really do. I love Monster Cup. It's it's one of my favorite races of the year. So. Mm-hmm. Eric, why aren't there more one-off unique races like Straight Rhythm? Because it's very difficult and very expensive. You need to have a lot of courage, and uh, and it's, you need to bankroll a big race, and that's uh, that's why it's so hard. I wish there would be more, but uh, it's getting more expensive to do those races, and you you have less revenue, less sponsorship. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the uh, the ratio is not good. Weege, have you penciled our what long-term will cost you more? I'm guessing that's supposed to be out. Have you penciled out what long-term will cost you more, buying your son a dog or a motorcycle? Yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be no dogs ever uh, (laughs) because I just learned just today uh, Steve having to set his thermostat so his dogs can be comfortable while he's on vacation, leave the TV on while his dogs are on vacation, and then pay someone to come walk the dogs while he's on vacation. To be fair, it's the type of dog. I mean, some dogs could probably tough it out. <laughs> Don't think Rocky's cut out uh, for a hot house, you know what I mean? Don't let Rocky hear you say that. Dogs lose. Daniel, is the Supercross All-Stars class too dangerous? Supercross All-Stars? Um... I don't think so. Uh, you like as far as the track goes? Yeah, probably. Is there, yeah, is there more? Is there more? This probably meaning Monster Cup race, not the yeah. amateur. Yeah, race. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I man, I, I don't remember any big problems from it. I'm sure there's been some crashes and injuries, but for the most part, no. I think that's kind of the design behind the whole event is allowing you to see those classes, and that's why there's no whoops. That's why there's no triples. Um, they have other creative ways of making the track competitive, and no, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's fine, and I, and I, I like that aspect about Monster Cup too, is getting a chance to see these guys. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but Cincerello is making his 450 debut at Monster Cup. He's won Monster Cup twice on the 250 and the Super Mini, yeah. and that's pretty cool that we saw him on a Super Mini, and now he's a national champion and he's making his 450 debut at that race. So I think that's one of the better parts of the event. That's what I studied was the U.S. Open 20 years ago. It was, and it was very, very challenging I as re- far as amount of shit I had to take for that. I know? remember watching <laughs> Josh Hill on a YZ85 yeah. blitzing the whoops and being like, man, that kid will probably end up being all right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, again, you're getting to watch that right now, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Ryder Francesco, he's one of the baddest mini bike dudes there is. He just got hurt, so he's going to miss it. Yep. And that sucks because you're getting to watch these kids become, you know, teenagers, then become young adults, and then become champions. And I, I think that's rad. I mean, think about the guys Plessinger. They've won that race yeah. and gone on to be Supercross champs. It's cool. I, one of the coolest parts of the yeah. event, in my opinion. That was more than 30 seconds, but we'll, we'll, but let, we'll let it slide. And again, that's because, me personally, passionately, that's one of my oh, personal okay. favorite things. All right, last one. Eric. Who do you think you could get for cheaper to announce in Hawaii? Weed or Blair? Hmm. <laughs> Might be a decision well, you have to make soon. Well, let's... Yeah. Uh, I've got a, let's, I've got a lifetime work, commitment with Weege. You know, so it's like he signed forever. Yeah, I mean, I, he, I have done every Maddis, single one. As long as you and Mattis can get along. But if there's a divorce between you and Mattis, maybe I'll have to take Daniel. Well, I can Actually, tell you, I, I can solve this right now. <laughs> 
This is the week after the Vegas Supercross. I'm unavailable for almost any dollar, no matter what. I, I'm done after Vegas. I go hibernation mode. So, all right. Your all right. I, I'm not so, going. I was feeling the chemistry tonight. I think it should have just been the two of us and no Steve. Blame. Never mind. You know what? That's a great idea. Yes. Why don't we go? I'll go in Steve's place. We'll handle it all. Yeah. And let him go back to, um, you know, talking crap on taking the riders the, on Twitter. Taking all the jumps. You should have saw Steve trying to do the freestyle show. That was great. Oh, Not knowing any tricks. Just started screaming Blue Crew over and over. Uh, all right. That's, that's it for right. X-Brands. Okay. X-Brand tear-offs. Hey, Fly Racing has doubled down on its effort to produce the best performance motocross and off-road products. The Formula Helmet redefined expectations in protection, ventilation, and weight. The new 2020 Vector Graphic is arriving now and can be seen on Fly Racing athletes worldwide, most notably Zach Osborne, the Team USA helmet at Motocross Nations, when they actually got to loosen the reins a little bit, run a totally different design than they normally do on the Rockstar Huskies. From the Formula to the redesigned Evo DST gear down to our all-new FR5 boots. There's one a pair of them sitting right over there in Steve's man cave. Fly Racing has head-to-toe options for any riding need. Visit flyracing.com to see the entire lineup. And speaking of Fly Racing, we'll get our buddy uh, Jason Thomas on the line here in uh, just a minute. So uh, I just want to remind everybody, if you go to Steve's janky Pulp MX site, there's an Amazon widget. You can use that. I don't understand if you buy something on Amazon, they give Mathis part of the money. I don't understand why they would do that. But, uh, I mean, eventually they're going to own all of us. So what's the difference? Uh, I don't have to speak nicely of Amazon. It's not like they're directly a sponsor, so I can do that. Also, did you see inside the garage, like a fresh Honda Pilot? He hooked up Pookie with a nice ride. Uh, LA Honda World, uh, always hooking people up on Honda Ridgelines, if that's your style. It's probably going to get some people in the chat room. But if you want a Honda Ridgeline, go to LA Honda World. Let's go to line number six. Well, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to get mean. I'm going to have to get nasty. I'm going to have to start arguing because we are joined by Fly Racing's own Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? You guys didn't burn the house down yet? Nope. Uh, I had There's to, still time. Uh, yeah. right, right around 10, 15. Yep. Not attacked by a dog? I mean, they are vicious. They are very quick. Uh, they're, <laughs> we, I mean... We each walked one of them. Yeah, I did. I did There's walk only it. one. I stood There's it. There's only one? Yeah. I think I stood the dog. I didn't really walk it. It wouldn't move. It wouldn't, wouldn't Tried move. to drag him, and he didn't go. I was actually panicking because when I got here, there was only one dog. And I assume Steve is operating like a three-dog minimum at all times. So I was assuming I'd already lost two dogs before I even got here. So you know about his dogs like he knows about your kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The daughter I don't even have. Uh, and then uh, Steve said, no, no, unfortunately, we had to uh, put one of the dogs down. And I said, was the dog sick, or did you just choose to? <laughs> yeah, you celebrated this. Yeah, and he's like, it's not even legal to do that. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I can't believe there's laws about dogs. Who cares? Wow. Ask Michael Vick. Yeah, that's how I found that out. I'm like, there, somebody already wrote laws for this. Uh, JT. JT hey. comes in hot with a zinger. That that's was right. pretty good start right there. Uh, you know, remember there was a guy that was going to Supercross races, giving like NFL jerseys out to like VIP types. Do you remember that? That was like the hot thing like three years ago or yeah. so. JT. Yep, I do. Yeah, right, so he gave J-Bone a Vic jersey, and J-Bone's like, I don't want this. That's the dog killer. And I was like, I'll take it. You're in. <laughs> I got it. I got my Vic yeah. 7 Philadelphia Eagles jersey. It's mounted on the ceiling above your bed. You yeah, it. just a reminder. Do not enter <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, yeah. JT, uh, I'm really curious to get your take on straight rhythm, because I feel like, and I think you've expressed this before, as the rolling tank, as the guy who will maybe not have the sprint laps, but will try to get you by the end of the race. I don't know if you've ever been the biggest fan of the Red Bull straight rhythm format. So what are your thoughts on it uh, this year or even the last couple of years? What do you think of the event? 
Yeah, I thought it was actually pretty cool this year. I, oh, okay. Um, All right, it's coming around. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. It has not been my favorite event in the past, and I really never had a legitimate reason. And I told Hammer this. Like, I don't, I don't dislike it. Um, I think it's awesome the effort you guys put in, and, and you guys do – you, you guys always put in a first-class effort as far as Red Bull, and I've been very upfront with him. I just was never that intrigued by the format. And uh, I have to say, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. You know, I still am, uh, I think, a bit of a purist at heart as far as the racing format I like to watch every Saturday night. But I was entertained. Um, I thought they did a good job of bringing some unique aspects, you know, with with Pastrana, and then I thought the uh, the efforts made by all the the riders and graphic companies and gear companies and everybody was over the top awesome. Um, just what a tremendous effort by everybody involved to do that throwback stuff because they nailed it. There were so many looks that I was just blown away at how accurate and detailed they were. So yeah, I I left there. Um, I was at a buddy's house watching, and I left there kind of. Um, regretting my past opinions of it because I thought they knocked it out of the park. When I first saw, I think it was the Mitchell Harrison bike, and I don't know how many people got to see it on TV because he wasn't in the fastest eight, so he didn't get to race in the bracket for 125s. The same bike they had that was the Stu bike last year, they turned into a number 70 Carmichael bike this year. When I saw that bike coming at me, it was really shocking. Even to see it in pictures, seeing it in person, all of a sudden I was like, that really looks like that bike. And then obviously the Cat and Zero one, even though that was really a KTM, You'd be hard-pressed to tell. It was freaky. The Fonseca bike coming at you, Lieb, you're just like, that is, it is Fonseca. Yeah. It was mind-blowing yep. to see it in person. Even though we knew we were going to see that coming in, I feel like when you actually saw it, it hearing about it didn't do it justice. It was crazy, man. Yeah, yeah the Pastrana one was over the top. I mean, they from the helmet, you know, the Pro Artworks replica helmet to the gear, uh, to the bike, I mean, it was just, Tremendous, and and that was just one of many. But I the the Pastrana one really jumps off the page to me. Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, <laughs> Kent Zero went out of his way too. Rode like him and even almost crashed. The question like him. is the chest protector. Where was that the chest protector? I mean, <laughs> I where did he find he, that? He needed a Wiley Coyote though. If he would have had a Wiley Coyote on the back of that chest protector, uh, there would have been no stopping him. I think. Yeah, yeah, I know. Those are the olden, the olden days. I got a couple callers here we're going to let in. Uh, first, let me get to line one. I believe I have Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? Hey. Hey, Tyler. Hey, what's going on, Jason? How's it going? All yeah, good. Basically, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, Suzuki this year. Uh, maybe you can give you a little insight on, I know the title sponsor fell through. And uh, basically, are we going to be seeing uh, yellow bikes out there on the track in uh, 2020? Yeah, so JGR is uh, getting squeezed on both ends here. They didn't have a title sponsor going back a year ago, and then they've keep thinking it's going to happen you saw a little hint of it they had uh, a few cherokee indian uh tribe logos on the bike over the summer with isaac teasdale they keep thinking that this is going to happen but it i feel like it's been at the 99 percent stage for months now uh which is either really encouraging or not now i think they were going to be okay if that was the only thing they had to deal with but then suzuki is feeling the pinch as well and is offering a much smaller budget and financial support from their side. So JGR is trying to convince Suzuki to continue supporting them the way they used to and get the sponsor. I feel like they could go without one or the other, but both, that's going to be tough. Uh, and now, once again, I heard, oh, this is the week that it will be decided. Uh, but I've heard that in previous weeks. Uh, I don't. It's not looking good. That's that's the reality of it as far as I know. I don't know if anybody else has better insight yeah, than me. Yeah, I right, spoke with Jay Bond today, yeah. and he was sounding more optimistic. 
I know, and he his optimism has gone up like week to week, but he's an optimistic guy. <laughs> He is optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. I don't think it's going to be a full-on effort like we've seen with two semi, four riders and everything, yeah. but I think it was. it's going to be a, a leaner, meaner effort. Yep. yep. JT, you're yeah, all right, Mommy. You know anything about this? Uh, I was just going to yeah. say, it sounds like if one thing we can maybe deduce from all this, it sounds like Chad's out. Yeah, I yeah. heard that too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Chad, uh, the problem with Chad is he has less time because Chad has to be ready to race all these international races like Australia and some Eric stuff, I think, too, right? So he he can't wait till January. He's got to get on a motorcycle and start testing and riding now. So he couldn't wait. I, I do have a question, okay. and JT, one of you can answer this. They don't have stuff from last year that he can ride. I mean, you got to order brand new everything. There's not a bike there with decent enough parts to say, here, we can do something. I don't think not that's allowed the issue. To? I Is think it it's almost like a... who's paying for it, yeah. like, 19 and 20 are the same. Suzuki, yeah. 19 and 20. So they're not even waiting for new parts. It's the same bike. I think so the what, problem is, what? like, if you go to the test track, who's paying for that? If you send yeah. a bike over to Europe, who's paying for that? We don't have a team. Everything's frozen right now. So I think but that's I thought I heard show. Chad say how he hasn't been riding or anything. I mean, but there's no dirt bike there that he could ride or even the test track. He, they, well, I think, I think, I think he did is, ride. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, JT. I think there is, but from what I've gathered, unless he is on... JGR and at some form of him riding for JGR, I don't think he's going to ride a Suzuki. So I think that's where the disconnect comes in. If it's not going to be for JGR, then he's going to choose a different OEM. Is, right. is the the what I understand anyway. So I don't think he wants to move forward and go ride Suzuki's at JGR's track if he's not going to be on that team. I think he's going to go a different direction. Yeah, I believe he did do some riding with them, and then they've been tightening and tightening and tightening down of like. We can't really do or as right it looks less likely, he's also like, well, yeah, and he again has been on. But anyway, good question, yeah. And I mean, look, I love those guys more than anybody. They're the only motocross team where I live. That's a really cool thing to have that around. I certainly hope it works. We all like the guys over there, but yeah, it's been a long time since I've heard like, yeah, things are really going great. It's like they keep getting hit. The hits keep on coming. What happens with mm-hmm. Amart? Thanks for your question, though. Thank you. He's in. Yeah, no he's problem. in for next year, yeah. and everything's. Mm, so right now, so A. Martin, another guy. Another guy was uh, testing this week, but I don't know. Again, it's like, this is all, we'll take precautions if we go racing. At least we'll be somewhat ready. But Man. it's it's very slow moving over there uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, let me get to uh, Paul here. Paul, you got a question? Yeah. 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 All oh, right. Good job. So first off, I'd just like to say that, JT, I'm with you. I listen to all the podcasts, so if I was in Aspen, I would just be staring at the chicane, thinking about all <laughs> yeah. the amazing moments with, you know, hey, Rossi Paul. and Marquez, and I just, that Paul, sport's amazing. No idea, my favorite. You have no idea how much I tried to, and I, I hesitate to use the, use the word educate, because I don't feel like I should be educating anyone, but I tried to fill Steve in on the history of that track and some of the great races we've seen there and how the chicane plays in, you know, plays a role and all, all these things. And Steve was just not having it. I mean, like (laughs) hardcore, not having it to the point where he was actually angry with me that we were actually at this, this racetrack. He was actually angry all weekend that we were at this racetrack, but nothing made it worse than me mentioning MotoGP every 30 seconds. (laughs) Well, you don't have to worry. Steve's gone. Steve's done. You won't be hearing from Steve any longer. So it's okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I, it's just it's the cathedral of speed. It's the it's so prestigious, and that's 
I, I, I called in a few shows where he was ranting and raving, and I'm like, but, bro, you don't get it. It's the Cathedral of Speed. Like, that's why MXGP is going there. It's not about anything else, but it's except it's the Cathedral of Speed. That's why they're there. So, but yeah, like, I, I kind of liken it to Daytona a little bit. Um, I don't think anybody feels Daytona is the best racetrack of the year. Uh, it's okay. It's unique, but it's not the best racetrack we'll see all year, but it's Daytona. It's iconic. It has history and tradition. And, uh, anybody who knows anything about motorsports knows Daytona and for, for Europe and, and motorsports, Aston has that kind of iconic feel to it. So while Aston may not have been the best racetrack I've ever seen, I think events like that have a place, you know, it doesn't have to be every year, but to change things up and add variety and a different kind of feel and vibe. And, you know, we talked about it before, but amenities like that aren't very typical, especially for these old iconic motocross tracks of Europe. So that was a a nice plus. Yes. The weather sucked and the track maybe could have been better, but there were upsides to it as well. You know, I, I don't think it was a horrible event by any means. Um, but I, you know, Steve is, uh, very opinionated plus or minus, you know, and that's what we love about him. But yeah, I don't think that was his favorite event ever to say the least. All right. Thanks for, uh, jumping on there, Paul. Hey, real quick. Uh, I got to let Eric go. Eric's headed home. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with JT. I'm hundred percent with what he said. I mean, it was, it was a great event. It was definitely really bad weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think any other places with this kind of weather, it would have been canceled. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it was like yeah. at least, at least some of the fans and uh, and us the industry we stayed clean and dry. Mm-hmm. You know, for the rider it was miserable, but it was miserable. It's miserable every time it rains. You know, but uh, JT we on the same uh, same wavelengths on this one. Good. Well, I thought Eric, I told Steve that same feeling. I said if this was at you know Ernay next year, if it rained this much, yeah, I don't think the guys could climb the hills. Absolutely. I don't think we would have been. And, and he told me I was an idiot. And he didn't want to hear me ever say that again. <laughs> Eric, thanks for coming by. Uh, uh, we got to, You got to get to the airport? Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate the intel. Time yep. time to fly back to Florida. It's been two weeks. Dude, you are a crazy well, man. You're not done. You got more to do. See you back in one week. Good to see you. He's crazy, <laughs> this guy. Um, so just for, for me to accurately fill the role of Steve Mathis here. Oh, so JT, what you're saying is we should just never have motocross track with hills anymore. Just never have a motocross track with hills, everybody. Never have a motocross track with hills. Because if it rains, they won't be able to do the hills. Yeah. 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 And, so, no, and no guns. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, oh, uh, Daniel Blair, you love saying, your hang town? Had too many hills. Sorry. Uh, we got to go flatlands. He just kept saying, though, they'd scrape it, they would scrape it, they would scrape it. And I'm like, well, it's difficult. You can't really scrape hills like that because the tractors can't get up and down them if it's full mud. Like, if it's that muddy and slippery, like, you're you're asking a lot out of the track crew and – he just wasn't having it. I don't know, like, JT. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. JT, 45 years of running AMA Motocross Nationals, everybody. 45 years. It rains. Yep. They still race. They get the tractors up and down the hills. They scrape the track. All right, JT? Okay. Yep. Garbage track. Garbage track. <laughs> change the date. Change the event. Team USA is boycotting. Hey, he thinks it nailed was, it. He thinks the track was terrible. Even if they had run the race. Okay, let's say they could scrape it. It would have been so miserable weeds because it was raining the whole time like it wasn't like we got this deluge like you're always saying all you need is that small window which i actually agree with you need a small window that's right. but not raining that's right. right yep we didn't get that small window it just kept coming like it just was like 
oh, you think we're done now? No, no, we're just going to keep raining. Then we're going to keep raining some more, and then it's going to blow 45-mile-an-hour winds, and then it's going to rain some more. So there would have been no scraping, and we're good. It would have just been a complete mess. Well, I'm surprised you even noticed, JT, because all you did was go inside a TV booth and then get in the hospitality area for your prime rib. Okay? So I'm surprised you even knew what the weather was. Okay? You're Shocking. You're talented. You're a good team. Yeah. Um, uh, somehow, I think Paul's been on this line still. Paul, are you still there? Yep. All right. What yep, do you got? I'm you got one here. more? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I just uh, – one other thing that I noticed from the Red Bull straight rhythm is that I, I'm just reminded about how silky smooth Hanny is. I mean, like, everything is so precise and so fluid and so smooth, as with Kenny as well. But they're both just so smooth. I mean, it just – it's so much fun to watch. It's like watching Sean Kalos ride. You know, it's its a blast from the past that most people probably don't know. But, like, it's just – it's so fun to watch those guys ride. It's like everything's so precise, so smooth, and so fluid. It's, it's, it's like poetry in motion, really. Yeah, it is. I've always kind of made fun of the Hanny thing because I feel like I'm always hearing for years, he's so good, he's so talented. And I've always said, show me that race. Show me show me that race where Hanny just dropped all these dudes. He He's won like three or four Supercross races in a career. Like, um, but- X Games, uh, what was the year? X Games was pretty impressive. What was the yeah. year? What year was that? Nine? Uh, Eight? Something like 20. 20- 2009, 2010, something like that. One of those. There's the one we'd. It was- he put it to Reed and Stu? I mean, I'm just saying, just did he put poetry in motion. Okay, did he put it to read? Dodged him. So here's the here's, yeah, they, uh, he they dodged were, him. They That's were right. scared. That's they right. were scared. Uh, but what I think here's where the disconnect comes. I don't think that Hanny is so unbelievable. Is coming from race day. It's because the other riders see him during the week doing stuff that they know they can't do, like we saw at straight rhythm. And I think that's why you you can't see it in a record book or the results column, but the peers well, see it. I think I think what you're you're confusing two things you're confusing talent with what happens on race day yes because what happens on race day is a result of work put in during the week and hanny wasn't necessarily doing that he just had (laughs) unbelievable talent so yeah you just wonder what could have been really more for hanny i mean he was winning races kind of without even trying um it's unfortunate you know he doesn't have anybody to blame but himself but yeah I, i would echo the sentiment that his ability to put a track together is all-time level. Yeah. If Hanny had Ryan Dungey's work ethic, he would have never lost one time. <laughs> there you go. Ever. There yep. you go. Yeah, he'd be in, he'd be in Cabo with Steve right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul, thanks for calling in. Thank you. All have right. a great night. Uh, I'm going to go to I, – I can't figure out how to hang up on people. Paul's going to be on this show all night. Paul, hang up. Yep. We just can't do uh, it. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm incapable. I, I'm, I'm too much of a lover. I don't like cutting people off. Let me go to uh, Skippy on line one. Hit it, bro. Yo, what up, boys? Hey. Man, this is a uh, good thing. This is show number one. It's the first time I've listened to uh, Pulp and Mech show on East Coast time, so I'm proud of myself for staying up late. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, welcome. now or what? Yeah, I mean, look, it's worth it. It suddenly is worth it. When you're tired tomorrow at work, don't worry about it. Think of the knowledge you've got inside your head now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm lucky. I get to travel with some WPS reps tomorrow, so uh, we're Ooh. out in uh Michigan, good to go uh, spread some EBS love uh, to this area. So, you know, it's nothing but good vibes. So, <laughs> but uh, man, I went back and listened to uh, show 13 uh, back in 2011, it sounded like. Show number 13 of, out of what is now 402? Number one. Okay. Well, yeah, you're right. 
But there's 401 yeah, old pulp so shows. It died Steve. at 402. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go back to show 13, and a caller actually uh, asked about uh, our production bikes at Motocross the Nations. Uh, this is you know year what what was it 2011 was that our that we 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 had that was the last year we won right yeah so they were already talking about the production bikes that we are on versus the you know non-production you know unlimited kind of rules how much are we still going to play you know play that into an excuse versus just the fact that the europeans are truly putting a lot of their time into only moto and no, he said yeah. it with JT on the phone. Why did you have to Here say that with JT on the line? Why did you have to say it with Here JT on the line? Gosh. Yeah. I mean, Supercross <laughs> is so such a big deal for us. That we have to just finally accept the fact that we just honestly, as racers, we don't emphasize moto as much. All right, Skippy. 2011, <laughs> same schedule. Same emphasis on Supercross. 2010, same schedule. Same emphasis on Supercross. Supercross is not a new invention. We started winning the Motocross yeah. Nations in 1981. There was an AMA Supercross Championship in 1981 as well. Uh, there's always been more Supercross rounds than uh, Motocross rounds. I would, Supercross has always had more media exposure. I'm pretty sure it's always paid more. So I don't. That's the part I don't get. Um, JT, care to argue, Mathis style? I don't want to argue, but okay. I will say that I think that the level of riding in MXGP has grown significantly. And the only thing I can point to for a reason for that is the way this uh, feeder system with EMX you, from 65 to 85 to 125 to 250, I think it's churning out some serious talent. And those guys are racing. They're racing national tracks on national weekends starting at, like, 10 years old on 60s. So I, I think the level's really high. I think, I think they're uh, they're – churning out higher caliber riders than ever before in history. And you look at who it is, you look at, you know, Hurlings and Cairoli still around, and then the rise of Tim Geiser and the rise of Roman Febra and all these, there are more guys that are capable of going up. And, and if you look at back in those, over those years, there was a guy like Stefan Everts who was great. Right. But then there was kind of no one. And mm-hmm. there was always one guy that was really good, but there, if there wasn't depth like this, like it's, deep right now if you look at who's capable of running up front when everybody's healthy over there it's pretty nasty uh and i think those guys are just i think they're all kind of converging at the same time where europe versus america didn't really have that depth in years past one thing that's tough with that uh, i've heard several people say that that emx series does a really great job preparing the riders and it's pretty obvious you have them race at a lot of the same events at a lot of the same tracks i think the reason that there's pressure to not copy that system here is because Believe it or not, there are still some people that are like, amateurs should be amateurs, meaning they shouldn't have to race every single weekend. They're supposed to be normal kids. In su- school. In school. They're supposed to be racing locally. They shouldn't have to race Hangtown and Fox Raceway at Pala one weekend and then go to Colorado and then go to High Point. That's kind of... The reason Loretta's is set up the way it is, believe it or not, is that it's supposed to take place when school is out. And it's one big race, so you don't have to keep skipping school. Now, we know that's all a joke because no one follows that anymore. Because all the, the top ones are... And second of all, the 12 Nationals are quite successful. They're trying to get people to go to their local track and race local races. So, in the end, you over, it's already being de-emphasized enough, uh, the local racing. 
and everybody focusing on the top. So I think it's a really tough decision because you're probably right, JT. I've heard several industry people saying that amateur EMX program does such a good job of preparing the riders. But I think that's why there's hesitation to copy it because, well, and I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you, but I think yeah. if you if you really look at the schedule, what they're asking, I think they do a pretty good job of breaking it up. So on a given weekend, if they're doing EMX 65 and 85, that's it. They won't have 125 and 250 there. Yep. If, but if they're doing 125 and 250, or if they're doing a women, like they'll break it up. So it's there's only so you're not there. So so the 85s yeah, yeah. aren't every single round. Absolutely, they have gaps, and then the flyaways they don't do any of that. So they're only asking them to do a certain amount of rounds. Uh, I want to say it's maybe six or eight for each class. So it's not some debilitating number of races. You know, they're not at every single one, and they give those guys breaks and and. So I, I do agree with you, but they're not asking them to become full-on professionals where it's every single weekend, too. But I don't know yeah, what but else how many really point to. Good, so Skippy. my question mm-hmm. is, though, yeah. how, many, how many of those kids, though, that you know are competing at that top level, most of them, like even on a amateur national level uh, here in the U.S., most of them are already homeschooled and everything, you know, other than the guys like Justin Cooper, who's well-known, you know, kids are going through public school and everything most of those kids are already pretty determined to be homeschooled and everything um so for me it's i i would think that you know being able to take six to eight weeks off is key and splitting it up like that is a huge benefit and uh how many riders do y'all know of that follow the entire all-star series were there a lot of amateur guys that y'all know of the supercross features no the yeah uh, the 125 all-star at the nationals all 12 well, no, that seems like a little more common because it's during summertime. But, I mean, were there a lot of, you know, kids following the entire Supercross no. Futures? No. I mean, no. maybe the ones trying to get their pro license in the future class that were, like, trying to get it and going to each one to try to get their license. But if you're talking 50, 60s. Wait, 60s, hold on. Are we talking Supercross Futures or are we talking 125 All-Star? The yeah, what are we one? talking about here? Supercross Futures. I Supercross figured, futures. I figured okay. summer, summer yeah. off, it'd be able to do the 120. That'd be yeah. a little Now, the, the road to Supercross changed to Supercross Futures. That's yeah. where you have all these A riders trying to get their pro license. Yeah. A lot of them traveled to a bunch of them because they're trying to get those points. If they don't get it one week, they've got to go the next. But for the 50s and 65s and 85s, which I'm starting to follow those kids a lot more in the last year or two, they aren't doing all of them. I mean, I think my kid probably did more than any. I think he did four. You yeah. know, um, oh, okay. and I only did that because we he raced the KTM dad, Junior at and Houston. His dad was there. Yeah, his dad happened to be there. Yeah, and he had free rooms. Yeah, at the hotel. I like that. How much do you guys think uh, those guys being able to custom tailor motorcycles for outdoor motocross, and not only that, but they can custom tailor their bikes for specific tracks where we don't really have that option, and nor would we because motocross is a you know thirty five percent of the year type deal. Uh, I I struggle to think that Hurlings and Cairoli and, and whoever, those guys being able to run different frames and swing arms and all kinds of stuff at these sand tracks, and all, I, it's got to it's got to be able to help I, um, going into Aston. I mean, those guys have access to equipment that our guys maybe have, but they're not going to use because it's so foreign to them, and they're not going to just jump on it for one race. I, I think it's a little bit of everything. Obviously, you could throw probably 10 variables that mm-hmm. are all realistically yes. make sense. But for me, JT, that what you just said is going to go into what I'm about to say. It's the hour meter. Um, if you ride three months out of the year on outdoor and the other nine months out of the year you ride supercross, 
you're not going to be as good as outdoor. And go go three, five, seven, nine years that these guys have been racing professional, and that's what they do. They lose touch with the outdoor style of riding. Over there, that's all they do is outdoors. So they develop their bikes better. They develop their riders we better. Not, we just not want to hear that. It's true. And they're more adjustable <laughs> because they ride in a lot more types of soil. We don't. We Our guys ride... The two outdoor tracks they ride when they practice, and then the 12 rounds they've raced every year, they are not developing new ideas or bike setups. It, it's just not It's not a priority. And on the hour meter, they don't do as much time. Take two riders, put one on Supercross for nine months and the other three on outdoor, and make the other guy to ride 12 months on outdoor. What's going to happen? It is, it's, it's as simple as the hour meter. The time invested in that discipline. We don't do that anymore. Same hour meter in 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, 10, and 11. But, and also 1981 through 1990. And honestly, go back and watch 15, 20 years ago what the GP guys looked like. Dude, they all looked so bad. Stiff, straight up and down. They, they, they have changed. They've modernized. There, you're stumbling upon different reasons. I like it. No, I like but it's it. true. They have yes. modernized because they've upped their game. Because they have YouTube and they can watch this stuff now. <laughs> but they've upped their game on yeah. that discipline. Watch them come and try to ride Supercross. They haven't updated their game on that discipline. Hurlings, as talented as can be. What place is he getting points next year in Supercross? Yeah, Does he make it through all of them? Yeah, hurt. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Hurt before and, we leave California. And that's why, because he yep. has got a lifetime of developing everything around what he does now. And he is a freak of nature at that. Our riders, as soon as they turn whatever age... The game changes. They don't even want to ride out there. They do as minimal as possible just to get through that series in the summer. And then they put – look at As soon as the outdoors are done, they're all the, at the Cowie – Adam's at the Cowie track. They're all like that. They're all – they spend all their time doing Supercross. That changes the way you ride. You, you become a specialist at something else, and just that's it. It's as simple as that. I think Jeff Stanton probably ran the same schedule, and he still whooped all the Belgians' asses in 1991. Thank you, Jeff Stanton, for – how, how putting much, most of your time uh, into Supercross, but still winning at Motocross Nations. How much do we weigh into it that we've lost, let's say, four out of the top... I'm going to say four out of the top seven or eight riders of all time have retired in the last 10 to 12 years? Yeah, see, what there. I like is, as you guys are making the point about the Supercross thing, you're also simultaneously mentioning other great reasons or excuses that do not have anything to do with that, such as the Euros improving their style which I think is because they were watching the American guys like Stu Scrub. Or, yes, we're losing guys to retirement. It's getting harder and harder to get a lot of the top guys to race it. Yeah. And the elephant in the room is the schedule. Guys. Yep. These weren't average guys. No. You know, RC, Stu, Dungy, Phil Poto. Think about how many wins. You're com- I mean, you're three or 400 wins right there. You know what I mean? Or at least 250 wins. Four of the five right best there. ever. It is shocking yeah. to, to that end, JT, that somehow – there was only one Motocross Nations team that had Dungey and Villapoto on it. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, okay, but throw that in there, too. Yeah. Don't forget, of all the best, four of our five best ever, they all retired, and now we have this new crop. I'd say two, at least, of their five best ever are still current. I mean, Caroli and Hurlings are insane in the record books yeah. and the way they've... So yep. they are at their peak of everything, and we are literally in a little bit of a lull when it comes to... Outdoor, dom- I mean, even Eli. I mean, he's well, our most dominant outdoor guy, but yeah, not participating the in the event. We don't get our best guys to ride. <laughs> yeah, time, you know? yep. <laughs> yeah. If Eli's the best outdoor guy this era, and he's won three titles in a row, so you can't say he's not. During that time, he only raced it once, and that was the disaster at Red Bud last year. Yeah, so which, well, and yeah. he's 
when he's gone over in the past, like uh, dude, he was fast in 2013. He, yeah, he he ghost rode his bike over that jump, but he was hauling ass. Yes, but don't and forget we go to go to Latvia the next year, and if he doesn't crash, he probably wins. Like he was that fast. But right. don't but don't forget he's feeling the tail and effects of an entire amateur career of riding outdoor. That changed around that time when the 250 guy gets onto a 450. The priorities change a lot, and they kind of just grow out of like 15 years of habits riding outdoor their whole life as a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Take, any, take Rocks and a Moosekin, for example. How'd they do? Or Moosekin wasn't there, but how'd Rocks and do it, Redbud? Yeah, he didn't do so well. No, why? Because you know, he's the, Americanized. He's completely toughest, transferred over to what we do here now. He also you know, had five weeks part. off. Hey, Skippy, I'm going to let you go. Keep, uh, thanks for the question, and keep going, JT. Thanks, Skippy. All right, guys, later. The, yep. the toughest part of this thing is that America is unique in the fact that it's the only name that ends that race where if they don't win, it's a huge letdown. Yeah, and part of the reason reason is because, I've said this several times, if Belgium beats France or France beats Belgium, it's just guys from France and guys from Belgium who all race to GPs together beating each other. It is not an indictment against the French motocross series. When the United Mm -hmm. States loses, it becomes an indictment of is it Supercross? Is it their schedule? Is it their tracks? Is it their practice facilities? Is it their production rule? When the three USA guys lose, it becomes an indictment to the entire way we race in the United States. If France beats Belgium, none of that is part of the conversation because they all race the same series and do right. the same thing. It's just one country beat the other. And not even not only that, yeah. they all race each other. They know each other, tendencies. It is it's yeah. an extra round of the GP series. That's all it and is. And throw our yeah. three guys over into another world. Even Redbud was I mean, take the weather out and it would be a different conversation. I don't think they I don't know if they would have won, but that the weather changes everything. But our three guys are fish out of water at this event because it's not what we do 29 times a year. It's different than the other 29 events that our guys do. Yep. And it's just another one of what they do, and they're special at it. And, then, yes, they've gotten better. Their bikes have gotten better. They've gotten better. They are insane. I watched three or four GPs this year. I've never done that before in my life. And my eyes were sh- shocked at how good these guys are because I don't pay attention to it. They have modernized. They are next level that they've never been before, and we are at our worst when it comes to that being a priority. It's like two things colliding very, very inconveniently, uh, conveniently for the USA. That's I don't bad agree timing. That, I, I, don't, I agree that they got better, and the schedule five weeks in between has really hurt us. I don't see how we are at our all-time worst riding motocross because the schedule of motocross supercross is the same as it always was. And we even had times where outdoors was so unheralded that our best riders were choosing not to even participate in the series, which is not happening any longer. So that's the part that's confusing me. It's as if Supercross only started eight years ago. When I hear these arguments, I'm confused. Uh, I got Darkside on the line, keeping us in line. Uh, Darkside preparing for the uh, post-race show. How's it going, Darkside? It's going good. How are you guys doing? Good show so far? Yeah. Best show so far, I think. It's, well, we'll discuss that on the wrap-up show. Oh, we'll, uh, good teaser. I'm not going to give my opinion just yet. All right, good teaser. But, hey, before the things gets going, Daniel, how about the Niners? Yeah, they look good beating up on the Browns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, the show's going good, man. I just want to call in, and uh, JT still on the line? I'm here. So, JT, you got to tell Weeds, though, those uh, 722, the Adam Internet boots in the corner are not FR5s. Those are sectors. <laughs> So yeah, it's all right. How did you uh, how'd you know that? Because uh, I actually got to be in studio in Vegas, and I know that well, I don't think Adams ever wore the FR5s either. 
Right, so had you had not said that, no one would know that they're not FR5 boots because no one can see that they're not FR5 boots, but you just gave it up, Dark Side. Had to call you out, man. You know, clippy, clippy. Yeah, yeah. Now you're making fly racing look really good. You we don't even suck. have the latest boots yeah, here. Why did you have to say that, dude? <laughs> Sold us out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time. But I, I just want to say I'm enjoying the show. You guys are doing good. I don't. Um, Great. I think Steve's Steve's out. You know, trying to find Sammy Hagar. So he probably didn't carry the way. But uh, yeah, I just want to tell you guys a good show. I enjoyed both you guys being in and. Uh, Skippy called in a little bit ago about episode 13, and the reason he's doing that is we're going to do a classic wrap-up of episode 13 and 139, which was Lasergate coming up also, so I want to promote that a little bit. This is unbelievable that this is happening. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Reviewing shows from eight years, eight ago. years that's ago. That's awesome. Lasergate was unbelievable. Yeah, that's really. true. Okay, I will. I, you can separate that one out, but otherwise... I'm going down. I know. There there's, it is. It's a drug ring. I understand. Um, otherwise, that's insanity. But uh, one you of these days, I'll be in there. Huh? I'll be on it someday, though. Yeah, yeah, you got to do it, man. Yep. No, you did You did one, the, like the second one, I think, right? And then you were going to do it again if Nash did it. Or no, you you never did do it because Nash never did it. Uh, it's going to be Moser, but we can't get a hold Moser. of Moser. Guy. We don't Moser, know who he yeah, is. Yeah. We don't know who he is. Moser's busy. Yep. Nobody can find him. But, um, yeah, we're, we're doing classic wrap-ups when Steve doesn't do a show. So that's why we're doing those. Well, there's going to be a lot of those because Steve's done. So there's going to be a lot of those coming <laughs> yeah. up. Well, I think uh, by sitting here looking at the Facebook chat room, I think a lot of people are digging it. So, yeah, you guys are doing good, man. Yeah, Facebook, that's where you get all your accurate knowledge in those of chat course. rooms. I, you, they've never said a wrong word on there. All right, thanks, Darkside. All right, guys. Have a good night, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, JT, uh, we're going to let you go here in a second, but I do want to mention, if you haven't heard of ProFilter, maybe you've been roosted. A few too many times, ProFilter has been active in the industry for a decade. They make top-quality air and oil filters for dirt bikes, street bikes, side-by-sides, and everything in between. And you can get a discount. Go to the 35% off uh, Maxima's website by entering PulpMX35 code at checkout. I'm a little confused <laughs> how that works. But I don't that's know, but that sounded on, so good, and then you got really robotic. Paper. So you can go to Maxima to get ProFilter. Okay, deal with it. Uh, the internet never lies. JT. Sir. Uh, are you uh, in for Monster Cup? Going to Monster Cup? I will be there, absolutely. VIP yep. program? I hope so. Yeah, oh, we're, okay. uh, we're working on it. Okay. All right. Um, well, I'm glad you enjoyed Straight Rhythm. I'm glad you're on board. Uh, we don't even know if they'll have it again. But they finally converted you. Maybe that was the whole goal. We're going to do it <laughs> until got, we got JT. They got JT on board. Now it's over. Yeah. No, it was cool. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised and uh, impressed. I I mean, we all know Red Bull's first class effort every time. You know, that's they don't mess around, and uh, so I, I shouldn't have been surprised. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good. Hey JT, what about some throwback uh, fly gear from the early days? Well, we didn't really have any of our marquee guys going, um, and the pro- the problem is this: unless you know way ahead of time that someone's going and they're going to you know put this effort in you can't really build anything, you know, like that, that's the whole thing. We would love to be all in on something like that, but you, you know, the riders got to be committed a long time ago. And, and unfortunately we just didn't have anybody. Who was like you know, the, the first very... marquee guy fly got like full fact, top factor. Who, I mean, who was the first real top dog? Uh, Ferry wore the helmet. Uh, that would have been like the first real big deal. Um, then probably Shorty, but he was still a 125 guy. Would have been 03. Was that then, the Honda uh, year? 
That was the Motor World. Suzuki was oh, the, the Motor World year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then uh, Villeman was Villeman was their first like seriously big spend. Well, at least at the time, like I think they were they were pretty nervous about it. Like, can we really afford to do this? Um, but yeah, there were you know it's just building blocks along the way. And and the Villeman thing really didn't work out. You know, it just uh, I don't think the brand was in a place where it was ready to support someone of his caliber. And uh, so yeah, and DB doesn't he doesn't pull punches. So that was I think from what I've heard, a challenging scenario. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He yeah, seems yeah. like but he would be pretty chill. I, I, you know, I understand the fly frustration part, but I also understand DV side. And, and I think he pushed them at the time to, to get better. So in hindsight, you look back and, and you kind of say, yeah, this didn't work out and it was hard at the time, but thank you for pushing us and not just, you know, basically just, dealing with it and you i think you he forced a lot of change and a lot of improvement there uh, i got another caller here on uh mine one hang on who we got long time listener first time caller oh really oh god where are you from uh from Cabo, san lucas wow that's a very expensive phone bill that mathis <laughs> is going to have to be charged with uh but that's good because he's wasting his money on air conditioning and dog walking anyway so what's the difference what? dude <laughs> What is going on? What is happening? Do you have control of everything? Yeah, we got it. Although, unfortunately, I don't think there's any dogs left. But that yeah. was a that was a calculated move on my part. So, and the, and the only thing out of control, I'm sorry, is the ratings. But yeah, man. yes, and the guest list uh, had some people who have never appeared in the guest list before. So all we're doing is making things bigger and better, fewer dogs, better guests. And uh, JT's on the line, too, if you want to argue. I, I did all I could to tell him what garbage well, Asin was. I would like to argue with him right away, immediately. Uh, I was put on hold. I heard a little bit of conversation. Uh, Dan Villeman was not Fly's first big-time rider or some term he used. It was Tim Ferry as the helmet guy. He, he, and, he uh, threw the helmet out. Wow. Typical was, caller. First thing I hey, said. a typical caller literally not yep. listening or paying attention. Yeah, I yeah, know it all without the info. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, it was Tim Ferry. Whatever the question was about anything, it's Tim Ferry. The, it yeah, the Tim answer Ferry is just first, Tim Ferry. Which is the first thing I said. Then it was Shorty at Moto World, and Ryan Clark was in there, and then Billman. You just you came on a little late, and you want to start throwing stones, but you live in your glass Cabo house. <laughs> That's right. Hey, how, off. have you seen Sammy? How's it going? Have I what? How's Sammy? Have you seen him? Who? Sammy Hagar, bro. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, I'm in Mexico. Phone He's drunk. Not that good. Um, we're trying to get tickets tomorrow for his show. Uh, tomorrow night, or if not, Wednesday night he's doing his show. We're supposed to fly back Wednesday. But if we can get tickets Wednesday, we are going to stay an extra day because Sammy is worth it. His birthday bash, and I will be able to die happy by seeing Sammy at Cabo Wabo. We went there last night with Austin Toba. Who's my new favorite rider, and had a lot of fun at Cabo Wabo. Uh, both of you guys, JT and Mathis, only agree on one thing, and one thing only. Well, they both like the Formula helmet, I'd say. They both like that. And you both like these dumbass, you do nothing but lay there, freaking Mexican vacations. <laughs> Tell me what you do on these dumb vacations, because the answer is already well, nothing. Nothing. You do nothing. I, I was once a believer in not laying there. I liked that we went to New York City nice. and did all that. We nice. went to Toronto and did everything in Toronto. Uh-huh. Suzuki and I went to um, 
Vancouver one time and did a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. And I was a big believer in not laying there. But yes. having the last few vacations laying there, and JT's on board, like you said, uh, it's better. Uh, margaritas, pool, swim-up bars, uh, it's better. It's, uh, these resorts are amazing. Uh, they're very nice people, and uh, they treat you very good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah, it's the one thing that JT and Mathis no. agree on. Have you ever done the vacation yeah. together, the two of you? No, he almost came on this one, though. Didn't you, JT? I was trying. Yes, I was trying very hard. Uh, I don't know what you don't like about it, Weech. Because what did you do on your vacation? Nothing. I took seven days off of work to do nothing. Wow. Now I can look back on that great experience doing nothing and all I learned doing nothing and all I accomplished doing nothing. I literally cashed out a week of vacation and spent a lot of money to do nothing. That'd be like going to the store and be like, here's $1,000, but I don't want anything. Sorry. I'm going to walk to the store. We don't want to walk around Maine. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. uh, My honeymoon, we we hiked and mountain biked in Maine, and then our 10th anniversary, we hiked and mountain biked through Maine again. It was great times. Spent my summer vacation up in uh, in, uh, UP. In uh, Michigan this year after Redbud, that was good times. Uh, hung out in the Washougal area the year before that. Uh, not going somewhere to do spend money to do nothing. Listen, the you don't shrimps have to do that nothing. they brought me today were fantastic. <laughs> and, and those shrimps were well worth it. Mathis, did you get to watch uh, any of Straight Rhythm? Uh, did you actually do nope. something? Nope. Watched oh, nothing. Too watch. busy doing nothing? Well, yeah, exactly. Didn't watch anything. Did JT watch any of it? JT. You're not a straight rhythm fan. Are, are, are you on board? I'm on board. I'm on board. Okay. I, I actually okay. had a great time watching it. Uh, I am. A, I'm a new man when it comes to straight rhythm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alex Nagy was our Pablo Mex rider. Unfortunately, he came up a tad short, just short. Yes. In the, uh, in the qualifying run, but he was Pablo Mex's rider, and Nagy's a good dude. And uh, I'm glad he had fun. And thanks to all the companies that supported us. Uh, to build Maggie's YG125. That was awesome. Yeah, definitely check it out when you're back, Mathis, because uh, a couple sto- we, we we had Pastrana on, and we got to talk to him about Straight Rhythm, and we had Bernard and, and Hammer from Red Bull on to talk. But there's still many more stories. Probably get Nagy's take on it. And also, Tyler freaking Bowers on a 91 KX500. And I was trying to explain to Bowers, it might be a 91, but I think Kyle was in the bold new graphic stage for that bike by then. It's really probably yeah. an 88. Yeah, 88. 88 was, uh, yeah, Bowers bike is basically an 88. Yes, yeah. he's on an 88. So. Uh, they did not ever race those bikes in Supercross ever, and he went triple, quad, triple, and was blitzing whoops. Same with Pastrana. Uh, but with Pastrana, there's, I mean, he's like Trump at this point. Like, whatever you heard Pastrana did, you'd be like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it, there, there's nothing that you wouldn't believe. But Tyler Bowers I had not thought of it. They were all on old two-strokes, but for the most part, they had at least big aluminum frame spars. They were putting old engines and more modern bikes. Not the Bear. Nope. 88 technology, everybody, and a 500. It was nuts. Get them on next week. I can't wait to listen back because you have the straight rhythm and all the things that they got going on and all the buzz they got and all the love they got from everybody. And then across from me right now is the skill for Phelps and they get the Monster Cup coming up, and there's no way, there's no way the Monster Cup, I think, gets anywhere near the buzz of this straight rhythm thing got. I really don't. I mean, so the guy across from you is probably been, you know, trying to hype up the Monster Cup and talk hey. about the Monster Cup and talk about three track designs. My, uh, hey, you know what? It actually happened. We had a reaped failure. Uh, some guy named Corey Moser said, "What's the biggest race of the off season? What's your favorite, Daniel? Donations, straight rhythm, or Monster Cup?" You know what the answer was? 
Monster Cup. Yeah, it was. You know what? Miley Cyrus gets more buzz than Adele. Doesn't mean she's better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, um, I just think it's. I just think the, the straight rhythm thing has really got the momentum the last few years. And good job for Hammer and all the guys and Eric and everybody. Um, it's it just JT right? It just seems like it's overtaking the Monster Cup. Or is that are you going to argue with me on that? <laughs> Uh, I think they're they're different. I mean, they're yeah. One's kind of um, exhibition, really cool event, and then one's more like real racing. So to me, they're it's really hard to compare them. So I'll just avoid doing that altogether. I think I said that word for word, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you you had Carmichael on. Yeah, that's wow. all it took. You, you you blew it for four hundred and one episodes <laughs> by being here. That's all you had to do. <laughs> Well, yeah. If I would have known that, I would have just walked out on that Daniel do it. I, I didn't know. Yeah. 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 Carmichael came on. He says okay. he doesn't even know what the beef is. I told Steve. I told you six months ago I was going to get him on. You did. You mm-hmm. did. But I don't think this counts. We this count. Well, it wasn't there. Uh, yeah, it doesn't count for you. Yeah. But this is episode yeah. one. It counts for us. And your analytics, it'll count. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay. No, <laughs> oh, that's good. Good job, DB. That's uh, that's EagleGrit.com's finest. Technique That's right. Hey, Ricky Carmichael on the show brought to you by EagleGrit.com. All right. There we'll, you go. Yeah, we'll take yeah. that. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, RC was on. He doesn't know All really right. what the beef was. So uh, congratulations, Matthews. You finally got the big fish. Oh, I, I can get into the <laughs> JT knows what some of the beef is. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but that's awesome. He came on. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. That's great cool. guy. So. Great guy. That RC. Great guy, Steve. Great guy. Great guy. Great guy. He did it. All right. Job. He did it. He said All right. It. Hey. Marks, you know what to do with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consider it How's noted. Marks been? Is Marks, is Marks been on his game? Thank God, man. Thank if God. If by game you mean Excite Bike, yes, that's a game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, God, this whole thing's just turning into a shit show. Yeah, I love it. I bet. It's, it's, I, never I bet. Been, it's never been more in control, on point, on fleek, or whatever else the kids want to say. <laughs> yeah. It's never been a tighter oh, shit. After 400, I think we needed to... Get things yeah, back on yeah. track a little bit. The show is on detox well, after 400. Yeah. yeah, yeah, believe me, it can only go up from 400. Pretty Gosh. much. All right, All right um, I, I know you're busy, Mathis. Pookie's sit- yeah, Pookie's sitting there by herself. He's talking to some chick. Um, ah. so I gotta go. Pookie, come up here. He's see what she's doing. He's We're having a great time. Though. He's got to go do nothing. So go go do nothing. JT's on board with me. JT's on board with me. Oh, so. I know. Oh, he's here. I know. Everybody yeah. in America is on board with Cabo. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, gonna convince the dog lovers too. I got a couple things on my agenda, and Cabo's one of them. Oh, one last thing, Weed, before I go. Pookie wants uh, you to be okay with Rocky sleeping with you tonight in bed. He usually sleeps with us, so can you lift them up and put them in bed with you? Oh, so I can use your bed, but I do have to share with Rocky. No, you you, put, you stay in the guest room, but put Rocky in the guest room with you on the bed. Yeah, well, Rocky's right here inside the house, I swear. So I'll just go grab Rocky, <laughs> who is here in this house. I'll just go grab Rocky. He's not still in the garage? With the bike running? <laughs> hey, <what? laughs> With the bike running. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. I got to go. Cobble is calling. Thank you for uh, doing it. It's really been, I can't wait to listen to the archive. Best show ever, Steve. Yeah, yep. Oh, boy. Yep, best all show right, ever. Sammy, we said hi. Uh, all right, so that was uh, Steve Mathis calling from uh, Cabo. Uh, likes long walks on the beach, obviously. And Tim Ferry.
Thanks for calling there in. There were some, some Should... big Snapchats last night. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The uh, the Mathis vacation was in full effect out and about in downtown Cabo. I, I can't imagine that there would be really cool Snapchats of doing nothing. I mean, what was it? Here I am laying on the beach. Here I am with a drink <laughs> in my hand. Like, what the hell else do you do? I heard they got these. It was unbelievable. Yeah. The only good thing about it, I, I'm sure you got the exchange rate on your side. I can endorse that part. Yeah, I don't think you'd like the uh, the, the all-in, inclusive resort rates. But once you're there, if you can put <laughs> that out of your mind, it's awesome. Yeah, I cannot imagine One bad how much day, it, the day you purchase it, the rest is pretty good. The amount of alcohol I would drink and food I would eat to try to get back to where there was almost <laughs> like a profitable experience. sick. Yeah, exactly. Weege, I'm telling you, my alcohol consumption, by the time breakfast was over, they were losing money already. <laughs> God bless JT. Your heart's in the right place. <laughs> All right, JT. Thanks for coming on the show. Everybody, Fly Racing. FlyRacing.com, everybody. Uh, we'll sponsor anybody. See you, JT. See you, guys. Uh, okay, I'm going to hit this uh, button here that um, allows me to drop, and we're going to play some commercials here, and we got a couple other segments with myself and Daniel Blair here on the episode one. Yeah, we need to go raid the fridge, man. I got, I'm hungry. Okay, we're going to make it happen. Play some commercials, Marks. We're hungry for Mathis' food. Can I get food. a SoCal hole? All of us have one thing in common. When it comes to leaning that bike into a corner, floating a dirt bike through the air, or blasting a sand berm in a UTV. And that is passion. At BTO Sports, our foundation is built around family, which allows us to offer unparalleled customer service. Knowing we share a common interest, we look forward to the weekend as much as you. So we offer three-day express on orders over $85. BTOsports.com is proud to be a premier source for motorsports parts and apparel for well over a decade. Due to our reputation for excellent customer service and great prices, from motocross to mountain bikes, sports bikes to UTVs, BTOsports.com has what you need because our passion reflects yours yeah that's right people that's van halen i want to tell you about my two favorite things in life van halen and fly racing flyracing.com they make much more than just moto gear mountain bike gear snowmobile gear hard parts they've got it flyracing.com the f2 carbon helmet it's as close to a factory bike as a helmet can get. It's out of the box and onto the racetrack ready helmet for guys like Millsaps, Baggett, Canard, and Pike. Carbon fiber, Kevlar, Coolmax, Mips. Fly Racing's F2 Carbon has 10 different graphic styles, 22 colorways. Go to your local dealer, get them from flyracing.com. Please check them out. A whole line of hard parts as well. Flyracing.com. Let's listen to some Van Halen. Maxima Racing Oils was created for world-class racers who challenge the limits of possibility. Their demands on equipment drive us to look beyond conventional ideas and to exceed industry standards. It's in our DNA to identify problems, formulate solutions, and execute at the highest levels of competition. Case in point, the championship-winning Factory Kawasaki Race Team, longtime Maxima partners who extensively use Maxima throughout the bike. Maxima's USA-made products exceed JSO requirements and can be used in all motorcycle brands. Kawasaki, Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, KTM, Husqvarna, and more. 
Maxima Racing Oils. Experience the difference. Visit MaximaUSA.com for more information. So Randy Richardson, good guy, means well, great interview, but oh my gosh, his voice is f***ing annoying. In that case, boss, you may want to fast forward while I tell the rest of the Pulp MX Show listeners about Michelin's extensive motorcycle tire product offer. The Pulp MX Nation certainly knows about the Michelin Starcross 5 tire range and its outstanding durability and excellent performance, but I'd like to share some information on Michelin's wide range of industry-leading motorcycle tires. New for 2019, the Michelin Anarchy Adventure tire, which features two-compound technology, enables adventure touring riders to have confidence on any adventure with a new level of on-road stability and uncompromising traction off-road. The Michelin Road 5 tire is designed specifically for sport touring riders and provides the maximum confidence in wet and dry conditions mile after mile. As the exclusive MotoGP class tire, Michelin definitely understands the performance expectations of today's sport bike riders, and the Michelin Power RS tire enables those riders to unleash their full potential. If you're a Harley-Davidson owner, the co-developed and co-branded Michelin Scorcher Tire Range, which is original equipment on over a half million models manufactured over the past decade, is the right cruiser tire for you. For the latest on all Michelin motorcycle tire products, visit motorcycle.michelinman.com for more information and make sure to follow at Michelin Motorcycle on Instagram and at michelinmotorcycle.us on Facebook. This commercial is not 2019 Pulpy Award material. Thanks for listening to the Pulp MX Show, everybody. Please, if you're listening to these commercials, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right, because without these commercials and without these sponsors, we wouldn't have a janky radio show for you to listen to. But for now, I want to talk about Roost MX, the official graphics company for both Cobra Moto and the Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. For over 20 years, they've been delivering professional-level graphics for every rider from an amateur to a pro, including Alex Ray back in the day. Choose from our selection of graphics uh, online or make yours one-of-a-kind. Roos also offers a wide range of custom products from T-shirts, sticker kits, helmet kits, trailer graphics, and more. 48-hour turnaround. Be sure to check out the new Pulp Nation section on the website. Get your Pulp MX swag, customize your bike, get custom stickers, uh, get custom helmet stickers, whatever it is, uh, including Pulp MX stuff. Follow them on Instagram, at RoostMX, for monthly sales. Get your equipment looking fresh, visiting RoostMX.net, and use the discount code PULPNATION to save 20%. Thanks, RoostMX.net. FMF Racing is proud to celebrate 45 years of fun, building every FMF exhaust right here in the USA. Owner and founder Don Emler may have started FMF Racing in his garage 45 years ago, but Don is still hands-on in our 100,000-square-foot, state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in Southern California. FMF's goal? Design and manufacture the world's best performance exhausts, 100% in the USA, under one roof. FMF is a proud sponsor of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship for over 25 years. WUSA is the number one source for quality wheel sets and wheel building services. They are the exclusive importer for Talon and Kite Hubs along with DID and Excel Rims.
Their wheels and wheel building services are trusted by the finest teams in the country. Teams like Factory KTM, JGR Suzuki. Rocky Mountain MCKTM, Rockstar Husky Star Racing Monster Energy Babbitts. They all trust up, yeah. No job is too big or too small. WUSA, everybody, we thank those guys for coming on board with us. Whatever you need for your wheels. Hubs, wheel building services. They've got it. Mention Pulp MX when you call down there, and they'll give you a discount. They ship nationwide. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at WUSA.com. WUSA, they're all things wheels. Do it. WUSA. Do it. The Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team relies on one company. For all of its seat needs, and that's Guts Racing. We thank the folks at Guts Racing for coming on the show for a number of years now. Pulp MX 2018 is the code to save. Complete seats available for KTM and Huskies. Other brands will be added later. The Phantom Lightweight Seat Foam is the choice of seat foam for many teams in the pits. Kenny Roxon won a 450 National Championship using Guts products a couple years ago. And again, they've been with us for a number of years. Please check them out. Official supplier of the Rockstar Husky. Husqvarna team for graphics, Livin' 100 as well, and seats. Anything and everything to do with seats. Please check them out. GutsRacing.com. Pulpamex 2018 is the code to save. Over 65 years ago, Vertex Pistons was born out of a small technical workshop in northern Italy's famous Motor Valley. Expanding and maturing among the racing legends of Ferrari, Lamborghini, MV Augusta, and Ducati, Today, Vertex Pistons are the pistons of choice for motorcycle riders and teams throughout the world. Because of their renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex Pistons is a factory piston supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. From the Motocross, Supercross, MXGP, GNCC, National and World Enduro Series, you can find Vertex Pistons winning championships. Vertex Pistons strives to provide you with world-class factory technology at a very competitive price. No matter which brand of bike you ride, when it's time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see our full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit us at vertexpistons.com or stop into your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. Attention riders, welcome to Atlas Air Flight 604 with non-stop service to a better neck brace. Please follow along as we outline the safety features of this revolutionary device. Located on the underside of the frame is a convenient, easy open system. To fasten, simply insert the release bar into the left frame. To release, push the release button and pull the frame apart. We suggest that you keep your neck brace fastened throughout the duration of the moto, as you may experience an unexpected huckabuck from time to time. To ensure a safe ride, please keep your neck underextended at all times. In the likely event of an over-the-bars emergency, your brace will double as a suspension system. 
Although the atlas brace will not be noticeable, it will be there when you need it. If you are riding with a child or someone who requires assistance, secure your brace first and then assist the other person with a prodigy, tyke, or brole. We ask that you keep your brace on until your moto is finished. Maximum surface area is located on your chest around the sternum, back around the spine, and up over your shoulders with extra padding over your collarbone. Should you need more, please request a defender roost guard or guardian body armor. We remind you that this is a non-rigid neck brace. Tampering with, disabling, or destroying the product is prohibited by the limited lifetime warranty. You will find this and all other safety information in the user manual located online at atlasbrace.com. At this time, we ask that you remain standing with throttles in the wide open position, elbows up, and two fingers on the clutch. On behalf of the captain and entire crew, thank you for flying Atlas Air. Enjoy the ride. For 2019, Works Connection celebrates 30 years of delivering championship-winning products to motocross legends and champions like Lamson, McGrath, Wyndham, LaRocco, Carmichael, Dungey, Roxon, Plessinger, and more. Current race teams, JGR Suzuki, Star Racing Yamaha, Moto Concepts Honda, Team BWR, Rockwell Racing Yamaha, HEP Racing Suzuki, AJE Motorsports, and KTM Canada have also come to rely on Works Connection's commitment to innovation and quality. So if you're looking for factory-level parts, like radiator braces and skid plates to protect, rip a whole shot with the Pro Launch, or upgrade to the elite line of axle blocks, clutch perch, or bearing-equipped throttle tubes, just visit WorksConnection.com. Oh, yeah. Peak Van Halen right here. 1984. Only Van Halen. I don't know. David Lee Roth left, put out a couple of classics of his own. Steve Vai playing the guitar. But Van Halen was never the same. Listen. Ah. Uh. No one else can do it like that. Uh-huh. We are back here on the first... Great. Oh, I just loved it so much I did it again. We're back here on the first great episode ever of the Pulpamex.com show. Jason Wygant from Racer X, your host. Eagle Grit, Daniel Blair will eventually go back to calling you, I guess, Monster Energy Supercross or NBCSN's Daniel Blair. But right now you're Eagle Grit guy. Two weeks. Back in action. Yeah, so by the way, you did have these meetings at Feld uh, for Supercross next year. But by the way, the team's back together for Monster Cup. Yep, yep, back together. Um, yep. Do a little preseason. Um, you know this that the NBC thing came together super late last year. It yeah, was yeah. literally like rushed in. Nobody, we didn't get a chance to prepare. It was very last minute. So yeah. this year, getting in front of that, mm-hmm. getting the team together, um, and then Will, of course, she just got done with the outdoors, and it's like she gets home, yeah. she goes to England, comes right back, and it's time to get back to work again. So she's unfortunately probably not as antsy as we are. Yes. Um, but she seemed like it at the meeting. She's like fired up, ready to go. But no, it was cool just to get everybody back together and start bench racing. I mean, that was literally the first thing we did. We all get in the room. We're all talking and it just happens. We all start talking about 2020 and this and that and arguing and just <laughs> <Well>, <laughs> over what's going to happen. On your show, when was that? Is that the beginning of September? It was literally like yeah. right after the Nationals ended. And I think we were going to talk about Maybe like how TV win or something like that. And then next thing you know, you and I get into this epic 45-minute duel over both 450 and 250 Supercross classes next year. Yeah. 
which is ridiculous because it's literally five months before they're even going to race. And we're already making predictions. This is not, we didn't have any who's flying at the test track. None of this knowledge at all. We but just still yeah, went for it. Already imagining yes. what's, what the test track would be like. I think he's going to be feeling like this. This guy's going to be feeling like that. I think in two months, he's going to be looking really good on his yeah, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's Some the bangers. one thing I do get right when I make predictions. I will predict that everyone looks so good on Instagram in December. They're uh, in the very earliest days of like internet video. The most, I, I will argue this to the death, I'll probably even put it on my tombstone. It won't have to be as large as Steve's. That's not a size joke for Steve. That's just all the things that he wants on his tombstone. But I will go to the grave saying that Anaheim 1 2005 will always be the most anticipated Supercross race ever because that had Stu and Carmichael racing each other for the first time. They weren't even champ. That was Chad Reeves' champ. Jeremy McGrath came out of retirement, and Travis Pastrana was in the race. Also, the great Tim Ferry was on the line in that one, and it was won by Kevin Windham. Beat that lineup. You know, as a steward, a pillar, a student of the sport. Yes, we've seen many superstars come through the ranks, but there has never been anything anticipated like what's going to happen when Stu meets Carmichael. There's never been that kind of collision course. Well, yeah. and I grew up in between them age-wise, yeah. so as an amateur, yep. I witnessed Ricky, and then yes. I witnessed James. He was right behind me in age. So that conversation of them meeting had been going on yes. since they were kids. It was yes. like, well, when... You know, Ricky's going to be great, but then when James gets... Th- yes. That was already in the making from, yes. like, when they were, like, probably 9 and 15, 14, whatever their ages yeah, were. Yeah, you can't make that. And just that they were just perfectly far enough away in age that the f- the first time they'd ever be in the same class was the premier Supercross class. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, what I'm getting at is that's when internet video was first starting. And I remember Fox put out a video. Here's RC at the test track, and here's Stu at the test track. And one of them, I think it was the RC one, the whole video is slow motion, and it killed everybody because <laughs> they wanted to see, ooh, who looks faster? Maybe we can time them in some sections. But Fox was smart enough to not give that to you because that's all you got during the offseason, man. Yeah. Those Instagram bangers or those YouTube videos back then. Yeah, and that's, uh, for me, I always liked the Racer X films because mm-hmm. you'd get the music and the little interviews. And yeah. I, I had a couple of them. Um, Matt Francis, Matty Fran, was... Um, my buddy from home, Lodi, and he yep. did my first Racer X films, mm-hmm. which ended up getting him a job. He mm-hmm. did a bunch of Racer X films, and now yep. he works with me at Eagle Grit, which is funny. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Matty he, ha- he handles all of our web, everything, our Amazon, anything that has to do with the online, everything. He handles all that um, with a like, like the permission to just do whatever you want to do. He runs his own thing. Um, but I remember those Racer X films being like the coolest thing. You would always like... Whenever someone would switch a team, I always was like, oh, my God, what are they going to look like on that color and or with a new number and all that? And we're already starting to see little sprinkles of guys. I don't know if it was just like national announce day, but all of a sudden every team had McElrath had his McAdoo had it. Everybody just dropped on the exact same day. And I felt like like a teenager, you know, like yeah, I October one wait do it. Yep. to see what everyone's going to look like. It's. One of the coolest parts of the year is when no one's doing anything because you just get to see it for the first time. Yeah, those were heady days because you had never gotten to see that stuff ever. And then all of a sudden videos of test track riding, which you had never really seen before, came out. That's all been killed by now the riders just put it on their own Instagram. So the Race Rex films, the YouTube video, that was hot 10 years ago. Matty Fran, Cruz and Matty Fran. Mm-hmm. Good good to see he's yeah. involved. Uh, I'll get to some more calls, and then I've got a Race Tech rant, and we'll uh, have tweet at Travis. So plenty more bench racing here to do on the PulpMX.com show. But I want to mention whenever bikes get updates to the frame or suspension, it's Ride Engineering's job to see if they can improve it 
with new or existing parts. Here they are testing 21mm offset clamps, performance pull rods, and 270mm oversized rotor kits. Ride claims the clamps and pull rods considerably sweeten the handling while the rotor kit provides stronger stopping power. And the hanger bracket is a new item coming for 2019 and 20 models and it'll be available. Use the code PULPMX20 to save money at Ride Engineering. They've got really cool stuff. And you know it's good because it's even being used by Phil Nicoletti. Wow. And if anything makes him even remotely happy, you're doing a good job. Uh, as he used to say to our buddy Johnny Oler, the suspension tech at JGR, I'm going to use every single shim you got in that box. Okay. So they somehow made Phil happy. And Phil is essentially just barely not quite wrapped up the big money in Canada. I think he's just got to like do a couple laps at the last race. And Phil might actually smile for a minute or two. We'll see. He God won't. bless. He won't. He there won't. it is. No. Uh, and if let, he does, it'll be privately in his helmet. He won't let no one see that. No, no. Got it. Got us. That would got be a brand hard. killer. Uh, we got Damon on line one. Damon, what's up? Podcast, podcast. What's going on, boys? Hey, is this Damon from Carolina? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, we got to go riding one of these days. I know I've been saying it since Atlanta. Sorry, bro. Oh, man. You got my number. You hit me up when you're ready. Yeah, I got my buddy, my little buddy, my little guy, my only child. Uh, on a P dub, uh, so hey, we're getting there. We got we got some tracks for him. Don't worry about that. Oh, all right, perfect. Yeah, we're just about at that point now. I had to unfortunately, mom laid down the rules, and I had to wait till age five. I should just tell her what the Daniel program, the Daniel Blair program, is like, and then she'll see how insane hey, some I, people really are. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I started before I was three, and I didn't end up pro, so you know it doesn't necessarily have to work out. <laughs> okay, yeah, there but, we go. What's up, Damon? But hey. Okay, so basically I want to know realistically how many 450s Supercross winner contenders do we have in the class this year? And is it the most we've ever seen, like we say, every single year? <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the same thing. Um, if you look at last year's roster of riders, okay, add Anderson back because he wasn't around for much. Mm -hmm. Add AC. Mm -hmm. Add Osborne hopefully early. Yeah. I mean, get Malcolm for more than one and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, man, it could be. I mean, you, you want it to be so bad, but then you never know what's going to happen every year. Um, yeah. But how, right now, it looks. Was there, how many was there this year? Like four? Uh, it usually averages right around five, and I think that's what we have Webb, Muskin. Not Roxon, okay. somehow. Baggett, Barsha, Tomek. How long, oh, ago did, how long ago does Justin Barsha's Anaheim one feel? Like so long. That was in this calendar year. Oh, well, Baggett, too. They literally oh. won round one and two. Yes. Yeah, everybody was, everybody was calling Barsha Baggett to win the first two races of the year. So five. Yeah. So what this means hey, is, man. go ahead, what this means is that you're just going to, okay, Ken Roxon somehow has still not won one of these in a long time. You're going to get big names not winning races. We can't have nine winners. It won't ever happen. So it's going to be crazy. Who's going to be? It's almost going to be just as shocking to see who doesn't get one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. But, hey, uh, one, one more thing. Uh, yeah, Daniel, you and Producer Joe are killing it. Keep doing your thing on the main event and the main main show. You guys have a good rest of your night. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Peace. Wow, that's super fan. The main yeah, main yeah. show. He made it all the way over there. The main main <laughs> show. This is going. I know that was in the works. Yeah. You, uh, when did it launch? Three months ago, probably. We're okay. probably 70-something episodes in. Yeah. Um, no, we just did a, like a, a sideshow away from Moto. Yep. Because on Main Event Moto, my producer, Producer Joe, is not a Moto guy. I mean, he literally, day one of the podcast was like, so motorbikes? We're, we're doing a motorbike podcast? Yeah. I'm like, whoa. 
got a ways to go. So now we started um, just another show on the side. That was uh, it's more honestly what it is. We cover weird, crazy news stories mm-hmm. that we find on the internet yeah. and just cover them in a fun, creative, loose way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, do things like that. Just talk about things that are non-moto. So uh, I would listen, but. It's not free, so no, it's um, not. It's actually our own app. It's four yeah. ninety nine a month, mm-hmm. um, and we do four shows a week. And it's surprisingly, we were a little surprised with how many people have gone over to it. God, I'm so. surprised at how much stuff you do. That is unbelievable. Gosh, yeah, I'm making up for the twenties, man. Honestly, I've said that before. Like in my twenties, mm-hmm. I didn't work this hard. I, I did like enough to pretend I was working hard. Yeah. And I look back, and I've said this before as well, regret is a really painful thing. Um, so I'm working like triple time right now just to make up for it and straighten out the life. When I had my kids, that's when I, yeah, I literally was like, man, you are not really doing much. Uh, not enough. So let's Sounds do, like going uh, to Cabo. Yeah, yeah. Let's, do, uh, let's do 10 things at once, and that's what I'm doing now. So Yeah, you got to get to that point where I am, and you might already be there now. You got to get to that pre-regret stage where I regret not having done something that I haven't even gotten to yet. Like, I'll know if I don't do this, or, this will make more sense, I know if I spend that money, I will regret it later. Mm-hmm. I can get to that pre-regret. I can regret it before I even get to the point where I can actually do it. So that's what you're going to get. Are you the kind of person that takes every opportunity that's thrown at you and you don't think it through? Yeah, I don't think I've said no to pretty much anything I've ever. I've literally said yeah. no to nothing. In yeah. the last probably, I don't know how many years. I'll give it's, you an example. KTM asked if I could host their team intro uh, for this Friday, which is here in, uh, on the West Coast in California. And they're like, it'll be great. You're already out for uh, straight rhythm and you're doing Steve's show. So you can just come back over to California. And I'm like, no, I got to go home. So I'm flying home tonight and I will fly back to California on Thursday. And my wife's like, why are you going back out there to host this thing? And it's like a two hour event. Hey. And I'm like, I don't know. They're paying. They asked. You're saying. Well, the funny thing is, this one, they didn't mention any pay. I don't know. But however, what, dude, I'm a journalist, right? They're having the team. Marv's going to be there. Cooper Webb's going to be there. The heartthrob. You haven't gone over the financial deal with this yet? You're just assuming? Uh, I very rarely do. This is a small industry. You're, Whatever. You're assuming you'll be taken care of? I said, you're going to have to buy me a flight. And they said, that's not a problem. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure industry. you'll get something. But yeah, damn, that's... Uh... That's pretty risky. Like, I don't say no to anything either, but I definitely know what it's paying before I say yes to it. I felt like uh, this one I could justify. Like, again, for Racer X purposes, this is a really good event to go to. So it's whatever. You're going to fly me out there for free. I can justify it. I'll just consider it a work day if that's what uh-huh. I got to do. Hey, Roostamax is the official graphics company for both Cobra Moto and the Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. For over 20 years, Roost delivers professional-level graphics for every rider from amateur to pro. Huge selection of graphics online, or this is the coolest part, make yours one of a kind. We had a quick 48-hour turnaround. Shipping orders is top priority. And check out the new Pulp Nation section to get your Pulp MX swag. Follow them on Instagram at RoostMX for monthly sales and use the code PulpNation to save 20%. My favorite thing, saving money. A lot of sponsors on board with this show. Michelin, EVS, Vortex, Roost, Motoco.com, Vertex Pistons, Maxima Pro Filter, and Firepower. Good news, Travis Marks has left the room. Why? You know why. Food's coming. Pizza's coming. Yeah, and Pizza we're going to bill this to Steve. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. We're going to bill this to Steve. And the reason why is because his fridge is pathetic. Yeah, well, and Pookie so was pantry. it on, like, Thursday because she knew she couldn't find a way to feed us when she wasn't here. I know she was really legitimately mm-hmm. worried about this, as was I, because I expected a free meal out of this. 
okay, so uh, Mark's, I got to wait for him on our cues for our next segment. Um, you mentioned uh, the donations thing is such a hot topic. I'd listened to last week's show to prepare for this one, and it was just discussed over and over. And even though it's now in the past, did you notice with a lot of these callers, we kept stumbling into that trap? Yeah. So for you, you said something interesting, Daniel Blair. The race was never that big a deal to you, and now it's almost faded completely. So give me more on that. Um, I just, overall, I, maybe it's even just personal burnout factor by that time of the year. I'm Oh, I'm you do it. get there. You do get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and for me, over the last few years, outdoor hasn't even been much of a priority. But this year, with Main Event Moto partnering with Racer X, Your I Racer did. Podcast Network, everybody. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I did, and I just, um, well, I thought I felt the dog hit me. No. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just never a race I've really been that passionate about. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it was kind of cool. But I think the problem is, is I get, I, I I wouldn't say irritated, but I get a little rubbed wrong on how everyone's so freaking mad about it all the time, and yeah. and just like it's such a big deal, and it's like, dude, we don't even care about this race for fifty one weeks out of the year. Then all of a Excellent sudden point. in September, it's like MXON, MXON. Then we lose, and everyone's flipping tables, and it's yes. like, come on, guys, you really don't care at all until right now, and it's then true. there again, neither does our team. They don't care until right then. And I admire what the guys did this year. I think that's rad on them individually. And yeah. I hope that for their personal brand, it does something. Because that's, that's badass on their commitment side. But for me, I've just never, I've, I barely ever have watched it. I don't really care if we, if we win, cool. If we lose, cool. I don't, it's such a weird race. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, there's not much you can take from it. And I've always believed, even like Loretta Lynn's, it's a, it's a big event. Yeah. Monster Cup, big event. Straight Rhythm, big event. MXON, big event. It doesn't really tell the full story because it's just an event. Yeah. The rain can come in and ruin the whole damn thing. And even yep. Loretta's. Loretta's, the rain can come in and ruin one moto of someone's three. They didn't have a moto, they lose a championship. To, oh, they didn't win Loretta's, but they were the best guy. Yep. I don't like things that aren't a championship because you don't really get the true answer of who is the best. And that's why when we win or lose that event, it was just that day. And, uh, and everyone freaks out about it. And for me, I just... Just, that's it. Perfect. Just, I don't freak out about it. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. I appreciate that. Yes, that is true. That is one of the most key elements of that event. I love motocross donations. I think it's awesome. I think we are phenomenally lucky that our sport, I use the term meaning the sport we like, we don't own it. Most fans refer to it as our sport. Yeah. I don't own the sport. But it is the sport we like. We are so lucky that this sport has that race. There are not many sports, certainly not most racing sports, that have something like that where Okay, maybe they have works bikes and we have production bikes, but they're damn close. We're able to race. You can't race a NASCAR against a Formula One car. It ain't going to work. Right. Right? So we get to do that. And I would say up against maybe soccer. Is there another sport that says international? Like, there is motocross in so many freaking countries. Yeah. It has shocked us through the years at Racer X when we get pictures from, like, Indonesia or somewhere in the Middle East or some random village in Africa where they have a motocross race. It is awesome that we have that. So I'm a huge fan of the event, and there is no other race day all year where I actually feel a twinge of being a little bit nervous, partially because of what you know, what you said. You know it's coming. If Team USA loses, dude, it's going to rain down fire, uh, the arguing and everything. This year it was calmed down because I think everyone was so proud of the guys and effort that it wasn't quite as gnarly. But most years, it is so gnarly on that day. So I am a Donations fan. I'm all into it. But you hit the nail on the head with something, which is going to lead me into tonight's Race Tech Rant. Oh, man. Okay, world, this is how it works. 
Sometimes you just can't have what you want. Sometimes there just isn't a solution. People want to date supermodels. People want to be millionaires. You can never be too rich. You can never be too thin. Some people don't want dogs. Some people don't want anyone to have dogs. I can't have that. Dogs are always going to exist. So when I listened to last week's show, I heard all these theories of how can the schedule change? How can we get this race back to where it's not five weeks after the Nationals? And I heard the most cockamamie, insane, crazy schemes. They are all crazy because there is no way to make those two racing calendars collide. There's no way. It can't be done. Sometimes you can't have what you want. First of all, on the uh, MX Sports promoted sister company to my employer, Racer X, I'll just be full disclosure, the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships. I did hear last week people throwing out, oh, they have to get off uh, the air. They have to be done in August. For college for, football. For TV. It is partially for TV with college football. But more importantly, it is the overall influence of football in this country. I can't believe these promoters were not smart enough to figure this out for like the first 40 years. When you go to these small towns, which is generally where you hold these races, dude, it's America. What rules the roost? Football. Huh. High school football Friday, college football Saturday, NFL football Sunday. You're just never going to be quite on the radar when the big race comes to town. If you want the local media, if you want some casual fans to come on out, they're booked. They're focused. You know how it works, man. You're as big a football fan. You're bordering on professional level football fan, right? <laughs> like, you could be a professional in it. You feel that you have enough knowledge to I make could, a living in the football industry. I could be a commentator or a coach. Right. I'm, I'm that... Into I, it. I would probably be bad at it, but I could be one of them. But that's how into it you are. That's the way a lot of America is. So somewhere along the way, these promoters more recently figured, you know, for example, the Steel City National used to be the last race of the year, and it was traditionally Labor Day weekend. And somewhere along the way, they're like, this, this Pittsburgh, dude, they are freaking obsessed with football. What if we didn't have it on the first weekend of football of the year? We'd probably have more interest. And obviously, it opens up more TV slots also. And more importantly... The teams and riders got smart finally and said, you know, weekends off during the season are good, but they're not as good as just ending the season early. Because when we have a weekend off, yeah, we can it. relax a little bit. You, but end, when, you end up actually probably doing a little bit more work. Right, because you don't have to worry about being fresh. Yeah, You can't just blow it all out on Saturday and Sunday, the weekend before Southwick, but you sure can September 1st when mm -hmm. the season is over. So the riders started saying, you know, weekends off are cool, but we'd rather just take Get rid of those three weekends off. Give us three more in September. When we don't have to stress. I don't have to think about racing. <laughs> and, I don't we can, to... and we can watch football. We can watch football. <laughs> so that's not changing. It's not changing. If you really think about it, it makes way more sense for multiple reasons for the season and when it does. But for the GPs, they're not affected by any of that, man. They didn't start racing in January. They start racing essentially March-ish. They have warm-up races, and certainly they're on the bikes before that. And really, I don't see why they would change their schedule to benefit literally three riders the three team usa riders right i mean we're talking how many people race lucas oil promoter across a hundred ish riders probably in and out mm -hmm. let's say the gps they're not as many but let's just say that's a hundred that's 200 riders right all their schedules shifting for three guys it doesn't make any sense to, it's win, not a, gonna to win a race that financially benefits nobody right. from this country yeah not the team not the Energy drinks. I mean, yep. if Mo is it Monster runs the Motocross of Nations, right? Yeah, they're the title sponsor of that. Yeah. If they don't care that Eli they and don't. Adam don't go, clearly, that should tell you something right there. They don't. They don't care. You know yes. why? And I, and I thought about this too, probably about a month ago. Um, if you're Kawasaki, yeah, 
American Kawasaki. You have a job to do, and your job is on the line, too. You better be successful, yeah. and they're expected to win Supercross championships. They win the outdoor three in a row. They want yeah. to add them on again. Yep. You think they're happy? Yeah, of course they're happy. They yep. want the damn Supercross title. Yep. And they haven't got it. Yep. Okay? And yep. now they got Adam. Yep. Rookie debut. You think they want to alter that? Hey, stay on that 250 for another yeah. month, and let's ruin your rookie year. And Eli... We know how bad last year went, and I'm sure you're super happy with the way you get treated when, the, when you don't do well. Yeah. Why don't you stick around there, too, and we'll just sacrifice what we feel is best for us to do our job, which is win the Supercross title. Yeah. So yeah. it's the priorities. And that yep. race, they don't make money. They spend money. Yeah. They go over to another country where the bikes aren't even the same. It is unfair. They're racing against guys that do that all year long, an extension of the GPs, and that's why it's, it has turned itself out of being that important. And yeah. the fans, they get the bad end of that because they like the race for the same reason you do. And that's what I'll say right now. Me, personally, I'm not into the race. Yeah. But I'm not judging the people that are because right. I it's understand so right. I yeah. that, mm-hmm. that that's, mm-hmm. I, I would never be unfair like that. It's yeah. just me. Yeah. But I can understand why the teams and the riders are a little like, eh. And even Jason Anderson. You think he doesn't want to rebound in 2020 after what happened in 2019? Right. Oh, if he well, won he a just com- title, well, he just committed. So he just yeah. committed four or five weeks to going over there. So it can rain, and he can crash into his teammate. And it's Ugh. over. It's over, and I feel bad. And for his brand, I think it's great. But, man, do you know how much time and effort he invested in a race that the rain yeah. comes and ruins it all? I know. For nothing. And I that know. jeopardizes his ability to, I don't know, enjoy some time with his friends and family. And I'm not talking about the team fried friends that go with him because yeah. they do their thing. But maybe Anderson would like some time off. So that he could be 100% fresh on his prep to go and get the damn Supercross title back. But no, he committed to do it so it could rain and ruin the whole damn thing. That's badass on him, but that may, maybe should explain to some people why the riders maybe don't want to do that race. Yeah, They need to do whatever it takes to win the Supercross title. That's what they're paid for. That's yep. what the teams exist for. Yep. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. Yes. You just can't have what you want all the time, and I don't see a solution. I don't see a solution to fixing that five-week break we were just phenomenally lucky that the ama and the outdoor promoters weren't smart enough to realize all along the series should have ended earlier all along the week the weekends off during the season aren't as helpful as having a longer off season when you don't have to train at all and dude dude the nationals used to end in october right that is so weird they used to end in October, and then they'd race Anaheim in January. That is nuts. So they've made phenomenal improvements. It's better for the quality of life of the racers, all of the racers, not just three of them who are racing mm-hmm. donations. I just don't see a solution for the schedule thing, which sucks because I think of the number one factor of anything. There's, as you said, there's easily ten reasons why Team USA is not winning. I think the biggest one, I don't know where the blame pie chart is, but I think the five weeks is the biggest. Maybe, maybe not. But it's definitely one of the big ones. But I just don't know how to solve it. You can't have what you want all the time. I'm sorry. And then um, we the, the disconnect is you would think if this is the race the fans are most into, how is it not seen as a marketing hook at all for these teams? Yeah. But what you know from being in the trenches, every, this is one of the most common misconceptions that I see from fans. They'll always say, like, yeah, but ultimately, I mean, the racing, the riders are spokespeople. It's a marketing thing for the team. It is not. It is a results thing. That is it. Teams care about one thing and one thing only, and that is getting results in the series that they are budgeted for. The best example I always give, 
Kevin Windham and a lifetime deal with the Geico Honda team. You can ride for us as long as you want. Everybody loved Kevin Windham, right? Rode for him forever. When he decided to pull the plug, they let him pull the plug. He never had to negotiate his contract. It wasn't like you ever heard Windham might not get a ride. Right. So I said to the Geico team guys, I'm like, oh, that's because Windham's super popular and everybody loves him. They're like, no, it's because Windham can still win races. Every single year he's lined up, he's been a guy that can win. The PR is cool. Yeah, they weren't doing charity for him. Right. The PR is cool, but every year Kevin Windham came to the gate, that could be a year where he could win. And that's why he had a lifetime contract. If the Kevin Windham PR thing wasn't enough to get him a ride, it ain't getting anybody a ride. The team's number one goal, they don't look at his marketing, they don't look at his branding, they don't look at his PR. Their job is to win races. And unfortunately, if Jason Anderson is struggling in February, is anyone going to go on social media or Vital MX and say, who cares that he's eighth in Supercross points? Remember that he rode for Team USA? Is yeah. that even going to get brought up, remembered, mentioned at all? No, the same guy that said how badass it was that he was there will say, what a scrub in February. It's true. And not even connected to. No. So I just, I wish there was a way to channel this unbelievable energy that is great that one weekend a year, as you said. That one weekend a year, it is so hot. But I can't figure out a way to strap that onto the entire season and make it matter more to the teams, the brands, the riders, the marketing, the fans to not turn their back. Anderson, Osborne, and Cooper should have like a three-year, you-can't-talk-any-trash-on-them yeah. contract with all fans, but they won't have it. They won't have it. So, yeah. sorry, guys. It ain't changing. The schedule's not going to change. No, and again, if they're going to win this race, yeah. which I still think is possible, you get the right lineup on the right day in the right circumstances, yeah, they can't. So. Yeah. The odds are going to be way more uh, yeah. uh, less in their favor from here on out. Yeah. So if you're a fan of the Motocross of Nations and you're into yeah. it, get into it every year and hope that everything works out. And when it doesn't, maybe lighten up on the riders, lighten up on the teams, lighten up on you know, yeah. you know the fact that it didn't go yep. well. Because honestly, the odds are stacked against the U.S. from here yeah. on out forever. Steve, uh, last week's show, said uh, he doesn't know if they'll ever win again. So there you go. That's how stacked apparently the odds are. That's really stacked. That is like really stacked. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I would argue that if they weren't going to beat the Netherlands at that track, no. but if the the rosters that were there last yeah. weekend were at a more typical track yeah. and there was no rain, that team could have won. That Our three that went could have beat the Netherlands if the conditions were right for us. And I know that's sad and weak, but it is what it is. It's got to be right for us to have a shot. But that yeah. team had a shot. Yeah. On yeah. a regular track, yep. In, in the mud, yep. no chance. No. On the sand against Netherlands, no chance. On right. a regular track with what France had and what Great Britain had, Dude, they were so beat up. Those teams, every yep. team was beat to crap. Yep. We actually were pretty healthy and prepared. Yeah. If that would have been anywhere more typical with no yep. bad weather, yep. They had a shot straight up. Yeah. Anderson's big game guy. Osborne's been over there. Cooper showed on Saturday that he's big game. Yeah. They could have done it if the circumstances were right, and that's what we're going to have to hope for every year. Just hope that it works out. It was almost there. I mean, in 16, I think they were the best team Anderson got landed on. Um, and in 15, the, all the guys rode really well. The French, they went, the French were just a smidge better in France. And but they were really, those two years, they were as competitive as any other team. And the Anderson year, when he got landed on, yeah. that was not the A team. That was like the C team. No. Webb was a rookie. Amart was not the next best guy, and neither was Anderson. That was like the C team, and yeah. they almost won it. But yeah, Anderson didn't. He hurt himself outdoors, and they like brought him off the scrap heap. He raced the last 
He raced in Indiana to be like, wait, what? I got to get in race shape because I'm doing donations. Yeah, and Webb hops on a 450. Yeah. Amar is just your rock. He was good all summer, but whatever. Yeah. He wasn't the guy. Right. And right. they almost won the damn thing, but a freak accident took it away. So that, that should tell you right there that it's definitely possible. Yeah, they're not going to be the eighth fastest team forever. No. They should be a podium team. And then, as Osborne said last week, if you're a podium team, you're one mistake away if you don't make it to be in the one that wins. So exactly. I think they will win again. But as far as the calendar, and by the way, on the GP side, uh, why would those teams agree to have the donations before their championship is wrapped up? Well, They would never would, do that. Th- that would be not fair for them. Because no. at the same time, they've got guys who are fight for t- now this year was different because um geisher was, was up. Yeah, but whatever you don't know that, that going you can't in. yeah you can't go in no. predicting that so yeah. and that's not fair for them to no. jeopardize their champ i mean would yeah. would our team send a guy in between around 11 and 12 oh, no for that hell no we no. barely send one <laughs> when it's when there's, nothing. It's, when there's nothing yes so I, it's one of those things i think it's unfortunate mm-hmm. and i think y'all just need to accept it that's kind of the new norm Yep, and root for the team, and give the guys that go props, and don't judge the ones that don't go. That's not fair for them either. Uh, I would have loved to seen Adam and Eli; would yeah. have loved it. Yep, but I don't blame them for not going. They have a job to do. They are paid to do one thing, and that's win a 450 Supercross title. It's what they're both paid for now. Yeah, and that race affects those odds. So it sucks, but that's what it is. Can't have everything you want all the time. I'd like to have everybody. They say you cannot be too rich or too thin. Meaning that there's always more that you want. We would love for those schedules to line up. It just ain't going to happen. And then use that philosophy, everyone, with everything else in life. So we don't complain about every single thing that happens being done. About how does it affect me personally? At least understand that there's reasons why things happen. As opposed to be like, I'm going to invent some dumbass way to, <laughs> to make this happen. Like, it ain't going to happen. And it's not because the promoters of either series are stupid. They have very smart reasoning to why the races end when they do right it just is what it is that's my race take rant use that in all aspects of your life if something doesn't go the way you want say too like, bad you know it's too bad i can't have my way yeah i can't have my way good job you back marks yes all right we're back yes and we I'm got back. pizza and there's pizza here so all right but we are not done because mm-hmm. we have another segment yep we interrupt this broadcast to bring you this important bulletin from btosports.com Here's the tweets of Travis. That piece is yours. I saw that. Yeah, it's going to be tough to eat on the air. It's going to be tough. <clears throat> well, I, I said it there in hopes that uh, everyone would. I don't know. Just I, get excited for I'll it. Your line, if you want, for a second here, DB. We'll. Ra- we'll uh... It's all good. I just wanted a pepperoni. It wouldn't be fair for me okay. to start killing oh, I don't care. <laughs> Dude, I'm... Plus, I need to go get the ranch out of Steve. Steve uh, would. I, I'll make it's the sacrifices. What do we got, Chad uh, Smarts? This, this is our last segment, so we'll uh, we'll do this and, and be done. Okay. Um, from Mr. Nick Nays, how is Jet Lawrence going to get a Supercross license? I don't recall seeing him, seeing him at Supercross Futures last year, but maybe he was. Do factory-level riders get a Supercross license based on their abilities? I thought he was. I can tell you this. They don't. I mean, we've seen it. Austin Forkner had to race that the, the when it was arena cross. Yeah. There is no wiggle room. Um, I he either did one or he will do he one. He did, but if he didn't, then he'll probably end up racing east. He'll probably do uh, Anaheim and Glendale and Futures, and then go race east. I mean, that's not unheard of. Well, furthermore, uh, I don't believe it was signed, sealed, delivered, and stamped that he's necessarily even racing Supercross this year. They're gonna have to. He's just too damn good. No, it's not even that. Look at the roster: Sexton, Chaymart, Shimoda, 
The roster was built around him not being part of the Supercross team. Okay, Craig's not going to be racing. Well, yeah, the Craig does. <laughs> Hunter Lawrence isn't going to be racing. <laughs> the Craig thing definitely throws a wrench in it. They have three guys. Yeah. He would be the fourth. He's right. going to probably have to. Um, do you want to mention something about riders starting off very early in their career in Supercross? I mean, you want me to do my rant? <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll have Race Tech rant number two. Actually, uh, let me just throw a shout-out okay. to uh, Firepower. This is a very light battery. This is a featherweight battery. Firepower batteries. Power past your overpriced OEM battery of Firepower, fueling your adrenaline rush, backed by a two-year warranty, Japanese quality. Uh, so go for it. Get Instead of spending $500 on one of these batteries, spend at most $120. Uh, Instagram, at Firepower Parts. Website is firepowerparts.com. I'm holding this battery in my hand. I am not strong. It weighs nothing. It weighs like as much as my phone. Go ahead, Daniel Blair. Oh, boy. I don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a fan of the riders starting their pro career in general. At you know, Hangtown. At Hangtown and racing a full outdoor tour. Yes. Yes. Um, I Look, the teams are going to do what they think is best for them, what's yeah. best for the riders. And yeah. I know that right now there are riders and parents even that want to push this and speed it up. And I, I just... I'm I'll bluntly say I think that's just one of the dumbest things of all time. It's a good rant. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's it. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. No, for real though. Check it out. These kids race amateurs their whole career. Um, then they go and do the last three outdoors, and that's over before they even know what just happened. Yeah. Then they go to the test track. Mm-hmm. They master the test track because, well, duh, they yeah. ride the same damn track mm-hmm. every day. Yep. They develop their bikes to work at that one track. They mm-hmm. probably don't even know how to develop their bikes. So they ride whatever they're told. And then you send them out into Supercross. Yeah. That, uh, if you care about the kid, you don't do that. Because it's like literally throwing them to the wolves. Mm-hmm. And it's so unfair, so dangerous, because these kids are paid to go out there and win. Uh, they want to compete. They don't know anything but winning. All they did as an amateur was win, 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 win. And now they go in there and they and they think back in time to, well, they can't think back to Bradshaw, but they think back to the other rookies that have come in and been great, and they want to yeah. be one of them. Yep. Yep. So they have no experience, no clue about the risk, adversity in Supercross. Yeah. The teams are pressuring them to win, yeah. and they go out and get hurt, or they suck. Mm-hmm. And their career is ruined. Look at I mean, some of the guys right now who are on their way out of their factory rides. They don't give you much time. No, because no. they didn't develop these riders yeah. correctly and allow yeah. them to go into their first year with either A, a second year on their deal, or B, a summer's worth of racing pro where it actually sticks in their brain of what it's like to race against real grown-ups and not the other kids that, oh, by the way, didn't have the bikes they had as, as amateurs. So I just think it's dumb. And if you look back to Tomac and Barsha, Yep. Forkner, a lot of the guys that are successful yep. now, they started in the outdoors and got time. Mm-hmm. You know, look at um, Sexton's first Supercross. How'd oh. that go? Dude, that was the uh, Moto Fest. He didn't make it. He didn't make it to the Moto Fest. Basically, no. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, how was Cooper's? And dude, the Justin Cooper flying at the test track—that's like his specialty. He I would, heard people saying, "Dude, he's going to win Anaheim one his first Supercross." And he was in the LCQ, and then he was hurt at round two. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. um, and now there's going to be your Dungies out there. Dungie is the outlet. You can't consider anything he's ever done as that's the norm. I'm sorry, but no one coming up is Dungie. Yeah. And I just, I mean, if, if it's me in the future and it's my kid, yeah, I, I would never allow it. Like, you're going to literally put this much on his plate yeah. when he has no clue what the hell he's doing out there. He's either going to go for it and get hurt. Yep. Or he's not going to go for it, and now his first impression of Supercross is getting chewed up and spit out. 
He'll lose any. It's just dumb. If I'm any of these teams, you have the kids prepare October, November, December for Supercross. Like they're part of the team. They test. They train. They do the motos. They okay. fly at the test track. January 1st, off the Supercross track. Go get ready for Hangtown. Now that means they get a whole year of racing pro, and they come around there next year. Yeah. They've already done an off-season. This is now their second off-season. Yeah. They kind of have an idea of how to ride Supercross. They've raced pro now for all summer. Mm-hmm. Then when they go to their first race, they're actually like, they're not vets, but they're not rookies. And yeah. you just, I don't think you start your rookie year in Supercross. It's, the risk is too high for injury or shattering any bit of confidence these guys have mm-hmm. in a discipline that they haven't done for 15 years. It's just... Yeah. If, if you're gambling and playing the odds, you're playing with fire every time you do that. And this year is the weirdest year ever. There are literally like seven rookies starting in Supercross. And they're, just, they're in for rude awakening. That doesn't mean one or two might not pop through because it'll happen. No, man. But, there's always exceptional, exceptional talents that can win their first race and whatnot. The Hunter yeah. Lawrence one is going to be really the toughest because part of the reason I think he's so good, remember that? Jet Lawrence. EMA, sorry, right. Jet Lawrence. Hunter Lawrence has already had his lumps. We didn't even make it to Supercross last year. Um, he did come through that EMX program in Europe, so he's kind of seasoned beyond his years in motocross. He which might showed. be a weird one because, but at the same time, he probably has. Well, I know he has. He's either the least amount of Supercross experience or tied for the least because he basically had none. No, he as of had now. none. He just started yes. a couple weeks ago. Exactly, he had none. Most Americans, I think, at some point probably get on a track. Maybe they did Monster Cup. So he has a lease, so that's going to be a really difficult uh, decision for them to make. I would not be shocked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the best odds on it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a replacement rider first before throwing him to the Wolves out there. If I'm gambling, yeah, I'm taking the safe bet on someone that I yeah. really think has something. The yeah. last thing I'm going to do is put any unnecessary risk on someone that I think could be a champion for Yeah, me. he's 16 years old. There's no rush. And look at the – I mean, mm-hmm. Swole, um, Brown – uh, yeah, Derek Drake Shimoda, still race Supercross. Yeah. Drake though he, but he did the uh, long he did, way. He around. did the long, long way, and he yeah. did the whole outdoors. So for him, it's go time. I mean, you had your whole sure. year, summer year. You don't skip that. No, but even Mitchell Falk last year, dude, that was rough. What do you do? Two outdoors? Yeah, he got hurt at Hangtown. And now how'd Supercross go? Um, and then how'd outdoor go? Because how did Supercross go? Yeah, and Sean now Cantrell, he's out. Got a shot. Yep. It's yep. just. I mean, for me, if if I have a prized possession and I've invested how much time in their amateur career, <laughs> yeah, and these yeah, factory yeah. teams are now hiring yeah, these yeah. kids when they're mm-hmm. negative four. Yeah. If I'm invested that much in, the last thing I'm doing is doing anything risky that mm-hmm. ruins what I might have with this kid. And I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. We will see how they work that Hunter Lawrence situation. Tweet at Travis Marks. What do you, you got? You need a Snickers, I think, or some pizza. No, I just... You're I, not yourself when you're hungry. I, I, honestly, I feel bad. <laughs> for the ones that don't work out for, and I don't think it's all the way their fault. Uh, this one from Blake. Weed, Travis, and Blair, what is the most important reason behind Mathis and the Pulp Empire's success? And also, what is one thing you would each do differently for Pulp if you were in charge of instead of Steve? Uh, I've thought about this a million times. I even talked to Steve about it. Um, you and I discussed this when we were at lunch today. Uh, we know that there have always been these cool characters in the sport but they never had a place to expose that. I mean, when you were like us and you read Cycle News and Motocross Action growing up, there just wasn't enough room. So Rick Johnson and Jeff Ward got the most coverage because they were winning the most races. Now, you know that there were 
the guys that have become exposed to this show, the grumpiness of Phil, the energy of Seven Deuce Deuce, everybody loves Alex Ray, all these guys. Steve knew that was in the pits, and he figured out a way to expose that for the first time. That is a genius. I don't think, I know for a fact people did not see his vision. He saw it, so he reaps the reward. Yeah, he definitely does, and the reason why, too, is the world has changed. Podcasts are so big. I mean, yeah. the radios have taken a hit iTunes and even Spotify, they've all taken a hit yeah. because podcasting now is taking up people's times and their yeah. ears when they travel and whatever. Yep. Um, and for him to get that early into it is yeah. obviously why he's reaping the rewards now is he got in before anyone else did. And now it's like everyone's kind of had to catch up. Yeah. And he cemented himself as yep. the source for people's ears when they drive to work or when they're at work, whatever. It's I mean, think about how big podcasts are right now, but the ones that got in earlier, oh, dude. I mean, there's, it's just so smart. Yep. And as far as, isn't there a second part? What would we change? Uh, what would you do differently if you were in charge? Everything else. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yep. No argument? No. The show's terrible. Yeah. Give, other, my, uh, give myself other a raise. Than, other than starting in the beginning, everything else is pretty bad. Right. <laughs> right. I'm down. <laughs> That's where you guys come in. <laughs> yeah. Episode this, one. We should have done this 10 years ago. <laughs> Episode one. Yeah. This was from Per Danker. Weege, how angry were you and Davey at Steve when he released the photo of Roxon on a Honda? Was that the one that was leaked by uh, Lars, I think? Is that where it came from? I don't know. I, I don't think anybody knows where it came from. That's like for... four years ago, but I think it was it was like Lar- either Lars is in the photo or it came from him or something like that. Um, Just blew Lars out. Uh, I, 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 think, I think that's what it was, yeah. But anyway, maybe it was a Fox guy or something like that. No, I don't remember that one. Look. There have been many Mathis bombs through the years. So bad that as I like to tell the story, Davey once sent him off to work for Transworld for a year, hoping it would actually like internally destroy Transworld. Like Steve would piss people off enough to ruin <laughs> Transworld. That was actually the plan. Uh, there have been many times where Davey has called Mathis mad, but I don't know if that Roxham one uh, was actually was actually one of them. I think we're okay with that. No. Right. Yep. From Tanner Hall, what happens this summer when AC, Kenny, and Sexton are all on four fifties? Do they split their training group up? Hmm. We we talked about that at lunch a little bit. I don't. Just the, yeah, the yeah. AC thing. I didn't even think about Sexton, but yeah, it's coming soon. I I uh I think I'm on the opposite end of you with this. I think a lot of this drama between dudes is is over overplayed, oversaid, overrated. I'm still waiting for this Baker's Factory thing to collapse year after year. It never collapses year after year. Most of the guys stay. So I'm gonna say probably be okay. Probably because of the personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about it at lunch. AC's in a really funny spot. Yeah. He's going to be teammates with Eli Tomac, who is, I mean, he's, I mean, on the top of the pecking order right now as one of, you know, maybe the, probably the favorite to win next year, as he is always. Yeah. Yeah. That's his teammate. Mm-hmm. That's going to be, you know, its own issue. Yeah. His riding partner is Ken Roxon, maybe number two on the pecking order. I mean, obviously, you give Webb and Anderson their respect, but you're probably going Tomac Roxon are the two, right? Yeah. AC is going to train with one, spend all day in the semi with the other one, and he's going to be really good. And I could see him frustrating both of them at some point. And I'm very anxious to see how that's going to go over because in the Cowie rig, AC is going to be a little bit more likable. They're going to like him more. He's going to be outgoing and friendly and fun to be around and whatever. They're going to love him. And at the test track, Roxon's going to be, you know what? I really like you, but maybe AC gets a win before Roxon gets his next one. And how is Kenny going to feel about that? 
AC is going to be uh, surrounded by a lot of people that I think are going to be a little uncomfortable with the success that I think he's going to have early. So I'm anxious to watch that. And as a storyteller of the sport, that's kind of my job, your job. It's going to be rad to see how that happens. It's, uh, it's cool. like a double dynamic. Oh, yeah. Because he's training with Roxon, teammates with Tomac. If he wins Anaheim 1, where is oh. he more? Uh, where is he going to be more uncomfortable? Back in the semi or back at the te- uh, practice track? Right, because Roxon will probably high-five him. Right? If he wins Anaheim 1, Roxon will probably be like, good They're job, buddies. buddy. Yeah, yeah. But, but that doesn't mean Roxon is going to be pumped about it on Monday. Yeah, but I think what you're saying is Roxon might be more pumped than Tomac is. Oh, he would probably be better about it just because they're oh. friends. But right. Kenny's trying to get that win. He's been trying for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. And if Adam just won Anaheim 1, I, I could see Kenny being, good job, bro, that's great, and being like, what the hell? Dude, if he wins Anaheim 1, there's going to be every single emotion on earth coming out of that one if he wins his first that he even uh, enters. And the, it'll be mm-hmm. weird in the Cali pits. Okay. Say that. All right. Go ahead, Marks. From T-Bone. What hurt more, RV getting knocked out in round one or AJ's nuts slash ankles after he did a Superman off the dragon's back? Uh, I was worried, as I believe I mentioned earlier in this show, the idea of Red Bull straight rhythm is that anything can happen when you have a very short run. That usually works to their event's advantage, but it almost backfired because we almost had all the superstars knocked out. And I hate to say it, everyone likes the young guys or the lesser knowns or the underdog story. But if you had a final that was... Two riders that most people hadn't heard of, it wouldn't have been the same as, hey, who won straight rhythm? Roxon. Oh, dude, must have been cool if Ken Roxon raced it. So, yeah, Villapoto being knocked out early hurt. Um, Cooper Webb got knocked out early. I think that hurt. Um, whatever, if you're counting zero, you're trying to be Pastrana for the night? That was the he did it. That was the best pain ever. That pain uh, felt so good. Well, think about it for him, too. He definitely looked cool. That was one factor. Uh-huh. But then what happened and the fact that he saved it? Oh. I, I mean... That'll be legend forever. Going, I mean, I'm sure he probably didn't like the fact that that happened in that moment, but going back, he's probably pretty stoked that that happened. Yeah, he didn't get <laughs> that, hurt, that he hurt. was okay, yes. and it worked out because that made, I think that was cooler even than if he would have won. Yeah. Good job, you won. That was cooler, what he did, it was in my opinion. Far more memorable. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, from Too Clingy, who's the better retired athlete? RV2, failing to make it past the first round again. Uh... Or Tony Romo failing to make the cut in golf? Anybody know about that? I mean, Romo is a NFL legend, made over $100 million, and happened to be like PGA-level golfer, and he missed the cut. That's like if Villapoto barely missed a cut at, you know, in a totally different, GP or something. Yeah, or yeah. not even that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, totally different, like totally different uh, sport, track sport. and field or something. Um, yeah, I don't think you can fault Romo for being good enough to even like be in the conversation to even do it so yeah, he, yeah. Wh- while he was making a hundred million dollars playing the nfl he also is pga level golfer that there's not many people like that do i need to join the party and say how many playoff games did he win just to jump on the cowboys thing like everybody else does with you just saying how many playoff games did he win do you want me to ask the next question now? yeah okay next question <laughs> from randy richardson's bad jokes Hmm. Being Daniel and Tyler Bowers are so tight, do you think he led up against Pastrana, or should he be embarrassed by almost getting beat by a guy doing a backflip? You want to take that one? Well, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it was addressed directly to Daniel. Nah, dude, whatever. First of all, I cannot overstate he's riding 1988 technology bike. Pastrana had an old 500 engine putting in a, 
I had heard it was a 2017 Suzuki frame. Maybe it was a 2009. Even 2009 is a whole lot better than 1988. So I know it sounds crazy, but Pastrana had a better bike. And it's Travis Pastrana. He's capable of crazy things. Yeah, and like Travis said, he closes his eyes. Yeah. And he goes for it. That's what you're up against. Right, and Bowers again. Um, I, that was probably one of the worst motorcycles you could have ever ridden yeah. on that track. Right. So win or lose, like, come on. That I mean, I didn't even I, – I, I was under the impression that he was going to have a hard time even doing threeing it? and threeing yeah. and threeing just yeah. because that thing is just what it is. And dude, he looked damn near as good as he looks on a four. He looked almost the exact same, to be honest. I know. So it's kind of a win-win for him either way. Does anybody know why he was wearing a fanny pack? No, we were w- trying to figure that out. Was that just we, for show? Uh, we were trying to figure that out because there was a definite fail. I forgot about this. I wasn't trying to hide it. There was a fail on the show called uh, the so-called enhanced audio, which was absolutely dehanced audio. I mean, it made the bike <laughs> sound so bad. So they told us, look, Red Bull's usually on the cutting edge. When they tell you they got some new technology for their videos, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's going to be sick, dude. Well, they said they had these special microphones that were going to make a two-stroke sound better than ever. And everybody believed it until I actually heard it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this sounds so bad. So in that run, Bowers had the sound. And I thought it was because they had maybe microphones on that fanny pack. But then the fanny huh. pack disappeared and the sound remained. Oh, weird. Yeah. There was a question from Spenny, who signed off on the Straight Rhythm Enhanced Audio. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, I think that was, um, like I said, you give the Red Bull technology team the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I don't think that whoever came up with that knew what part of two-stroke sounds good. And then maybe it was enhanced because it was louder, but it definitely wasn't better. From Pat Stott, what's your thoughts on FIM's figures on spectator attendance at Assen? 74,000, apparently. It's hard for me to say for two reasons. A, uh, Daniel and I talked about this earlier today. Um, People looking around and guessing how many people is historically unbelievably inaccurate. And second, I wasn't there, so I don't even know what the crowd looked like. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I never even looked. I was watching, well, I couldn't see through the (laughs) raindrops that were You were were watching a dirty lens? Yeah, I actually couldn't see anything, but they said 74,000. Yeah, apparently. Well, keep in mind, everyone. Hey, looks like they did pretty well. Uh, (laughs) One thing they do is that is always the weekend total. That's literally meaning we had 25,000 people three days. So that's one way that I shouldn't even use the word inflate. Like, they'll claim that's accurate. Um, so do keep that in mind. Manipulate. That didn't mean 75,000 people were there on Sunday. I mean, it's yeah. even like TV ratings. When you hear the number, they don't know how many people were in the house or how many people TVs yeah. were on. There could be yeah. one house with 15 people all over because they have a Supercross party. So yeah. if it says 400,000 viewers, yeah. that could be 400,000 or 800,000. I yeah. mean, how many people sit there and watch alone? Yeah, it's probably... Yeah, realistically, people wise, over a million. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, and at the bars when they're at the bars, but you know, how many are actually watching? The, the the numbers game is like that's a game that they probably try their best to be accurate on. It's never accurate, and I, I when I hear numbers like that, I how do they do they skew it good or bad? You never know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, there's don't multiple know. reasons to lie in either direction. Yeah, you make it yeah. look big because you're like, look how big this was. Or you make it look small because you don't want everyone to know how much money you made. That's it. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, we only had a f- 600, actually. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you coming to tax collecting? Yeah, yeah. Right. we didn't even make money on this. All right, from Kiefer's left shoe. Jason, DB says Supercross tracks are exciting because they're different, and you watch the riders dissect a track, even though JT does his staging area 
and tells us how they'll ride the track. Mm-hmm. And Steve says the great outdoors is better because old riders hit a lot of the same sections as riders today. What do you think? I don't understand. Like what? What's I'd, I'd like, like to, supercross tracks I'd are like different. To, maybe a little backstory will help, and I can clean up that argument too. I've heard you talk about this on your show. Yeah, yeah. I like supercross more than outdoor because I like to see a brand new track. And yes, the obstacles, triples, and whoops, whatever. But I like to see a brand new track and layout. I get it. And when I like you go to, to see Seattle these guys. Year, the track is not last year's Seattle yes, supercross track, but Washougal is the same every year. Yes, okay, and for I get me, it when I watch okay. the outdoors, yeah. Within a lap or two, it's it's the same track mostly, say ninety percent, absolutely. Or supercross, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, these guys have how much time? They're gonna figure this out and then they're gonna go race on a new track. And the argument kind of got a little bit messed up to where it was like, I said, why don't the outdoor tracks change more? Mm-hmm. Take Bud's Creek, yeah. don't change the things that are legendary, the off camber. You don't change right. the things that you can't or the things you don't want to. Unadilla, right. you're not gonna change. But everything else. Make that tabletop a set of rollers. Make those rollers a tabletop. Just change up the most you can obstacle-wise in the areas that doesn't ruin the legend. You're not going to take Larocco's Leap out and put uphill whoops. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you turn left. Yeah. There's that roller. Why don't you come in and then the next right, make it an actual turning double. And then the finish line jump after you land. I'm, what I'm saying is, is you can change the tracks 30% without ruining you can the have the best of both worlds of where you that. get the legendary stuff, but you also get the, whoa, what's this going to be like? And Hangs how are they going to attack? Oh, yeah. Hangstown. Hangtown. Hangtown has the big fly 150. Well, actually, no. What did they replace it with? Uphill whoops. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next year, they'll probably bring it back. And all yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. is that makes the riders have to even adjust everything around a new track and figure out how to get through this year's track instead of going... Wow, I've ridden here now for eight years in a row, and I can close my eyes and ride this track because this one didn't change. I'm saying take 30% of the track that yeah. doesn't ruin its status and all the cool things about it and just put different obstacles here and there to make them have to learn something new and learn how to go fast on something new. That's the coolest part of Supercross is they go racing after 30 minutes of practice, and now they're going to go race for points and money, and they had to learn that that day. That's crazy. That, to me, is the coolest part of Supercross is learning a brand-new track. Not new obstacles that are being invented out of the wind, right? but a new design of those obstacles. Anaheim 1 every year is pretty creative. I can't wait to see what Anaheim 1 looks like and how these guys figure it out and then go racing. That, to me, is one of the coolest parts of the sport. I do like the history part of uh, saying in any sport, you know, when they play at Lambeau Field, you get to say, well, remember this happened here and this happened there. I like that idea that, uh, you know, we all know where that straightaway where Stu landed on RC in 2005 at Unadilla is. And, and you never change those, those right. places. So I think you're right. You've figured out the way to literally have – it's the best of both worlds. You get both elements in one. It's not Keep a bad idea. Keep the legendary parts yeah. of the track so yep. that you, when you're on TV, can talk about that Stu and RC moment. Yep. But then, you know, the next little turning double? Try something new down into that right. area. Yep. Just hmm? one jump. Not a bad idea. And then do it in maybe four spots on the track, and yep. boom. Now you have something new to watch instead of Unadilla yep. again. Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea. All right, a couple more quick ones. Uh, from Chris Gall, I quit listening to Weege's podcast quite a while ago because uh. of the long intro and mm. ridiculous song. Is it safe to listen again? I don't know. It doesn't have a ridiculous song. It is a great song. So I, he <laughs> must be thinking of a different podcast. He I must. don't know what yeah, don't he's know. talking about. It's great. Yes. Uh, last one you may have touched on, but I don't remember. Uh, from Brett Hershey, what happened to Jason Anderson being at Street Rhythm? Yeah, I forgot. I was going to have uh, Pernard or, or uh, Malat talk about that, but we were getting stretched for time. So, yeah, he was there on Friday. Uh, it blew my mind. He was on a two-stroke. He said he rode it two days. He was had been a little busy, in case you hadn't noticed. 
Um, yeah, see you guys. Motocross the Nations ruined Cena oh. Anderson at Red Bull Straight Rhythm. <laughs> yeah, so that really, there you go. It's a big loss. So, um, and I'm had, making a joke for all you people yes. that don't understand sarcasm. Yes, that's, I'm, you, right. I'm playing. Right. We we do know that the Nations is more prestigious for sure. Um, he also said he had not. He never got back on a Supercross track after he got hurt. When he finally got back, so we're talking January. Yep. Round. He said third week of January, yeah. basically. Had never ridden a two stroke really at all. And dude, you see him hit those whoops to the finish. <laughs> it's not like he had to roll them a lap to get it down. You know, first time he gets into them, he blitzes them. I thought he looked not great, but actually one of the better. Everybody on Friday, the only guys to me when they first get on those two strokes on Friday that looked Hanson. <laughs> Hanson was good. Villapoto was good, and Roxon looked good. Roxon said he felt horrible, but he looked fast. Then RV cased that quad. He was never the same after that. Anderson was okay. I was shocked to hear that he, he wasn't comfortable on the bike. I don't know if it was a mechanical problem or he thought it was a mechanical problem being like, this bike feels weird just because it's different. But either way. Yeah, or he's like, look, I already had a bad motocross the nations. Yeah. Last thing I need to do is get beat by Parker Mashburn tomorrow night. <laughs> That's a good point because who knew? I mean, he, I'm trying to get my supercross title back. I can't I be did, beat by Parker. I need yeah. to start going the other direction. Yeah. All right. And that's probably what happened. He probably went, you know what? This is risky, and I'm probably going to try too hard. Yeah. And either get hurt, or I'm going to not try hard and look like a scrub, and it's not really worth it. So long story short, on Friday night, he said, I'm not comfortable. I don't feel safe. I don't want to do it. I don't know if it was a legitimate, like the bike was broken, or it was just, I just rode a 450 in sand for a month. I haven't ridden Supercross since January. I'm not comfortable. I don't know which one it was, but he didn't race. There you go. Both? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, look, if the bike broke and they couldn't fix it, that, that's all you need. But uh, maybe that wasn't even what happened. I don't know. He didn't race. That's too bad, really. I was bummed. Bike looked good. It did. Uh, they didn't show anybody that they had retro livery uh, until I got there. And then they actually showed me a picture of a 78 Husqvarna, and they actually like really looked at it and tried to make some cues. So, bummer that they did all that. Yeah. <laughs> Graphic yeah. guy was bummed. Yeah. <laughs> the whole bike was, um, to make it look silver... It was kind of like grayish because you're going, yeah. you know, they had metal tanks back then, but uh, it wasn't even white. It was it was more grayish to look like it had like a, I don't know if that tank would have been steel or aluminum back then. They tried, but you never got to see it. Sorry. All right. Yep. Um, That's old news, right? It is now. And uh, speaking of those two-stroke Husqvarna's, did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna comes with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? 65 years ago, Vertex Pistons was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Now it's an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. Sales at pivotworks.com. You want to go there, and you can even get a uh, special discount. I'm really confused because I'm finding, like, handwriting of websites and brands that are not matching this promo code that Mathis gave me. Just go to vertexpistons.com and order a Vertex Piston kit. I can't be wrong if I say it that way. I mean, what, do you, what do you expect with a show like this? It's... Yeah, we're, we're going to clean up. You know, let's do a uh, podium interview right here. You know, we learned a couple things. We're going to clean up some of the mistakes. We're going to come back. We learned a lot of things. We're going to try a lot of stuff and uh, try to use this as something to build on and come back stronger next week. Hey, you know, the best interview I've ever heard in my life was a couple weeks ago. I went to Laguna Seca mm -hmm. uh, for IndyCar just to kind of learn something new. Yep. Um, on the broadcast side and do some shadowing, whatever. Yeah. Um, this guy, uh, Rosenquist, I think his name is. Yeah. He gets DQ'd, uh, or not DQ'd, but he gets busted on the practice run because he, um, spins out and like ruins someone else's lap time. So they take his two fastest times away Okay, and it ruins his chance of getting in the top eight, which kind of ruins his chance to win. Laguna Seca is not a good track for passing, mm -hmm. um, historically. So 
He's fuming, pissed, going back to the truck, whatever. And I'm with Marty Snyder. Yeah. He's Marty the mogul. legend pit reporter. Yep. Dude's badass. Steve, the guy even did NBA for a while. He's unbelievable. I wouldn't yeah, doubt he's great. it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. He's great. Anyway, yep. so. He helped me out a lot, too, in my, my, my days. Big respect to Marty. Go ahead. Yeah. So I follow him. He's going over there. He's going to get an interview. It's important. Yeah. Whatever. Marty yep. charges right over there. Mm-hmm. The dude doesn't want to do an interview. Okay. The guy's PR manager comes out and says, just give me a minute. Let me yeah. calm him down, whatever. Yeah. And because this, you need this. This guy was like super fast. He was yeah. going to be top three. Mm-hmm. And now he's busted. It ruins the whole race the next day. Yep. Pissed. He comes out. This guy could see his face. He's just furious. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, you know, this is my first chance to watch right here an interview by like yeah. another sport athlete. Oh, my God. What's he going to do? And this guy comes out and goes, you know, I do not agree with the decision. Um, I think it was wrong. But, I mean, he blows out the race but mm-hmm. with respect. And I'm watching this going, man, he is aggressively giving it to him. And then he does the most boss pivot I've ever heard. This is to protect, I think, his credibility and his teams and make it look like he's not whiny. Because he, he's coming across bitchy. Yeah, okay. This is BS, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, and unfortunately, this is just bad for my team. They worked so hard to get oh, this car nice. ready. We could have won this race, and after everything that they did to get this right, oh. this is getting taken away from them, and, and that you know that bums me out. And I just feel for my team and everything they did. This, this is taken from them. And I'm like, oh, my God, you just flipped on the character. Now I'm like, this guy strategically puts it on how much this team's going to suffer and his mechanics and whatever. And I'm like, man, that was slick. And that's called... Major training, because those guys get trained young on how to do interviews. PR manager, you know he went in there and told him, look, you have to do the interview. Mm -hmm. But instead of just, you know, make your point, pivot, cover your own character. And he did. I'm like, dude, the dude's badass. I'm like a fan now. I like, I love the guy because it was just so slick on how to handle emotion. And then he literally turned around and, dude, I could see fume flying out of his ears after the interview. Yeah. But he was such a pro. Yeah, because you can't bag at him for whining when he's actually saying, "Oh, I'm not. It's what not even felt. about me." Yeah, yeah, that's what he really and, meant. And what it's he was complaining about, he really yeah. felt. He felt like he got gypped. Okay, but instead of saying they cost me a chance to win, yeah, they cost my team a chance. And after everything right. they put in to get this car ready, they they took it from them. And right. I'm like, "Oh man, you're bad." That yeah. was so good. You can't complain about him whining. Then it's not even about him. He's making it about them, even though really it's he's about him. Smart. Yeah, it was good. Uh, what kind of hat you got on right there? FMF. You don't even. You got so many. Okay. <laughs> FMF. Yep. I didn't uh, know which one it was. Yeah. Very good. FMF the drop. Uh, anyone that signs up prior to good October thirty first will get the drop slash Pulpamex specially designed for members only. It uh, that t shirt will ship November fifteenth. You can cancel and skip it any time. It's twenty nine ninety nine plus five dollar flat rate shipping, and we can ship worldwide. FMF always adds a great gift as on the side as a little supplement to your shipment. Always a cool surprise. Last couple of months, the drop has included tickets to Red Bull Straight Rhythm, Stan Socks, and we hear this month has something to do with Jeff Emig, our buddy, and the crew over at ODI. So uh, that's the FMF The Drop. Sign up. It's a monthly thing, and they send you something cool every month, and that includes the uh, pulp shirt if you sign up before October 31st. There you go. And you wore an FMF hat. You, it's almost like you knew this was coming. And a fly racing shirt. Amazing job, DB. Amazing yeah. job, Weege. We got anything else? Travis Marks. Uh, nope, that's it. We got did it. it. We That's got it. You pizza did it. sitting here, man. Yeah, we I got pizza. Yeah, we are done. Sucker. I put and it right under your nose on purpose. Episode one. Bigger, better, faster. Rebuilt. Rebuilt. Reborn. Yep. Better. 
And Rocky's back. See, Rocky knows too. Rocky, Rocky is out of control. He's like, man, that was good, guys. Right. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, big thanks to our guests, Travis Pastrana, Ricky Carmichael, appearing on the PulpitMex.com show, Brandon Hartraff, of course, our buddy Jason Thomas, Jeremy Malott, Eric Bernard, Daniel Blair, Justin Brayton. Justin Brayton. <laughs> oh, gosh, what a great I night. I can't believe you almost forgot. Yeah, well, oh, I'll be thinking about it uh, when I'm alone. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, sorry. All right. Uh, we got to go. That was totally different transfer of power will be happening there. Uh, we'll be back to, unfortunately, your regularly scheduled PulpMX.com show with its old host next week. Sorry. Thanks for listening. There's something I want to get off my chest. And it's about that summer when you went away to community college. I got an offer to do Playgirl magazine. And I did it. I did a full spread for Playgirl magazine. I, I mean spread, man. I pulled my butt apart and stuff, and I was totally nude, and it was weird. I, I mean, you probably didn't hear about it because I went under the name of Mike Honcho, but I just wanted you to know that. If you could hear me, if it got into your brain somehow, that I spread my butt cheeks as Mike Honcho.